Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 36 of Beer Nights the Podcast Adjunct Series Quarantine Edition. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is one, uh, if you've been following us, you've seen this particular gentleman on twice before, and the funniest part is this is the second time he's been on this year, but so much has changed. 2020 has been t- 10 years in one, so it's more than fitting. So we're going to bring in, once again, we have Noah Forrester Beerism co-hosting with Derek Robinson of Pub Brewski. Round of applause. What up, boys? What up? 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 How y'all doing? Good. Yourself? Mate, I am fucking fantastic. Because I'm looking at you sexy bitches. Derek, you don't have a beer. What's up? What's up with that, bro? Do we yeah. ever talk about that? Sure. It's almost, it's beer time. It's No, no. Time. You don't have a, a beard. I have a beard. No, I can't grow one. Oh, you can't grow one? <laughs> no. I thought one it was day, maybe. It's, it's, that's why we use like that's why we have a brewer like Zach that just has tattoos and a beard. We just okay. throw him in everything, so just, he just looks like a dead brewer. <laughs> I was gonna say they probably wouldn't let you in the AMBQ without a beard. I wasn't sure what the rules. Nah. No, exactly. Yeah. Like I just, I just, I go for on vacation for two weeks, don't shave, come back with a goatee, and, <laughs> and nobody, everything, everybody thinks it's a new look. It just, I like, can't accomplish. The whole <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. It's okay. You know what? It's nice. You stand out more. You know. No, yeah. everyone's yeah. too many beards. Too many beards. Too many tattoos. Goddamn it. We're all the same, right? I try to do the hair at least. Yeah, exactly. So you got the hair. Me and Noah look fucking identical here with the glasses and the beard and shit. So you know, you're unique. I like it. Just like your beers. Oh, we're going to get cracking into them tonight, mate. Um, just people, if you want to hear the history and everything of Pub Brewski, um, we, did, we did one in 2017. I think it was episode 68. And then we did the first episode this year of the adjuncts. No, what was it called? What was that series called? Fuck. Tiff, <laughs> what was the series we did? What was the first series we did this year? I don't know. What the hell was it called? Is it against, against, the oh, against the Grain. Against the Grain. Yeah. Sorry. Um, wow. Sorry. Yes, I know. Dude, I don't remember. That series almost feels like, yeah, that series fell apart because of COVID because we couldn't finish it how we wanted to. But the funniest part, every time I go to the channel to do something, I go to the page and it auto plays the trailer for the series. So it's your quote. And I just hear every single time I hear it. It's, it's hilarious because I've heard it 10,000 times. It's just your, the first like five words of your the, the quote that we took for it. Of mine or uh, of no, no of you, as you said, you said something like, "Every time we come around, uh, like," and you said "come around" before in the exact same way, and it and it like, I was like, "Oh, I have to keep it because I've heard it so many times." Because every time I thousand times, and you don't remember what I said. So. <laughs> no, dude, see, I'm I having your songs when you sing. I don't. I do not. You should. That's why we don't really perform a lot. No. Oh, when you're recording, you hold the phone like this, and you're reading off the phone, and then when we do okay. live stuff, um, it's a struggle. Where me and my brother are hopeless. You just write, you record it, you're like, All right, I don't listen to my own shit, it's weird. And you just, you forget about it. And you try to have, then we have to like practice for a month before a show, because I don't remember. You just fuck up and you think too hard. And it's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> anyway, beer time, boys. We are going to start with some haze. The, uh, this is the Double Dry Hop Pale Ale Bohem 5.5. Tell us about this one, brother. 100 Citra. Ooh, it's all yeah. Citra. Oh, it's nice cat piss in the can. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that in the loveliest way. I love it. Yeah, tell us about Did this you one, guys bro. do like cryo with this and other things, or is it just pellets, or what do you do? I will all well, it's always pellets, uh, but I'll, sp- I'll always split it between 
a certain percentage of cryo and a certain percentage of just regular T90. <laughs> What's T90? Just oh, it's just regular pellets. Okay. So cryo would be T35 in terms of equivalency. It just means the amount of green matter. But ah, okay. The yeah, so I always split between two, mostly because that at least gives me two different lots. So I get a little bit of variety instead, okay, right. instead of just having that singular one one farms or one blended variety of citra just to try to gotcha. throw it all up. So this one is mostly just a like kind of classic pale ale. Golden Promise is the main malt, 35% oats, I believe, inside of it. Okay. So on the high side amount of oats. And yeah, just try to keep it danky and keep it something that we can that brewers can drink mostly. Like I, a lot of the beers that we make that are like this is just because I'm looking for something that's not a double IPA. Right. <laughs> hey man, it's uh, you only so many of those bad boys you can drink uh, every day. All that sugar. Yeah, yeah. This one's slightly drier too, so which is nice. It kind of comes through nice. Still a touch green, but that happens. Like uh, it'll kind of age out. Boys, cheers. Cheers. Get in ya, babe. Get in ya. Tiff's going to help me out a bit because I feel like we're going to get through a few. <laughs> nice, man. Well, I think the 5.5 five might be the lightest thing you got. Yeah, by far. Well, what about the smoothies? Actually, aren't no, they? The, juice, the, yeah. the smoothies are lower. They're mm. like, they say 5.2. 5.2? Five five they're like 5.4, five 5.5. Five five. They're always a little right. bit strong. But okay. I guess. Kind of I, are, you, um, are you stuck with? Because you're not selling them through the SAQ or anything like that, are they stringent with the rules as far as making it like dead or not really? Eh? No, it's plus or minus 0.5. Okay. Like, and then you get to a certain point where if, I think it's like at 6.5, it's like plus or minus 1. So, mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you could be kind of very lenient. Just because the way we measure stuff doesn't really – it's kind of hard. You, you filter If you filter it, it's going to give you a different density. Then it will give you different alcohol content. Right, right. And, and if you actually use calculators, it's – it's complete craziness. So you never, it's, unless you send it to a lab, which almost nobody does, you never really know what percentage. Exactly. Or if you have a lab there. Yeah. Well, we, we do, but it's something that we'd have to do uh, like distillation to really get the alcohol content inside of it or use like some sort of alcohol meter. But okay. we don't have any of that stuff. So you have to send it out to a lab. It's not that expensive, 20 bucks, but still you have to send every product and we come out with like three to four, sometimes five a week, it seems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That and that up. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, we I, had the tap room, it was crazy, but now it's slowed down. So. Okay. Yeah, that's true, because I guess you can only do so many in, in cans and stuff, right? You don't want to be like. Yeah. Like, well, you, like the tanks you have behind are like just 200 liter tanks. So, like, canning that, especially the guys prime the line, you lose 50 liters right off the bat. And mm. then, so you're only getting, like, with clean beer, probably a finished product for 120 for canning, so it's not good. But that's why we bought Crowlers in recently, allowing us to kind of rotate those tanks. Because first COVID, first COVID wave, we weren't using them at all. We were right. Just like, yeah. Okay. So now the Crowlers allow you to continue to be creative and experimental, yeah. and then you can like bust them out. Um, exactly. Are they, are they one liter cans, by the way? We do seven fifty. Seven fifties. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense because they looked a little shorter, but I was like, oh, it must just be my head. I like that yeah. though. Yeah. Too, too much. Nicer size. It's just it's yeah. weird because, like, because we do them on our uh, production floor, we're allowed to do 750s. We want to kind of still do them in the tap room, but it's not really legal, right? Because uh, okay. like growlers are, or growlers or crowlers are supposed to be 900 mils minimum, and oh. so it's kind of that weird iffy thing. And it's it's even more fucked up because you're not supposed to be using 
uh, aluminum. It's uh, the laws would say like reusable. So it's oh. supposed to be glass and it's supposed to be 900. So it's kind of like the weird stuff. People just do whatever and kind of just leave it. <laughs> right. Well, so technically you know, you're like, not even supposed to be doing crawlers. No, unless you put one of those like weird reusable twist tops on them. But like people kind of do whatever they want. It's, yeah. We're, we're probably going to run the 750 and see what happens. Because it's a nice size. It's something I really yeah. have because it's too much. The 750 feels like, oh, I guess I'm... I mean, <laughs> I'm in for a big one. No, I was wondering why, because when I was putting them in the fridge, they're basically the same height as the other yeah. uh, cans, and they stacked perfectly. So I was yeah. like, I was like, oh fuck, man, it's going to be like a whole thing trying to fit this in, and everything kind of like fit nicely. And I was like, I wasn't sure. So that's that's dope. I like that a lot. Yeah. I feel like a lead is cool. The 750 is like it's good. It's good to share too, because yeah. the leader, like I guess you know, you get two of these bad boys pretty much, but. Yeah, with seven fifties. Steve from uh, Bebo from uh, Third Moon says uh, on the uh, percentage things. Like, but then how can so many places make beer at exactly eleven point nine percent? Well done, Steve. Oh, it's amazing. Um, yeah, Derek, man, your shit has been like this is such an interesting year for you guys. You guys have just gone from like when you got your system in August or September last year. Is that correct? Uh, we got it rolling in about August, uh, October or September were pretty much the first ones we were pulling out. Because okay. like, we had tried to time it because we I was building the, the tap room. I was just overloaded trying to get everything done for February and was never able to make the, my way to, uh, to China because I was designing the whole brewery at the same time. Right. So I was never able to separate myself. And then when it started again, when the... Like when the tap room started, it took kind of a month to settle in and try to get stuff running to a point where I was comfortable to leave to go to China. Then that's so I had to go do the visit. So we never had the time to open both up. So it kind of dragged, which thankfully we did because we were like running out of money while we were building it anyway. Right. So we were at least making the money while we were like while we were building the place during the summer. So we were able to like open up in September, October, and start cranking some beers out. Like as fast as we could, <laughs> right? Yeah, you <laughs> we try to just catch up because well, because like we we kind of went through the the summertime where we used to have a contract brewery that was almost dedicated to us. We were just doing all this stuff there. Where was and where I was even, that? I, it was Brucep, which was like in Griffintown near. Uh, it's closed now, but it was near Brasse um, de Montreal, like in that same. Oh, area. down there. Yeah, okay, I, think I remember that. Yeah. Okay. They were they're they're known for like Broken Seven. They've transitioned ah. recently to go to their Villain Brassard and a few stuff at Alchemist. So yes. that's what they're doing mm-hmm. over there. But I I had a large volume, like almost maybe two thirds of the volume or three quarters of the volume over there. Even like the brewer yeah. there is now my my production brewer here, like the head production brewer. So. Like uh, during the course of the summer, they closed in April. We weren't able to keep up, so we ha- we went down to no beers on tap in uh, in both our establishments, except for what was collaboration brews or wow. stuff that we were going and kind of getting contracted and not super <clears throat> happy with, which could have kind of done a little bit of bad towards us because we got a big exposure and getting four times the capacity for people, but not and giving everybody else's beers and not our own. So it kind of took a little bit of time to create that that ball rolling again and try to get people's confidence back to come back not just to have other people's stuff but to finally have ours mm, so. okay yeah because the when we when i first i don't remember if the interview that we did was in 2017 was the first time i was there 
but the the you difference, know, I, I no, I don't know. I think I might have come through one time. You had come through. I had met you. You were on the terrassing with some of your friends, and I just we said hi. We talked for a while. That was the day and I got then, permanent residency. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then you came. Then you came. And then you said you wanted to do something. You've been just kind of started that the podcast and sat down. But most, like that back then, we we had a good amount of beers. Because let's say we started yeah, you did. the pub in part. Yeah, you did. I remember you had like at yeah. least half a dozen. Started the because we started the pub in 2015, like opened up in May. Uh, first pro, like contracted batch was in December of that of that same year, and then okay. we were just trying to get contracted stuff for a while. So when you would tell them in 2017, we would by then have been like uh, making beer for I guess a year and a half. Okay. And then the uh, and then like so winter times is where we would stock up an amount of beers because it was a little bit more dead than during the summer, mm. and then because uh, it was always just so crazy in our like in our place that like you could have seen during the summer since we're an old port and yeah. it just died down like completely during the winter time. Right. So so you came at a time where we were just I think we had the peanut buster we just started yes. kind of that we had started that that year that was kind of what made a little bit of a name for us, I guess. Yes. I remember not long after then, you did the first canning run of that, and that was like a, a big yeah. big step for you guys. So you had beers like, I think you had a, a Kilogram. Um, yeah. What's the one that starts with H? I'm thinking Hologram, but I don't know if that's the right word. I th- everything was kind of like Kilogram, Underground, uh, yep. New Ground. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we had a bunch of that stuff. So kind of like early wave hazy IPAs, because I used to go to the US a lot and get those out. So we're kind of just developing semi in that style, uh, but there wasn't that many ex- examples available around us. So it's always that slow build on what it is and trying to develop the thirst. But because initially when we opened up the bar, we thought we were going to be able to do importations of American beers. Mm, and wow. then first time we got, because uh, we opened up as a beer bar mostly, the name was Beer and Whiskey and Whiskey. Kind of easy, like we have just a whiskey bar, and we had a twelve taps, so and we just keep rotating them. But with SAQ, you can't do anything. You get four, you know, like the first order we got was I a special ordered torpedo IPA from Sierra Nevada, nice, and bought them four months later and returned everything <laughs> because they were all oxygen. Yeah. four or five months later because they just tasted like like a hop honey. Yeah. So it's just unfortunate, and we're like, I guess we can't go down that path. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least not with hops. Mm. No. no. No, so, but that's what I was. That's what mm, I'm looking for. Yeah. That, mm. like, where can you get that hop fix of American style beers, and you couldn't find it. So that's where we had to just develop it instead. Even yeah. in uh, 2017, that you're right, there really even wasn't much um, period in Quebec that was like crazy. Maybe Bar Canada was open then, maybe, but like, no, no they uh, were, maybe. No, they. they, they like, I think it was 2018. The third, out, the third anniversary now, so I guess that would yeah. be oh. 2017. Okay, so I don't so, know yeah, if they I guess, were... I guess they would be open by then. Yeah. Okay. And I think the, the approach to hops has just changed so much in the last two or three years. I mean, probably a little bit earlier than that in the States, but yeah. here you're seeing breweries literally concentrating on that. Whereas in the past, there were there were probably some solid IPAs, but they were more um, alongside their other full lineup. Whereas in now you have breweries like Bach Canada, Masorum, even you guys that are making hazy IPAs one of the, the focal points of what you're doing. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a whole new world now, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. But I'd say there's also, there's also a big factor that almost never <clears throat> gets discussed is like, is the travel time of beer. Mm. So like so much of what, like the East Coast took a while to kind of develop its flavor. And a lot of what we got was West Coast style beers coming our way. 
And what did we know was like beer that had traveled a, a certain distance of time. And if you think, talk to people from England, they're like, beer doesn't travel. You just can't move from one place to another, right? They, like, that's why they have their breweries in their Latin sections and they will not, like, if they go to another place, they won't have the beer that's like across the water because like beer doesn't travel. Right. And so much of what we get is like, we'll have some sort of West Coast IPA. We're like, what does West Coast IPA taste like? Oh, it's like slightly older hops that have been sitting on a hop shelf that's been like, traveled to this thing. Like, that's what we need to make. It's the constant thing of you hear people go to go to Europe and they're like, look, this is our American IPA. Like, what is this thing? It's not even right. close to what we have. It's only people that have come back, that come from here, or that come and visit here, that taste and go, okay, this is not supposed to be loaded with caramel malts and have oxidated sugars right. and have these weird little honey things. It's like, it's about the freshness, it's about the pop, it's about making sure oxygen is down. Mm. And how can we make this into something that that is like that? But the, people develop the, the flavors based on what they've had as examples of what seems to be like kind of going along and you develop those flavors. So a lot of what we had was like old West Coast style or, or just, because when I was, when I was working at, like, cause I was doing a bit of maintenance at McCausland, I remember that because and had their, they were pulling out their IPAs and it was starting to get big and then Boreal pulls out their IPA and it starts to get kind of this competition thing between both of them of like which one's better, at least internally. I don't know how much mm. it was on the outside. Mm. You kind of start seeing this, oh, hops are kind of this nice important thing and maybe the bitterness level is not as crazy, but kind of a controlled level of hops. It took a while for us <clears> to finally get to the point where it's like a little bit more in balance and let's try to get the flavors out. But, and so is the thing I find interesting, right? We're at the point now where people are using hops and it's the most annoying thing that when people walk into the bar and they're like, I don't like hoppy beer. And I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure you mean bitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a while yeah. for people yeah. to kind of convert that lexicon and mm. change this up and go like, maybe it's not just saying I don't like a hoppy beer because I don't know what a hoppy beer really means. It's just to me, bitter means hoppy. Yeah. And it'll take the people that are introducing people beers to go, Okay, like if somebody says I don't like hoppy, go, okay, try this beer and see how they like it. And they're like, this is actually much hoppier than the, any beer that you've probably yeah, ever exactly. had before. You think it's hoppy. Right. Yeah. So that's an interesting point, though, I guess. And because of where you are, you, you're doing a lot of introduction to, to different styles to people. Um, and, uh, you know, some from back then, from 2017 to then, say, um, when we did the second one earlier this year, that means you would be brewing almost six months from this new system. And it was like the beers were... I think when we did January, it would have been four. Four months. Fuck. Okay. So that's super, super young. But you guys, like Noah said, just came out like just balls to the wall going hot. And it was like yeah. night and day from the other beers. Obviously, that happens so much with breweries who um, were contracting with you know that minimal control. Then you come into your own facility and because you've been such a heavy traveler going to all these places, you knew what the good shit was. So it was like yeah. you, you guys came in on that perfect timing of this 2019 like wave of uh, Montreal breweries. I guess you could probably argue a little bit further out in Quebec too, but I feel like Montreal, you guys are definitely one of the main ones coming out doing stuff like this. Beers didn't look like this yeah. last year for the, for the most part. And then on top of that, I remember even back then, before you had brew juice, I think you told us about it, but you didn't have them yet. You, we had like a, um, you did like a uh, an, like an apricot sour, kettle, uh, kettle sour that was like as good as fucking uh, jelly cake. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay, and you had this crispy that was like like insane. And you did the first, um, what was the 10% stout? I think it had like waffles or something in it. 
Oh, that was the. Oh, what was that? Yeah, that was the uh, Ferrero Rocher Stout, I believe. It was like that sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. So like you, you had basically you came through from a you know what you were doing, which was a lot more. Um, the word that pops in my head is pedestrian, but that's not the word I'm really looking for. Just because you had to cater to this old yeah. port crowd, and people who aren't from Montreal or don't know, old port is like a, the tourist region of the city, the tourist area. So you get a lot more folks coming through who don't know shit about beer. They're just in town. They want a, a nice beer. So you have to cater to them who aren't beer nerds. And then now you're starting to do this next level thing. So the actual, like in the space of two years, like how much you guys change is, is insane. And then if you want to add this next 10, 11 months on top of that, it's gone even crazier. Like it's just been super interesting to yeah. watch. What's that with you? It has a lot to do with, with volume and risk i would say because when we started contract brewing we only had except for we had a few bars that were buying some bars mostly restaurants buying some of our our keg stuff so we were selling a bit of fruited sours we were uh just we had rotating taps of like different new england ipas that were always being sold out to uh to like there was uh there's just a few places but everything else was going through our pub which okay. is which is a fifty five seater with fifty five places outside upstairs like, actually even more forty five yeah the upstairs okay. so forty five seats <clears throat> in fifty five out okay so there's only and we were brewing thousand liter batches so it was the size was too big for tr- like was too big for the size during the winter so it was kind of problematic during the summer was okay but still. Like if anything would have been a five barrel system, like a 500 liter system would have been nice. Okay. A dedicated five with pos- with more tanks. But I just had one to do brews a week. I could only do so much. I was like at a contract brewery that had like not a very good brew house, but they were the only people that was going to allow me to the semi control I could do. Mm-hmm. And I also had a full time, like more than full time job on top of it. And also doing that because mm-hmm. I was doing consulting engineering for 50, 60 hours a week, then doing Jeez. running, helping run the bar and then developing recipes. Like a lot of my stuff was made like at <clears> one <throat> in the morning to two in the morning, writing a recipe down, sending that in and then play and then wow. dealing with other stuff and trying to go. So it was always just this run, 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 run. And it's only since, and I haven't even been able in the, I'd say in the last nine, like 10 months or 12 months to really sit down and concentrate 100% on beer, but I've been able to concentrate at least 75% on beer and 70% on beer. Okay. And that's the, that's where the major difference hit. It was like being able to go and say this, like my job is now to be the head brewer here. And even though I don't, I barely ever brew, I just kind of problem fix, write recipes, uh, like just patch stuff up and try to develop new procedures and stuff. And that's mostly what I do. I have the two other guys that do the brewing stuff because I'm always just, there's always something else that I have to, that tears my time away from the brewery. Okay. But the major concentration remains that. I don't have another side gig. As, like a, or, Right. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. That's the difference between the beautiful. Fiber Optic says the food of Brewski is great too. Yes, it is. We should definitely talk about that at some point yeah. tonight. Um, Interestingly enough, <clears throat> we just got the original chef back. So we just got oh, yeah? nice. Yeah. So like then you, a longtime friend had gone out to do his own thing, uh, kind of did a few places and just come back. So the original Brewski chef from the pub is now the new executive right the chef. chef. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's, awesome. I, I don't want to, I guess we might as well touch on it now. I, I forgot the name of it, but there's a name that you've been promoting on, um, for a di- I think it's for the kitchen. There's a name, a, a brand. No, it's, 
it's not the kitchen. We are okay. cave à manger. Okay. Yes. So we are building a like we had a, we took a space beside the <clears throat> pub and we've been like wanting to run it as a market for a while. Okay. Um, so we're we're uh, we're building a, a bakery inside of it. So that we So it's kind of like. Kind of getting work right now has been slightly hard, but the whole idea is getting sourdough bread, do, just kind of doing everything that we want to be able to either sell for uh, the pub, to be able to, pub and, and brewery to be able to, because we've always made absolutely everything. We've made, like, it's been a long time we've been making our own breads. We make every sauce, kind of everything gets house, house made here. It's always been that way because that's what Denis was doing when we were starting. It was just, let's make everything. Mm. And it was kind of a logical next step of saying, we want to create a market to sell stuff that we make because we don't need more indoor space. People don't come in during the, the summer and people aren't here during the winter. So it doesn't nice. make any sense to have more space. Right. So we just said, <clears throat> okay, we need more space to be able to run a bigger kitchen and have more things, but let's, let's create this other whole thing. So we have a new partner that's like that's an experienced baker that's kind of wanting to push towards that. Who has his he's partnering up into the Cava Manger. We remain the same three people we've been since the beginning to in Bruski. And his stuff and he's just going off to just do all that all that stuff. And he's as neurotic as I am in terms of how I am in beer. He's he is in bread, so that's it's, like, it's gonna be that's fun. It's gonna be an interesting thing. You guys can talk about yeasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we tried. Mm. I tried to do like we tried to provocate sour his like five year old sourdough to see if we could like uh, get it into uh, like a kettle sour version. But it'd be, I don't know if you guys know what butric acid is, but it just smells like baby vomit. Yeah. It's awful. And it was, so we just had two buckets that were just like nauseating. <laughs> like not happening. The one thing that we are fantastic at doing at Brewski is, at least in the brewery, is I start so many projects and I'm great at starting them. And then, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I that's how you that learn. Thing. Well, just starting them would be uh, finishing them would be a little <laughs> bit <laughs> interesting, also, because I just kind of get that one, I get that that little bit of knowledge from it, and then it just sits there. <laughs> You're like, and we're done here. I, I guess. Know, like, what? You gotta get the team. You gotta get the team one. Basically, someone following you around, finishing your projects. Yeah, it'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> they would hate it. When I walk into the brewery, they just, they just call me Hurricane Derek because I just <laughs> leave shit everywhere. Like, <laughs> Come in, just fuck it all up, and get out of here. It's just everything's dirty. Everything's everywhere because I just get do, start doing something, get a phone call, and the whole place is a mess, and they just have to clean up after. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Zach and the boys. That's uh, oh. hey man, you're the boss. That's what they have to deal with. So <laughs> I love it. So the the beer we're drinking <clears throat> now, yes, um, yeah. is this a a reoccurring um, beer or is it or like? I, I actually let me just ask you um, for those who don't know. Obviously, you guys are doing new stuff constantly, but do you have somewhat of a regular mm. lineup that you'll be canning, or is it always going to be more of a approach where it's going to be new art new uh new cans new beers constantly it's going to be kind of both um so the idea is like i i there's a few ones that we do every once in a while well I mean, it's only been about a year or so like tapazos we've done twice avena would be something that like i just brewed one uh like three days ago where the idea is not to necessarily do like more and more will be to create kind of styles and go down that path 
or let's say Avena would be a, a brand that we're pushing. So the malt bill more or less remains, I just tinker with everything. So just kind of right. more or less the same, but it forces me to kind of, because if I didn't create these, at least these kind of different brands that had different ideas, I would just slowly just melt everything into what, I, what I'm now believing is the best way to do beer. And everything just kind of becomes the same product. So it doesn't matter which can you open up, it just all tastes the same. So I want to avoid that. And the only way to avoid that is to kind of create a few of these threads and create a few of these things. So something like the Bohem kind of depends on people's reactions to it. Right. If people like what it goes down, we're like, okay, cool, Citra work. Let's see, let's do it with Mosaic. Let's do it with Strata. Let's do it with right. something else. And kind of just base ourselves off that one. It's like, okay, this is what we liked about it. Maybe it's like, like I have this one. It's, like, it's interesting. It's slightly pasty. You need to reduce the slight amount of stringency. The nose, the nose is nice on it. The color is yeah. nice on it. I like the malt build because it's the golden promise kind of gives a nice platform for something that's that low. And I could use a lot because even though it's a higher in color, it does still come off pale because of how, because it's just a 5.5. So this one could become like something that we come back to and do something again at. Also, because it's just a bit easier. I don't have to come up with a fresh slate every time, mm. but it just kind of goes down that path. So more and more, that's what we're kind of, I'm trying to think of is just creating is creating these not either either numbered or just hopped series of just going that's what it is like Avena people know what they're getting they're yeah. getting like a slightly more yellow colored lactose heavy uh, well not ah. heavy it's like ten grams of beer but la- la- lactose uh, lactose style New England IPA that's at seven three so that's that beer the hops yeah, right. will change even if I tried to do it every year the crop year would change. The, the farm would change, everything changes. We're not we're not big enough to be contracted, so we're non stable. Right. So But I like the idea of, of I, I never never I've never really heard anyone say it exactly like that, where you're taking that approach of, of creating something new kind of constantly, but at the same time you're keeping yourself in check by somewhat sticking to that beer's general <clears throat> profile to a certain degree. And that way you're not, like you said, producing 10 different beers that all taste identical because you, you, you've, you've put rules in place for yourself to a certain degree, but that you can still play with, but you're kind of like keeping him in, in like a, like a box to a certain yeah. degree. That's a, that's a great approach. And I yeah. think that kind of curbs some of the criticism that I've heard about breweries who just constantly produce a new can after new can, new can, and like everything is just kind of the same. Um, yeah. and just evolves and may, may taste good, but then you just end up with this, every, everything's exactly the same. Because I'd say that's one thing that I, because coming from a tap, like a really a brew pub, where like a, uh, mostly we're just a, we're really a brew pub more than a, a microbrewery. It's mm-hmm. kind of changed because of COVID, but we wouldn't have this many cans <clears> market <throat> if it wasn't for COVID because we would just be having people here, having people drink them and then leave with cans. So, how I've always looked at beer is very simple. I'd walk out, look at my board and go, okay, I have these beers. I need something that tastes different because I have to think about, like, I'll look at a board and go, okay, I have a citra mosaic. That means I can't touch those two hops. I'm going to go do, uh, I'll do Simcoe Strata because I'm just can't, I can't, I have, I want to have somebody that's going to have something that's going to taste completely different. So I want somebody to have a taster plate and have multiple colors of things. I also like, walking through the tap room and being able to identify what people are drinking based on, on the colors of stuff, based on the cups of stuff. So I could walk through and go, okay, this thing's really killing it tonight. 
or that's or like this thing's not doing so great because I don't see any of that color or those cups out there right mm. now. So it's always how I've looked at it. I want to have somebody that sits down and if I've blasted you with Citroen one beer, I then want you to have another beer that's going to blast you with this other set of hops. Recently, it hasn't been the same because it's just like we have, we're kind of just going down that New England path of just that's what brings people out right now. It's yeah. like, what are what can we make? We can make three beers. Hence why this like the small 200 liter tanks that are beside me behind me is what's allowing us to create to have a little bit more creativity with the crawlers. Where like we're we were kind of emptying our beer our stock room in the, in the keg room, but now we're actually making beers to try to just do what we would regularly do in our tap room that we haven't been able to do. And the volume is, I could sell 400 cans of anything, but I can't sell like 3,000 cans of anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, people aren't willing to take that jump, so, I'm not, so, I, so it limits you to what you can necessarily do because we can't distribute. We're, we're an artisanal brewery, we're not a microbrewery. So there's only so much I can do that's gonna allow people or make it good enough so that people want to come out here and have one of them. Mm-hmm. So that's like that's why we went like we're so hard in the smoothies because that's what gets people out here. It's, that's yeah. why we, we try to do as many New Englands as we can, at least as, as I want because I love making them. But it's not necessarily what brings people down here. I would love if it was, but it's a part of what it is. But like uh, what we're trying to bring people down here now is for what it used to be, which was just look up at the board and there's going to be something creative and different every time. Like during when we're ramping and it's summertime and we have people to, you should be able to see five to six new beers from us every week on tap, at least. Plus cans, I don't, uh, including cans. Including so let's cans. say five, to, five to six different beers, and that's what we're looking for. We want right. people to come in and every single time do something different. Yeah, I feel like you guys really nailed that. A um, couple quick comments so we can keep that moving. Tip yeah. says because uh, the actual live feed is slightly delayed from here, so she's laughing at Hurricane Derek, and she's like. Pin that one as the episode name. I like that. So so far, that's the leader. Um, Paddy from Overhops is hola, hola, puppy, Derek. Hello, guys. Just say hey, Paddy. Hey, hello. Paddy. Hi. Love you, Paddy. You are the best. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if you want to go into the smoothie stuff. Yeah. Okay. We'll wait. We want to hold off, but we'll drink them when we talk about it because we're going to talk about <laughs> you it for a while. The next beer. Yeah, I do. Sure. Uh, the hot burps uh, on this. Quickly, are I don't think amazing. I mentioned. I, I, this is very good. I really like it. Yeah, it has really good. The, like you said, it has has a certain greenness, but not not too overly much. astringent. And the um, the the oats you get a lot, but it also doesn't lend too much to it, like astringency to it. So it's got a really nice balance. It's crazy dry, and yeah. uh, I could drink you know five of these it's easily. Yeah. It's like got a wicked body, and it's but it's still light enough yeah. that you it's not like overpowering or filling. And the hot burps I've been getting the whole time are phenomenal. It's just coming through my nostrils. It's glorious. <laughs> I love it. And no one talks about the hot burps. We yeah. Talk about hot burps. Oh, hot it's burps. A thing. Are the... I never talked yeah. about it. Thank you. Look at Tiffany uh, preempted my needs. I didn't even ask him. Yeah. That's a good woman right there. Um, can you get your glass as well? Um, yeah, the hot burps are amazing. We actually had the episode, funnily enough, with Maddie of uh, Tooth and Nail, it was called Hot Burps back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, the, that was exceptional. I feel like, is that one pretty fresh, that one we just had there? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the last week, I believe. Yeah, it came out. Okay, yeah, it tastes yeah. fantastic. Um, your hops, though, bro, like all of these, I haven't even had a, eh, that was okay. It's Everything has been like, fuck, man, this is great. Like you, you've been extraordinarily consistent with it. Oh, should we go the big glass this time? Ooh. 
Or should I save one? Oh, just right. want to know. What are you doing now, Derek? What are you guys doing? Same one. I'm gonna do the hop oh, business the guy. Okay. And then uh, that'd be the. I'm gonna do the stout and the big boy later. All right. Okay. I'm gonna. I want to be cool like you guys. <laughs> you guys got one hell of a portion of stout there. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I got Tiffany helping yep. me today. Otherwise, that'd be. Fun. There's no way I'm draining any of this shit. <laughs> She's just taking photos while I'm pouring. That's a fake laugh. <laughs> oh. <it's- uh, <laughs> what a great conversation we're having. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it. No more. Are you good? Okay. Don't take it up. We try to get the, uh, the the photos for afterwards while we're doing. We found it was like dynamic because we got a nice new camera. So it looks sick. So if she gets them during it, we have to do shit afterwards. We can just enjoy our evening with the candle. No? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, tell us about this one, bro. So this is called Collusion. Yeah. Dub- double IPA. So double IPA with uh, pineapple. Hey. So, so kind of a easy style of beer, just a double IPA 8.5. Again, always slightly heavy on hops and everything. Uh, hops and oats, I mean. like. So what we do on this one is... Uh, Kind of, I think I fruited at the same time as I was doing the hop edition, okay. and I'm so scared of Galaxy because it gets rough that I do it always post firm. So I do like citra and pineapple together, then I let it firm out, drop off the yeast, throw Galaxy in for two days, and try to try to get it out of there as fast as possible so it doesn't get too rough. Um, Nice. When you say yeah. rough, you mean like uh, it, it overpowers the entire like everything else going on? No, it just gets undrinkable. Like okay. it'll get it'll get so astringent, and it's 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 one of the most common hops that you hear people talk about. That it'll right. just be like you have it, and it has that kind of. It makes the beer ultra danky, ultra resonated. You have a lot of polyphenol binding, and you're just drinking it, and it's like it's a bit astringent, right. and. I haven't figured out how I like to use it yet. I, okay. So far, post-fermentation has worked. The, on an 8.5, it works. I bring down the alcohol percentage, and it starts not working again. Interesting. So, kind of depending on what it is. But the, the pineapple comes through super nice and balances off with the galaxy and trying to make it oh, something really that's does. just super drinkable. Like, what, okay. I wa- what I was looking for was like the kind of flavor that if somebody didn't tell you there was taste inside of it, you could, not, you could be, oh, this could have been made with hops. Right. Also, so like yeah. super subtle. Yeah, one of the things with me, I, mean, I find brews are getting better with it, but I, I have never been a fan of fruited IPAs um, because nice. I find the acidity of the fruit always clashes with the hop bitterness. But I think breweries have gotten better at, I don't know, curbing that or, or whatever. But like this is like a prime example of where it really works, and you do have a tiny acidic bite in the finish, but it doesn't really, it doesn't clash with anything. It just um, like you said, it just adds that pineapple component, but it almost feels like you found a hop that tastes like pineapple and not like you poured pineapple juice into this beer. And this is still yes. like a 20% fruit addition. So it's like on a high side of what would be like for fruit, but pineapple doesn't come through all that much. No, yeah, subtle. Does. It's, kind of, it's very, once you ferment out the sugars, even I've, I've made one that just kind of tastes like almost like peanuts. <laughs> it's kind of very strange. Mm. Wow. But, so but I don't know why it was yeah. but this but this one works nice and it makes me want to, like slowly it seems like I want to go down a path of more fruited IPAs and stuff to yeah. try to create a like a little bit of a distinction versus just being part of the plethora of just like nonstop amount of 
New England IPAs that people are getting bombarded with. Kind of what makes right. a difference. Let's, throw, let's figure out how to do proper fruit additions on <clears> to have <throat> that variability or have that at least distinction that that you can't necessarily get otherwise. And I don't want to jump into the smoothie thing now because we're going to talk about it after, but I guess you could also just start toying with uh, bridging those two worlds together a little bit more. I I don't know because I've only had one example of a smoothie IPA, which I really did not like. I haven't really had any. uh, Derek, uh, Derek, uh, Craig, you've probably had had more. Yeah, that was the the Masorum did the Fructus Modus, which was essentially a sour... It was oh, the, right. it was pretty close to this, like a little bit less than volume of fruit, I imagine. Um, did you have that one, Derek? Did you try that? Uh, I tried one of them, yeah. Yeah, um, so, I enjoyed uh, it, but I thought of it in my head. I wasn't thinking of it like an IPA. I was approaching it, even though it was, I think it was like eight percent, like eight five or something. I actually got it from Fred, who's commenting right now, and um, it was similar-ish. It wasn't. It was like less fruit because it was less um, uh, thick and. Um, Whatever of the mouthfeel, dense, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, he just kind of fruit smoothies, yeah. But that was the only one I think I've had at that level of extreme fruiting. Where something like this, like, actually, I don't know if people realize how much of a big deal it is. And Noah said this is really good because he fucking hates fruited IPAs. And <laughs> Noah saying that this is fantastic and is like, but mumbling it quietly to him, like, this is fantastic. Is no, like, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't lying when I said when I said that I feel like. I don't know if breweries are just doing something different with them lately, but lately I'm not as turned off. But but there was a point where I was just like, I, I, I don't think most yeah. of these. But like Buck Canada, whenever they do a, a fruit edition, I tend to like it because I think what they did is they started scaling it back or they just changed the process in a way where it wasn't creating that astringency that really turned me off. It was that mm. that clash of, of fruit acidity and hot bitterness. I don't know. There was something going on with it that it just most of the time didn't agree with me, which is one of the reasons why I didn't like all these fruited milkshake IPAs either. Right, which is fair. A um, couple quick uh, comments. I'll just jump in uh, while we've just got a brief pause. Uh, Fred, shout out to Fred. You're a legend, bro. Uh, Fred, I fucking was putting the brewski beers in the fridge tonight and that the Mexican cake beer, I had one of them in the fridge and I knocked it and it smashed and fucking went everywhere and I, ha- I had stout in my pants and it was it was a mess. Um <laughs> So he said, you got the the name of the episode. Stand on my bears. (laughs) (laughs) It came out. I watched them. I watched them. Uh, Friend was saying, are you guys drinking the oat cream double IPA? We can. Do we have that? I'm not sure. I think the oat cream double IPA is the shaky. Oh, yeah, we have that. Yeah, Yeah, you you have everything. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, So we could could, see how we feel. Maybe we'll get a bit frisky later. Um, Sure. Patty says, I'm so thirsty for those beers right now. Seriously, I can't even tell you how much. Love it. Um, I definitely want to see more Brewski and Overhop collabs now, now that they've got their plays open. Uh, Fred saying Brewski are all amazing lately. And Fred was saying Fructus Mortis was the one, yes. Uh, the latest one is actually interesting compared to the first Fructus Mortis. He has one left. And he's like, oh, no, with my thing. It's okay, Fred. I still have one left, but there's that. Ah, uh, beer down the drain. I hate wasting beer. But yeah, no, I love this, man. Is this, was this the first... Um, uh, fruited IPA or double IPA that you guys did? The first fruited non-sour IPA we've okay. done. So we've done, like, in, in, I've done uh, a few just fruited IPAs, but they were all been sour bases before, prior to okay. that. Okay. So, pardon? I was say, why did you do this one, but keep, uh, keep talking. Just wanted to do a fruited one. Like, really wanted to just go, you know what, let's start, let's go, and, let's go down these tropical fruit paths and see what we can make with them. 
So just want to do something a little bit different because I was doing a few of these sour IPAs and I was always, it's, I, I was scared of what hops do with acidity. Yeah. Like we're even the last one, one of the ones I sent you guys, which is called the Rubis was like something that was just sat in a tank for so long. Cause I was trying to plan canning out with like, with the <clears> beer <throat> that had been fruited, but not dry hop. Cause I wanted the minimal, minimal amount of contact time. It was just kind of a pain in the ass to try to just, have a little bit of contact time so it doesn't become that weird green that seems to happen with a lot of these sour IPAs and transfer it off where like you know what let's just do something that's not sour that's just more fruit juice and see how it comes out and we're super happy with it Sick. so that's that's why the first one was like that but it's always doing something different we did this last time what can we do to make it kind of different and like right now I have a peach uh, peach sour IPA that's kind of in the works well, nice. it's just half done, uh, so that's going to be coming out. So we're going to slowly be doing that. But I might get that one prior to souring and just see how we like it as a, a, a like before putting that souring stuff inside of it. Interesting. I like it's pretty subtle mm-hmm. too. I think right. Super Especially soft. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, depending on what it is, like I got a mm-hmm. uh, double time concentrated peach puree, so I'm interested in seeing how that's going to come out. Because yes, it is very subtle, but that's why you try to. I think like with a rebalance of an amount of uh, of of like lactose, possibly, uh, just getting that acidity right, so it kind of makes you think that you're having a peach would work. The downside is that the only real peach that is fantastic is white peach, and it's almost unviable. Like you have to, you have, well, you have to order it like four, eight, three months ahead of time, and I'm barely able to order something a day ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you, I guess you I'm could just order. <laughs> you could just order it now anyway, and whenever it arrives, yeah. like, all right, I guess we're making a peach beer. Yeah, yeah. that's what I do. I just, I just end up ordering stuff and then getting it, and like, okay, like, now I have to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I really like the fact that this is like what you said before. It sort of just started to dawn on me as I was drinking it. Like the pineapple does not like if you didn't tell me. Like I didn't even read it when I put it in the fridge. I didn't realize it was uh, on the can there. So if you didn't say that there was pineapple, I think I don't know if I would have noticed necessarily. Yeah. Which is the only thing that it gives you a little bit like the sweetness. There's a residual sweetness that you get from the fruit. Like a ton. Which, yeah. So that's always kind of the rough part I find of making these double IPAs is that be it fruit or non-fruit, it's the, the, the difference between having them initially where the green kind of acts like a bitterness that counteracts yeah. the sweetness. Mm-hmm. And then when they kind of settle away, sometimes it's like what you thought was a nice balanced beer three weeks down the lines is actually missing bitterness to counteract. And then it's, it's kind of a rough line between, like I could take this beer right now and go maybe adding 10 IBUs to it becomes fantastic again. But when I was having it out of the bright tank, it was actually great because the, the green was, was knocking that and making it seem like it was properly balanced. There's always like right. that fine line between these things where they're, they are evolving products, even if they're not, even if they're refrigerating and they're sitting down, there is a slight amount of sedimentation. There's a slight amount of change. Mm. And it's hard to plan on what they're going to be. And hence why creating those threads of saying like, I will remake this one, but maybe like, you know, maybe with a different fruit, but now I know if I do it with the, that way, maybe I have to bump up the IB by, by 10 to 15, just to, just so that it kind of, even though the green kind of goes away, the bitterness should still be there to kind of back it up for people that are going to store in the fridge for four to five months. Cause that's standard also. Yeah. And, uh, and just gets, and it'll just stay good because of that. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. I've thought about that stuff too, but I it's it's really awesome hearing like a, a brewer talk about it and having that, like the 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 greenness of the beer and the and that acting as like essentially a, a bitterness, um, and then how what happens when that fades, and it also explains why some beers are awesome the second day after being canned, and others really just get that much better after two weeks because it's all that ba- that balance of, of sugars and that burn and just like creating that harmony, right? Because you want that brightness, but then the brightness fades and then what happens? And so like I can only imagine in your head trying to, 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 to recalculate that, but it makes sense what you're saying about, okay, well, next time I'll just augment the bitterness just a little bit so that the, the extra time will will even things out and it won't ruin the beer and you kind of find that happy medium super interesting no I love that man that's actually a a really great point because this I'm just looking at the can this looks like it was the 12th of November it was canned I Um, think so yeah yeah it's only got three weeks it's kind of perfect right now I know it's like four yeah like that's what I was about to say I was like this to me does not taste I'm pretty like pedantic and I notice there's a large difference for the most part even in that between like that two to four week mark, um, a lot of yeah. the IPAs will, will severely drop. Um, and this like, I can know just said like, I don't know what it was like earlier on, but this is, it's sitting beautifully. Is this kind of, has it changed much from, from how it It was? has a bit, but not so much. Obviously, like, like I said, it was a little bit, uh, the galaxy was there a little okay. bit more present before and that's faded with uh, the, like can conditioning at this point. Cause I think this one sat in the, yeah, we sat it in the bright tank for an extra week, week and a half, which happens with these, just like kind of letting it settle out before we put it out. I'm not a huge fan of setting these like ultra green beers to canning. Like I want them to be drinkable out of the cans and maybe sit on them a day, like uh, at max a week, but usually everything is out of the brewery good. Yeah, and I right. said a big, a big difference there was like for, because of that thing I said initially of the, uh, I was brewing a thousand liters for uh, a, like very small pub. I learned how to make beer that was going to be able to sit and not cha- and like change. Yes, everything changes, but at least wouldn't change for the bad for the worse. Like I, when I had New England IPAs when we had the pub, that was all, as happy to serve like a month and a half in that I was the day one that we had it because and I was always fighting towards how to figure out how to do this so that. I don't have a beer that's like three weeks in and then like fourth week hits and like, oh, I don't like it anymore. We have to throw it like We can't serve this anymore. We're just throwing money down the drain because right. we didn't have control back then. Everything cost us so much money that we couldn't like the, it was almost the same price as buying somebody else's beer. So throwing X amount down the drain was just not feasible. Right. So just kind of developed a bit of that mentality on how to create these things that, that, are possible like that don't require the freshness issue as being like they need to be fresh notes they need to be able to conserve and stay just as good mm. or get better preferably okay do you have um an opt say like i don't know if there's like a, a blanket time frame that like is there like between two and six weeks they're the best or is there like or is it like that super subjective not really because like i've Sometimes I get beers from like when I've had beers from other half that have just sat in my fridge because they're like uh, it fell behind another beer and it's there for like six months and I grabbed it I'm like this is still great, you know it's like okay. it's it's different than when I had it the first day but it's it's like I, I'll pop like there's beers that we make sometimes, especially stuff that has that's a little bit because I'm sensitive like there's 
that are kind of cheesy. So I find Idaho 7 mixed with Simcoe will sometimes come off on it like kind of cheesy and that fades away. So you let okay. that sit right. for a month or two months or three months. Like Reg de Trois, which was one of our, our first triple IPAs that we did, it hit its peak four months in. Like, oh, shit. Cracked that thing four months in. It was phenomenal. Like uh, Guillaume, uh, my partner, was just hiding them. He's like, I kept drinking them four months in. Really. So it, it, they all have a different thing. And, and it's, it's just as long as you're able to keep that DO low, that dissolved oxygen low at canning, then you can let that thing evolve. And it, as I said, you'll never know. Like every, we don't make, unfortunately, we don't make enough of the same year for me to go yeah. that one. That mm. one you have to wait. Like you're doing Reg de Trois again, it might be hit his prime a month in, but it's the unfortunate thing of like this year we are at, I think we're probably going to be capping 150 different beers or something or 130 Jesus. different beers. It's hard to tell this year. What, what works and not. Yeah, more or less. Fuck. I'd, man. I'd have to look at Untap to see where we're at, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the first, like in the first year since we've been brewing Let's that see. we've hit at least like 100 something. That's insane. I mean, uh, the, the way that you've been pumping beers out is, I mean, I guess it kind of adds up. Uh, Fred was just saying, you guys are making me regret not getting it. I'm like, I think the rule here is if Brewski sells it, you get that. You get <laughs> that buying. shit. You fucking get that shit. I'll see if it's um, on here. Yeah, but that's it's just that's bonkers, bro. Like, that is so many uh, beers. The only time I was even, I was just trying to think. I remember we, we did our first collab with um, Sawdust City in like two, almost three years ago. And it was the first time they'd hopped that much. They just did in New England, but they weren't really making them. Then they did juice them, but that was about it. And I swear, I never drank a beer, an IPA six months later, and it was still basically tasted the same because that greenness was so overbearing in the beginning. Like they, yeah. I think they were figuring out how to do it, and then I don't know if it's like they fucked up, but they just didn't do it. They cracked the code now. This shit is amazing now, but it was just so funny. One of my, I brought it to Australia right after we did it. And one of my friends at the time, she didn't do craft beer, and then she always made fun of me. And then she got a boyfriend who was into craft beers, and then now she is. And a year and a half after I gave her that beer, she drank it, and they both enjoyed it. A year and a half for a fucking New England IPA, bro. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, you know, so I mean, uh, I feel like there's definitely something to be said for, for what you're talking about here as far as the longevity. And I think that if there's some code to crack, whether it's the oxygen or that sort of hot burn that acts as the bitterness to kind of like let it chill to make yeah. these last a bit longer. I think that would be a, a really big win for the style because they're being so popular right now. And I can speak for Noah and I that like a lot of the stress with the, the beer that we have always comes down to like, oh, fuck, man, we've got, got these haze, man. We have to do that. And you don't really get as much time to allocate to other styles and you end up looking like a fucking high pays boy when it's not. It's just... <laughs> The stuff we get, yeah, we don't. <laughs> yeah, we just don't want it to well, die. Like what? brewers don't want that. Like if if I had a choice, I'd tell everybody, yeah, you have to drink it within a week because I want you to come yeah. back. <laughs> of course, but the, <laughs> that's what's fun about crowlers. Just tell people that, like, yeah, you got a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. twenty four hours. Come on back. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just the because to, to me, I find like. If you have to sit on a beer because it's too green, I get that like, there's a level of sensitivity where there is a green that's too much. For, like there's green that's too much for everybody. Right. And I uh, like I, I'll drink. I drink stuff out of fermenters all day, so I'm used to drinking green stuff all the time. Right. But 
I've had beers that I've drank out of my tanks on like dry hop day that aren't as green as stuff that's out on the market sometimes. It yeah. just drives me crazy because it's it's in many ways somewhat of a defect unless you know that you're that you're going to be let's that you're distributing and your distribution times a month and it's going to take a month for it to drop out and you want it to be prime when it hits shelves. Perfect. If that's your if that's the reason. But more often than not, it's like you ask somebody why is it green? It's like I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, that's unfortunate. You should. Is it green because you want it to be green? Is that like right. the level of green that you want it to be? If it is, perfect. Like just always, just say at least that. Like yeah, that's what we want. Great. If it's like oh no, it's not what we want. All right. So what are you doing to do it? We don't know. Like uh, <laughs> some it's, people are requesting it. It's always kind of difficult because like what we live in a world where it's vocal minorities kind of dictate a lot of what people do. Mm-hmm. Like you look at it. You look at a tiny. You look at like. Is will I'll be looking at Untapped and I'll be looking at to see what people are saying about the stuff to kind of give myself an idea of what I should be making. But I remember and like Untapped gives you a very distinct picture of what it is of like this kind of person wants this kind of product. But then I remember just like looking at Untapped, going, "This is what I need to make," and then just like sitting in the bar and having my waiters come mm. time and time again say like, oh, by the way, people are telling you your white's fantastic and they want to, and then they just come back to drink the white. I'm like, that's weird because it's my least rated well beer on untap. And yeah. according to this, I shouldn't be making it, you know, like if I was to look down that path. Right. So it's always kind of, it's, it's a hard kind of place that people put themselves with because a lot of the times when you talk to other brewers, they're like, why are you making it green? A lot of the reasons is because we get a lot of people telling us that it should be green. But it's like, how, where are you getting this information from? Like, mm. are you getting it just from one source, from one thing? How are the clients actually they wanting them? And it's not, it's very hard to pull and get a proper read of what the market wants from you. Mm. It's very, very hard. That's a really, really good point. Uh, two things real quick. Fred just says, Regla de Trois was insane after a few months. I agree. Um, and then... On Untapped, you have this is crazy for forty nine thousand nine hundred and forty ratings, which is fucking crazy. So you're hitting fifty, and you had one hundred and sixty seven beers. Yeah. So I have I don't know if there's a way to meet. I tried to filter it to pick. <laughs> I don't think so. No, but, I can't filter it for this year because the filters were like all different things. It wasn't letting me filter by time. But we were um, probably at forty. That means we we're because I was looking at my uh, my. Well, that's true. It's because I'm looking. I'm basing it on the amount of recipes we've done, and I've redone multiple recipes. Okay. So because of that, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be at 150. It'd be probably close in the since we've had the brewery, probably maybe 110 in the past year. It's still and pretty all, significant. And that's only because we don't have the tap room going. Because if the tap room was going, it'd be a lot more. Because I because like as I said, the 200 liter tanks behind us were just sitting still for multiple months, not being able to be used because I'd had no way. To put that product out somehow. Mm. Is that why you got the Crowley machine? In yeah, because well, like COVID hit on a second wave, and where we had we were stocked up, we were like running, mm. and we were just had all these kegs and all these things, and like, oh my god, what are we supposed to do? We have like tens of thousands of dollars of beer in the fridge. <laughs> right. We supposed to, and, and uh, we had tried, we had done a few runs prior to that where we had de-kegged things, thrown it into our tanks, and tried to decan it and. <laughs> It just the loss on it was obnoxious for the mm-hmm. amount of volume that was there. So we just decided to put something in, but also just to allow me to go through like starting to do like batches of what we want. So we've only been we've only had the Crowley machine for a month more or less, 
but it's kind of allowing me to go down a more creative path. Because like right now, it's in the tanks I have uh, like a banana chocolate stout. Uh, no, banana peanut. Maybe we'll put chocolate. It's just banana peanut oatmeal milk stout. Sorry. I have what I'm calling a pork tur. <laughs> which I, which I, made, I, I made a bacon beer where we threw bacon into the kettle and stuff. And, and, uh, and so it's maple bacon pork tur that's 10%. So that's going on. How, is, uh, how does the fat react with the beer? Oh, you well, that, that's why I threw it hot side. So then you just do a long whirlpool and you settle it out. And then the fat just floats to the top and you transfer under it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. That's amazing. Has, okay, so you actually, get a little bit, but just you've gotten rid of most of it. It actually has head retention. It has full head really? retention like a regular right. bed. You, you'd assume otherwise. But yeah. I, found, I found throughout my craziness that uh, like there's an amount of fat that kills head. There's an amount of fat that just makes the most amount of head. <laughs> okay, so, so it's like happy balancing those proteins yeah. or whatever. Uh, I think it just becomes a fatty head. Like once you start throwing cream cheese, <laughs> into beers, you realize that it starts just like <laughs> creating this weird foams and stuff that just never go away. But <laughs> that's so sick. I love it. Pokta is hilarious. And Fred's like, what Pokta? That's this game changer right there. <laughs> the once I just want to mention the hot burps from this is just insane i'm loving it i don't know why because i had to, I, I was stuffing my face right beforehand with food so i wonder if i'm burping it's because of the food and it's making the it's just glorious like it tickles your nostrils it's, it's fantastic we're also we're slightly more carbonated than most other new england ipas too like could explain it i'm yeah. like i'm almost carbonated like a mm. it's like 2.7 volume so it's almost near what uh, a blonde ale or like a pilsner would be so really? most people are a li- little bit lower. I just I want to have as much as possible like a foam creation, so it reduces my DO. Mm. So I just try to have a little bit higher higher carbonation inside of it than I'd say than the majority of other like, majority of other uh, New England producers okay. on the high side. That's smart, man. One thing I always sort of wondered, right? And this is coming back to what we were talking about before. Being that in 2017 you were doing the contract, obviously you only had mild. Uh, control over those beers and not and you know you guys were traveling a lot and, and drinking the fire so you knew the shit but like how did you go from like I I guess I don't know if you'd ha- if you'd successfully brewed a bunch of these styles before but it feels like from the outside that you went from zero to a hundred as far as like the other shit was always solid and this is just it's a whole other level of um of quality as far as the new england as far as the smoothies the pills the souths like i just feel like there's just nothing that's even above ex- below excellent like how did you go from get from doing the other stuff and then installing this new shit and then it's like boom like you didn't even have these growing pains from what it seems from the outside you know the well the brew house was a big like just the brewing setup that we had built was was the bigger difference. Like we were brewing into an electric system that had an immersion heater. Uh, there was not even a flow meter in the place. There was no, like it was just kind of really bare bones and we couldn't figure out what we we're doing. And this one, because I knew I wasn't gonna be able to be, to do much of the, uh, the brewing, I like, I designed a huge amount of automation inside the system mm-hmm. where like, cause the whole process and the whole piping, the whole brew house is defined by what I wanted it to be. And I designed the whole thing. I even 3D drew the whole thing so that we can get something I was gonna be happy with. Right. And what it allowed was just, an amount of control that I could just 
like say these recipes and go like these are this is how I want it to be set up and this is how I want the beer to come out and they kind of just follow down that path. So and the bigger difference was I was here being able to taste every step right. versus trying to find time out of my hundred something hour a week schedule to go taste a beer for a few seconds to run. Like at a at a certain point I was outputting beers that were just I'd send a recipe in and I'd taste it on tap at the bar. Oh, that, okay. like I was, uh, it was way, I was way too busy. I wasn't able to even go and go taste stuff and go check stuff. And uh, like, that's where the bigger change was, was like to be able to sit down and actually and finally concentrate on brewing for, for now it's only been, I've only been really concentrating on brewing for a good part of my time for less than a, for about a year, I'd say more or less a year. Right. So, okay. So that's why like the progression has moved that much and hopefully like, We'll talk in six months. Hopefully, I'll be better, and hopefully, in a year or two, I'll be even better than that. Because I've never really had that much of a. I've had a lot of brewing professional work, but not that much recipe, like not that much. Uh, let's say, actual brewing work. So I've been brewery related, like mm. doing engineering, doing equipment design, doing facility design, doing consultations and stuff. Uh, but actually, like concentrating on trying to make a recipe that much better, I've only had a marginal amount of time to do that because I was always obligated to do other things. So that's why there's been that much of a step up. And hopefully, and that's what I'm. I always try to push towards that we're going to get like us in a year should be light light years ahead of where we are now. And hopefully, in ten years, it'll be start getting very impressive on where we're at. That's like and trying to get just better all the time. Mm. on every style possible, hopefully. Yeah, and I can second what, what Craig was just saying, because uh, you were actually there that night, Craig. Remember when we went to Derek, not this Derek, but yes. our other friend Derek? We had a bunch of uh, Canada, we had a bunch of Miss Horn. Sir John. We had Sir John. Yes, um, and, and then someone was Peter, just our, there. That guy came yeah, by. Our, our, exactly, so Peter had just gone and gotten um, the pale ale, I think. That, that Was that the first thing you dropped in terms of new england this was january and, as well end of january, january. late january uh, it was anyway it was one of the first runs and yeah. i and i and i remember drinking uh, sir john that night for the first time i was like this is fine but it's way too astringent and the buck canada is what it is i always enjoy it and then we cracked open uh, the brewski beer. Oh, i forgot what it was called fuck yeah this was uh it was there was it it was the best uh, thing i had that night Except for the, the, the what thirteen different uh, gooses that we cracked. <laughs> that was dangerous. Blind goose. Yeah, yeah. Don't but, do that. Uh, in terms of hops, it, it really uh, knocked my socks off, and uh, I was uh, was kind of hooked from there. And unfortunately, I don't I don't get out to to the brewery often enough because it's hard for me. But yeah. uh, something I want to do more. Well, it's something that we're even working on because it, we under like. We're working on trying to, because we we just got a restaurant license and we thought we we're going to be able to do it this week, but next week or maybe in two weeks from now, we're going to start doing home deliveries. To, oh, nice. So it should be interesting to see what happens with that because it's because like this year it's kind of easy. You come you 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 come to like we're not that hard to get to in old Montreal because it's like a quick in out. Uh, of the highway and you're not really too affected but we know that if it opens back up next year like old montreal like getting to us to pick up an order of beer if it's like saturday and there's fireworks you just forget about it it's not gonna it's not gonna be worth your while so we're we're trying to figure out how we can kind of keep this thing rolling and getting because all i care I, i care about 
bringing beer, beer to people and the main reason that I just want to brew as much things as possible. And the more I get stuff out, the more I could just brew again to get the iterations up and get better at doing these things. So it's all, like I, I really care about people having my beer, but mostly I care about using up the volume. <laughs> so I get, another, I get another crack at brewing something different. That's fun, though. Yeah. But the uh, but that's like we're trying to push that into it so we can kind of get because there's a certain stigma of being in old Montreal that allow that makes it complicated. So I, I would understand why people wouldn't come want to come here until they come to pick up something here and like okay it's not so bad it's actually quite faster than a lot of other places that are doing uh, like pickups and stuff because we we're set up to pick up quite quickly like just put your blinkers on the side of the road and go. But hopefully we can kind of figure something out in the future and, and mm. keep it, and keep the the can stuff going because it's, it's a nice little side business. Yeah, man, I think it's really cool. And the cans are like essentially how you sort of grow the brand. Like it's it's you know the way that people you you guys I don't know how people are trading right now. I imagine it's all not as much in person, but you guys are trade fodder for sure right now. Like your shit, I'm sure has been sent everywhere in exchange for the, you know. And I think if you if you were just like the the COVID stuff, I guess, is some sort of a blessing in disguise as far as forcing you to ramp that up. And then hopefully, like you were saying, you keep that going at least to a similar thing that it is now, even once you're able to open back up again. Because this is, it, this will in turn, um, with the amount of like the hype boys getting this shit and then trading it out, the other people when they visit Montreal are going to, because Montreal, like I say, I was shitting on Quebec in the last couple of years because I just really felt like it wasn't where it needed to be in the last year. Like this year, it's nothing's touching it in Canada. Like Quebec is, is particularly Montreal. And um, I really feel like it's going to encourage more and more beer tourism and the cans will contribute to your name. Like it's, yeah. it's, a, it's the best possible way to get stuff out there. Uh, Patty's just saying, you're a genius. Because she cause knows. Us. Thanks, Patty. <laughs> oh. Oh, the, the guy in the middle. The Derek Sandwich. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I love that you guys are, are continuing to do to do all this stuff. I really hope you still do because it's cool. Like even for someone no, like I man, I'm only whatever, not that far away, but I don't have a car, so I don't get down there. Um, like I like I used to. I used to try and come down at a reasonable amount, um, and no, it doesn't get out there much. So this is one way to make sure that everybody gets the the beers, even if they're exploding cans of smoothies. <laughs> Which we'll Speaking get of to. Smoothies, do you want to uh, you want to crack it open? Do you want to go straight? Let's do it. Yeah, go to the smoothie. Um, we're doing the pie, pineapple. Yeah, which one do we do first? Apple. No, do the, let's let's go crazy. Go do the apple one. Ooh, the, the big one. I am. Yeah. You are zany, so Derek. Utterly curious about this beer. That's why it's more interesting than the other one. <laughs> yeah, more yeah, interesting. I want to hear all about apple puree mm-hmm. and house caramel. I. I'm so curious. Apple caramel. The description went from uh, you took it from Untapped or uh, on Facebook because they're two different people. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at the can. Okay, because I do Untapped stuff and then Guillaume does the uh, ta- like the the Facebook. Also, oh, you put different like descriptions. Uh, it kind of I don't I don't know. It's we it's so hectic between the two of us trying to get stuff out there that sometimes yeah. it doesn't follow through. Hey man, as long as you got the press, I do appreciate the shit you guys do, and I love that you do it. And typically, it's uh, bilingual as well. So for a uh, for an anglophone piece of shit like me, like it's uh, it's super cool to to have those tasting notes. In, in thank you so much. Uh, if you yes, slightly yes, yes. shake it first, it might help. Are you joking? 
No. Well, I mean, turn it upside down. Okay. And then turn it up. And just get a bit of that chunk in it. A little more. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> the only thing we can't control in crowlers is that we try, like, we get the guys to shake the kegs as much as possible when they're filling them up. They're a little bit less consistent than our cans when we do canning wine stuff. Because when we can, we just recirculate nonstop, so everything's the same. Okay. But in, in, uh, in crowlers, we can't just get that consistent. Gotcha. So, yeah. Probably a little hotter, right? So you just chuck it in. I really didn't expect it to be this color. Okay. All right. So it's getting fancy I with the one. Do you want to get the photo? The idea was to, like, do something fall-esque, I guess. Yeah, I like it. Caramel apple is such an interesting thing. So tell us, like, all your flavors, you got some crazy. We'll get, like, the one, yeah, other one you linked was, like, the cheesecake one, which is fucking wild yeah. to me. Like, how does how does this even happen? Uh, don't like it just kind of comes up we uh i, I kind of look at smoothies online and go what seems to be somewhat interesting and i wanted to do something with apples and we had, we were talking with uh milton and we were like oh maybe we should just do something with them yeah. and then they weren't able to necessarily give us a, a level of puree that we would need because they just don't have the machines to do it so when that kind of fell through i was like oh I may as well figure out just get my own apple puree and do and something do different. Up. Then when I, I, I bought like 400 kilos of it, got it, and then I'm like, I was going to do a full batch, and I thought it was going to be crazy. So I just did a 200 liter to see if it was so just kind of a, a proof of concept. Okay. To see if it's going to work. And like these are the ones that they take a while. They, we, I don't know what I'm doing initially. Are we going to make it into a cobbler? But cobbler we had already done the week before. So let's start trying to see if we can make it down the path of... I start just putting the sour bits with the apples, taste it, and slowly build upon it, going, okay, let's try. I got five different caramels made. Wow. Uh, some salt and some, some different, seeing how they were going to react. I made white, like white chocolate caramel, and then it was separating in the, in the cup, so we have to let go of... Like white chocolate, so we went with butter instead because it was staying emulsified inside of the liquid, and then just work upon that. Then the touch of cassia, uh, like cassara bark, cassia bark, or just Chinese cinnamon, okay, just to try to give a little bit more of a flavor. Okay, and, yeah, so I'm not crazy that there's cinnamon in this. Yeah, but Chinese cinnamon, so like five, Chinese five spice would be a closer imitation of what it is. So just right. something. That just kind of gives it's more rounded in terms of flavor, so not just cinnamon kick, so it's actual full cinnamon bark that wow. that we kind of throw inside of there. So to try to yeah, because I got that on the nose and I was like, oh, it's not on the list. I was like, but but I I have like a, yeah. an, a, a like like you said, it, it's not your typical like uh, store bought cinnamon. There's a, a depth to it, almost yeah. Yeah. as an allspice thing, a little. Oof, that's insane! Fuck, get in you. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know how to describe this. <laughs> oh my gosh, so, this is fascinating. It's tart, yeah. but obviously the residual sugars balances the tartness. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what is the caramel? I mean, I just took one sip, but like, how does the caramel show itself through, and does it not get fermented out? I guess it's after you're doing it in post. Yeah, like, like with every, like every smoothie IPA is going to be post-fermented additions, at least for most of the stuff. Okay. Like when I do graham crackers, I, my graham crackers are actually fermented and so okay. a few things I'll do fermented, other stuff I won't. But when it's like the apple stuff, it's just everything's layers upon layers. 
So in this case, it was just like the apple was there, the sour was there. Uh, balance it off with some sort of citric acid to try to just like explode the flavors, and and from there see what how how much caramel can I put before it gets cloying. Like I I want it to be nice. I, there's a certain sweetness that's nice, but there's also so much that mm. just becomes unbearable. Where like this one has a nice amount of caramel touch to it, but it doesn't necessarily come off as ex- insanely sweet. Mm. But for something, that's, it's hard because like these things are just such ridiculous beers. It's <laughs> it doesn't oh, I, come I, off I, sweet though. Yeah. Like it's I mean, so fucking you could, good. It's it's one of those things where I don't know. I feel like sweetness is such a it's almost like an art to a certain degree. Like I'm not in, in the sense that like you can eat the the sweetest dessert ever, but it, it, sometimes it just works. And yeah. then you, then um, and it's the same with beer, like. You can t- like sipping this. I can tell that there's a lot of, like there's residual sugars, but when you when you balance that with the the uh, the, the acidity, you it's like you know it's there, but it all it all gets rounded out and it just all kind of works together. Um, it's not my favorite smoothie I've had from you guys, but I love the uh, the idea behind. <laughs> like, like, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with yeah. this. Like with the amount of stuff that we throw out, that's why I, I love it. Like every single time I put one of these out, it becomes my favorite, just because it might not be the best, but it's something I find insanely interesting. Because yeah. and then the next time I throw something out, like the last one I liked was the the the, the blueberry cobbler. Like this thing is phenomenal because of that how was different crazy. It is. Right. So I, like they're all kind of different, and I. When you're talking about sweetness, is I use a lot of of lemonade as like an example for so many things in brewing. Mm. Where when I'm making a, a smoothie, I look at lemonade. I could keep I, I could keep increasing sweetness if I keep increasing sourness. Yep. I, I can, as long as they stay within this like, a certain amount, or it doesn't become one cup of sugar with one cup of lemon and no water, I'm okay. <laughs> There's like there's a level where it doesn't make sense anymore, but there's an amount where it kind of will counteract and still be good. I think of the same way about bitterness and hops. I think about all those things where there's just there's an amount like I just look at the lemonade example as being the perfect thing of something you drink alone. It's too it's too lemony, something that's too sweet on the other end, mix them together, find a nice match and you could kind of just keep those ratios up and just figure out how to hit the sweet spot. Yeah. And I think what's so fun about this is the more I sip it, the, the adjuncts feel, um, for lack of a better term, necessary. In the sense that I feel like if you brewed this as just like a straight kettle sour with all this apple puree, I don't think it would work as well, if that makes any sense. Like, it's those extra desserty flavors that creates this kind of weird desserty concoction that that are, that I'll, like feel needed. Um, and that, 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 that cinnamon layer and the vanilla and, and I, I I just I've never enjoyed vanilla in beers. I'm starting to grow on it's starting to grow on me and I think it needs to be in this beer if that makes any sense. Mm. Vanilla is one of my favorite and worst ingredients to use in beer. Mm. It is like I hate I'm really not a fan of milkshake IPAs. Hey no, hey no vanilla concept. I love oat creams. Phenomenal oat creams. You throw vanilla in there, unless you're figuring out like what kind of a nice vanilla backbone you can figure into it. I'll I'll do anything. We do a lot of coconut milkshake IPAs here because 
They yeah, are, I like that. I don't like the vanilla. I'm with you. It, there's just there's stuff that we can do with it, but it's just like you have to figure out the nice vanilla because a lot of the times, it just it just jumps out. It makes everything. What the reason why I don't like vanilla in most IPAs is because there's an underlying sweetness that the second you have something that's vanilla, it makes your brain think it's sweeter. And you're just drinking and going, God, this is so sweet. But it's not that it's that sweet. It's the vanilla is really making your brain think it's sweet. And there's hence why when you throw it in other things, you throw it into a, uh, a smoothie sour, you throw it into a, a, a stout, you throw it into many things that you're trying to enhance the touch of that sweetness. Like I want, like this thing might be a little bit too dry. Let's put an imperceivable amount. Like I've, I've put vanilla in beers to try to create an imperceivable amount of sweetness. Where like, well, sorry, create a perceivable amount of sweetness with an imperceivable amount of vanilla. Or else mm. put a touch. <clears throat> so when you're having it, you're like, you'll never taste the vanilla, but your your brain is still triggered. Like just, just there going, oh, this is a little bit sweeter than it could be. So it's that's how I would end up using those things. But they're all building blocks, right? You just mm. use all these components and you try to create something, I guess, of interest and something that... I go into these beers not really knowing what I'm gonna be doing until they're, they're kind of done. Like this was one that, that, that's why the experimental series is mostly that I go into, I just start throwing ingredients at it until I'm satisfied and that's what comes out. Because this one I had bought enough to make a big cannibal batch and I was unsure and Guillaume asked me, are we making it, like what are we doing next week? I'm like, I'm doing this thing. He's like, okay, because he just at this point trusts. <laughs> I'm like, and then I got anxious about it. I took some apples home with me and I blended them up and I mixed them and stuff and I made my own apple puree and did this whole thing and I tasted it going, this is going to be awful. <laughs> so I sent it I might need to, to do a test run on this thing. It's gonna, it, was pr- it was pretty bad. But like after taking a week to figure out how to do it, it just comes out to be okay. Yeah, man. This is uh, It's like a cross between uh, baby food, like that sort of thing. <laughs> But I mean it in the best possible way. And then actually eating a candy apple. Like, you yeah. buy Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. You, you, you did. But, like, not in a bad way. Because baby food can I be know. lit. <laughs> like, baby food's dope. But it's like, because baby food, you associate with that pureed apple. And it's not a flavor that we're used to uh, having in beer. And then on top of that, all the brew juices I've had, which has got, I don't know, like, six to ten probably. So enough to know that there's a consistent mouthfeel with these bad boys. And I'm like, you you getting that. And I had that blueberry cobbler one, bro. Like that shit was fucking insane. It was one of the few beers that I've had where you were like, no, no, I just I ate a piece of pie. There is Graham in my mouth right now. Like not yeah. not a bloke called Graham, but a great cracker. Sorry. Pause. <laughs> pause. Pause. Um Yeah, so like it's 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 this is like there's something like crazy about this, it just works so well like when i when i saw this i was like apple you mentioned to us on the chat and i was like i thought maybe you wrote it wrong <laughs> and i was like oh and i saw this i was like Ow, i assumed he did no <laughs> after the the mint and the, all the other things all the I, other I crazy like, shit I'm sure he's going for this this is i've just never even seen or heard of anything even remotely like this so that's that's extra fascinating to me that i mean i guess i'm not surprised that it worked but it's just such a cool thing that like this was a like a, a, a experiment i guess right um, it, it was in a way, and what I find funny is like then it's, it's, this is how you know that nothing's original in beer is that one of my brewers just sends it, it tells me like oh by the way I'm going to trade yours for a 450 North I'm like 
okay. Of he was like, of what? He's like, of apple caramel from 450 North. I'm like, damn it. God damn. Nothing. <laughs> like, Nothing. Everything's being done. Which, I, I had only thought of an alternative of something that wasn't going to be a cobbler version of something. And <laughs> apple caramel comes up and you just, you just realize that everything's been done. Everything. You have way too many breweries in the United States doing way too many beers. And, yeah. and you think you come up with something slightly original, somebody's done it before. Right. So. Yeah, those guys are out of control. I've never had their stuff, but I know they're doing like blue beers and green beers and crazy shit yeah. like that. I guess it's just food coloring or something at that point. I'm not exactly. I've never. I've unfortunately only had like, I've only really had smoothies from Quebec. I haven't really had any other smoothies anywhere. Okay. Well, I was. I always tell That's people, the one that I had that, and this is how I, well, fucking, I'm not exactly Mr. Smoothie either. But I was at. We were in Richmond, Virginia last year. Went to the Vale, and they had yeah. a beer called Nevermore, which was a, um, it was a goza. Go, a goza. And I had the cubed one, so never more cubed. I didn't yeah. know what it was. It's just I was like, all right, I'll get an IPA and I'll get a can of something different just to switch it up. And that poured exactly like this. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck is this? This is amazing. And then when yeah. I had brew juice, I was like, all right, it's, this is what we're working with here. This is the same thing. Um, extraordinarily impressive that you've been able to do it. I guess now that we're in smoothie land, we can get into it. Um, it's been a big, big topic over the last year. I really feel like people understand smoothies. They love them. They hate them, whatever. How did your smoothie journey begin? Because you weren't doing them last year. When we did it in uh, the podcast in January, you hadn't done them. I believe, like I mentioned before, you, you told us about them. Um, yeah. Do you want to maybe just talk to about how that sort of came about and why the fuck you're doing and why you're so damn good at it? What's actually kind of funny is that you bring up the veil and it's one of the reasons why I, uh, well, not exactly, but it's like one of my first exposures to smoothies okay. was me getting angry that they had won the best <laughs> Dozo award for a, for, like, for that a one? smoothie. Uh, yeah, for a smoothie. Like they had won an mm. award for the best, <laughs> Goza, the best Goza of the year or something on, on rapier or whatever. Uh. I was like... Like you can't win best goza if you are a, a smooth, <laughs> if you put scoop in. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's not like don't get me wrong. The beer might be delicious, but there's just no way that I'm I'm a style driven guy. I'll get I'll always always follow. It was like, I'll always follow styles and try to stay within them as much as the styles can actually exist. Because like if you look at every smoothie, they get thrown down if on untapped. I'll put them in fluted sours because there's no category for smoothies. But to win something like Fruited Goza, I was like, this is completely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of my first exposure to what a smoothie was. But a lot of what it was was actually Zach, which, uh, which is one of my brewers here, my longtime friend, was going, you have to get onto the smoothie game. It's like it's, it's killing it everywhere because he's following Instagram and seeing what everybody's doing it everywhere. I'm like, okay, fine. Let's just try this thing out. And uh, so we just kind of did the first iteration, which was just four mixed fruits into uh, a tank at 100, maybe 150, 160 grams of uh, every liter. So something in like the low amounts. And that's, and we had to just run that as a pilot system and everybody loved it so much that we just started stepping up from there. So we slowly went from 150 to like 200, 250, where now we reside at the more or less Three to th like uh, three to three hundred and fifty grams per liter as a final amount, so thirty to thirty-five percent, if you will. Okay. So that's that's kind of where we sit on the addition on where where we have, but we just slowly mm. built towards up that to, up, up to that level 
but a lot because we, as we were building it, so was a uh, place like Missorum, so was uh, Nouvelle France. There was a few places that were doing it at the same time as us. And we were all talking about the amount of fruits per, like, the amount of grams per liter of fruits we were throwing in. So people would come to the, the, come to the counter and ask how many grams per liter this <laughs> <laughs> Talk about your clientele, like knowing what they want. Right. Well, it's just like I, it's like go IBU wars of right. uh, of like, <laughs> you know, you know, how much fruit? One hundred fifty. Oh, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> Same concept, just like slowly cracking them up, and like so. But we kind of settled upon liking what three hundred to three fifty was because it's still to us was beery enough to be comfortable, but still fruity enough to be able to go down that that fruit and sour path. Because obviously you could keep cracking it up until it becomes next to nothing. Right. Then you're just like, like just remember, eating an apple at the counter. <laughs> <laughs> but all that, all this stuff was going along at the same time as all these places like 450, the veil and everybody were getting ratted out on being so low in alcohol right. where it was that like, initially we were like just out putting stuff out and we we're like six, 6.5%. Like, yeah, sure. It's probably 3%. And I was having to like post stuff but telling people, no, like, it's a seven or it's eight percent base. I'm putting this much fruit, dilute it down to this much. It's that the percentage that it's very simple math. The people that aren't doing it wrong is just because they're they're doing like they're trying to say show something different or whatever the hell it is. So it's kind of where we were just we were just building up and and kind of created. It was our one of our more popular styles. We just decided to can it, which was one of the most stressful three days. <laughs> prior and doing it because no like we did i didn't know it was going to go in the cans like the everything i was i i, I thought of was going to be i'm going to put this thing into a can and it's going to start gushing out and i'm just going to get low fills everywhere right and that was and the, but i'm like but somebody's doing it somewhere so they're doing something right and now we got it pretty much down like to a to a t we know what we're going for but that's a lot more where, like, with the discovery period was like figuring out how to run these things into cans into ways that was going to make it to something good. So, I love this so much. I can't yeah. express these beers do something to me. Like, I get really mad. Like when we were talking earlier when you came by, like you seemed so chill about all this movie shit, and I'm like, man, fuck these guys hating it. Like, like it, <laughs> I'm like aggressive about it because I don't know why. It's just so delicious. Well, so, you get aggressive about anyone hating on uh, anything. This innovative. Here. Hashtag innovation. Um, okay, so that's great to know that you guys were. The, Zach, I'm not surprised because you guys are really like being great. I think you and Zach are a great team as far as like taking it to the next level. Being you guys are never scared to innovate and try something new, and I think that really speaks to why you are successful. Why you know you are in the in the conversation at all times as far as and, and in the short time you've been brewing a year and a bit, man. Like that's pretty pretty damn good that it's gone from just getting a place, even though you've been open, but from actually just having that control to being like, oh, if you come to Montreal, no, no, you need to go to Bruce, you need to go to Masora, and move, you know, uh, we were talking about that, that's what, what we tell people. So um, with the smoothies, we talked about this earlier, Derek, and, all, and Noah, we talked about this at length on uh, online, but basically one of the main criticisms that people say about um, uh, smoothie sours is that there's not beer. And I wanted to just go into, and we can totally get as nerdy and as technical as we want here. I wanted to just go into yeah. what actually a smoothie sour is, how they're made, whether you even consider it beer. You know, is there any sort of regulation where or agreed upon volume of fruit per liter that makes it 
um, considered beer and just all, all the bit nerdiness about it, just to maybe so it's on record once and for all. This is how Brewski does it uh, within reason, and you know, yeah. this is what these bad boys are. So, I'd say everything like for us, it varies a lot. What we end up doing, everything's always a kettle sour. Okay, um, what is the actual base beer? Can we say what is it a Berliner Weiss? Yeah, so the, it's a Berlin. Well, it's not actually a Berliner Weiss because Berliner Weiss would depending on which historical things you go down. But usually Berliner-wise are a lot more wheat than what we do. Okay. So if you're going to go malt-bill kinds, what we do is a little bit different. So we do more or less 50% Pilsner malt. Okay. The rest is like 20%, 25% wheat and 25% oats. So we kind okay. of just try to bring out the cereally aspect of it. Okay. And also, it just, it just like, it's what we end up liking as much as possible. It's we try to make it into how I would make a smoothie at home. I would throw some oats into it for sure. Right. It would like kind that of little bit of oatmeal mm. taste yeah. to, to mm. add that. Yeah. So to try to not make it exactly into a, uh, like, into a Berliner Weiss, although historically there was oats in Berliner Weiss, but just whatever. So uh, that's kind of what we're at. And then we do the kettle sour. And that's where I'd say it kind of varies every single time. I've we've cultured house strains for a while or just run them and then I've had other stuff where I just do single strain plantarums I, uh, like right now we're running a plantarum brevis I'm just kind of using the base as an exploration of what kettle souring possibilities can be because even though it doesn't necessarily come through in the final beer it's kind of an interesting thing for us to taste what different kinds of back of like similar bacteria but different strains of bacteria can give to the final product so we can use them for our, our other things that we're creating. Okay. So that's where I'm saying it kind of changes. The base is pretty much always the same. However, the, the plantarum strains or what we're doing with them will change as we go along. Then we kettle, like kettle souring, we do end up doing the secondary boil. So we do the boil to kill off all the bacteria. So we've hit a pH of 3.3. Uh, we'll, we'll do the secondary boil throw about two, one, 0.5 grams a liter of coriander because coriander will get biotransformed into a, like a, a lemony flavor. Mm, this is okay. why like, a lot of whites and stuff have like a lemony characteristic is because they do use a lot of coriander and coriander will get, like, get biotransformed. No nice shit. And you do this on all of your smoothies yeah. more or less? Yeah, yeah, every single one of these. So we take them, we transfer them in and I've been playing around with either bike uh, strains where I'm fermenting at 39 degrees Celsius or an S, uh, like SO5, which is just an American strain, a Chico strain. So I kind of play around with both to see which one I like. Uh, I'm always just kind of playing around with the final base beer because the reality is that so much becomes uh, part of just figuring out how to blend the fruits in that it covers up a lot of these things where right. I'm just using them as as kind of learning tools on my end so that I, I could get better at doing these things. And maybe it's not necessarily consistency we're getting, but we're getting fruits from so many other places that the fruits become more dominant in terms of flavored components that we actually get from what we're getting from the kettle souring processes and stuff. So at that point, it ferments out. Kettle, like, Kvike has the advantage of we're, like, able to get from more or less grain to can in seven days, which is nice. Mm. Uh, versus an SO5, uh, which will give us grain to glass in about 10 to 14 days. So it's kind of like that bit of a difference because the fermentation <clears throat> is the main 
the main reason why we kind of slowed down on it. Uh, from then, once it's fermented out, we cold crash, leave it for uh, a few days so it, the yeast settles out, uh, transfer it on like into a, a tank and just inject fruits into it. And then I'll do acidic, uh, acidic adjustments on it, salt adjustments. So at that point, we I have a base that is already calcium chloride heavy, so it has mouthfeel to it. Okay. But then I'll just adjust the salts based on what I think is going to make it better. So I'll, I'll adjust stuff on trying to get calcium chloride in to give a little bit more mouthfeel. Sometimes put salt inside of it to try to adjust this like the just the satiation that you could have, even though it is sweet. Like I can maybe put a little bit of salt component and knock it out. Look at that baby then, food on the like, side. I, Look at it. Yeah. Look at it. It's fucking glorious. I might even adjust like uh, like acidities and stuff with uh, various kinds of acids to try to balance out what we're getting as a final as a final product based on how sugary the whole thing is. So it's always just like a building of what it is. And I end up like sometimes I'm injecting things ten minutes before we're canning. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm really. Like, it's like a prolific tinker. It's just very annoying. <laughs> I, I make I, I make all the all the brewers kind of anxious because I'm always just there telling them to like either I'm just going in injecting stuff or you know oh I have to adjust this little thing. And so there's a lot. So a lot of it is built. It's it's figuring out how to do these. And when we're looking at some of these beers, the most complicated thing is fruit source is fruit sourcing. Out of mm. everything there is, it's fruit sourcing. Most Almost everything I make has three to four, three to four, even five, sometimes different fruits from different places. Even if it's is like the raspberry beer, will have fruits from, uh, will have raspberries from kind of everywhere. It's just because it just never ends up being. I sometimes get a banger, but most of the time I get something that's good. Sometimes it's something that's a dud. Sometimes it's mm. a little bit too liquidy and. I just oh. found it easier to get fruits a little bit from everywhere and blend them all in. Hmm. And it's it's a tough it's it's the really the hardest part is that it's just figuring out what there is because it's so easy to make one of these if you get a nice a nice fruit, but then the same supplier will send you something so different the next time and it just doesn't work. Hmm. So I like think. your raspberry beer might have four, four to five, yeah, four different raspberry uh, raspberries from four different sources. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's actually crazy. Okay, so one of the things that uh, we were talking about earlier, Derek, was um, the there's a, there's a uh, faction of individuals who like to claim that these aren't beers. So, yeah. uh, you know, what where do you stand on um, on the on you know this a smoothie sour? It's made by a brewery. It's a base of a, essentially a little ice. What you know, how would you approach someone who would be like, this is not beer, man? I could agree or disagree depending on what somebody defines as being a beer. It's kind yeah. of very complicated. Because I like if you if you go through Quebec laws and what we end up doing, if you actually look on the cans, they do not say beer. They will say beer mixed with fruit puree. Okay. So if, based on Quebec laws, we would not be considered beer. We would be considered a blend because Quebec has a specific term of what amount of residual sweet, like sugars, can be created by an amount of sugar. But every, like, if you go to the United States, you then have every single state has its own definition of what's going to be something. Like the only ones I might not say is like the Canada use had now, since being a crowler, it'll be slightly different. 
but if you grab any one of our other ones, it's been a long time that we just identified as beer mixed with puree. Mm -hmm. So, is it because the laws haven't caught up and we like they're they're allowing it? Should we be calling it because it hasn't? Because the base alcohol remains an alcohol malt, and alcohol malts are still defined in many ways as being a, a beer product. Mm. So. Very hard to say, but what does it really matter? Is it something that's good? Is it something that's not good? Like if you put, if you put like ten uh, percent or fifteen percent lactose inside a beer, does that still stay a beer? No, it's, of course it does. It's lactose. But how does that define anything? It's right. very hard to look at these things. It's it's one thing that is true about this style. No matter who you are, is that it is almost undeniable. It's the one of these things that you grab and you can think what you, you're like, oh, stuff, like, it's not beer. I don't want to try it. And then somebody forces it down your throat and you're like, God, this is delicious. <laughs> it's, it's so goddamn good. And, this, that's, and exactly. And that's just what we're at. It's, it's why define it? Why is it that? a massively adjuncted pastry stout's cool, but a fruited sour is not because it's it's got all these crazy things inside of it. They're the same. It, it's If you're looking at a few years ago, none of this stuff was being done, but it's just like because it's a black fermented out beer, that's okay. Oh, but for the, uh, the, the smoothies are creating can bombs. Great. Leave your adjuncted stout out that hasn't been pasteurized. They'll start exploding too. It's not any of a difference in these things. <coughs> they're, they're all relatively, they're, they're different, but in many ways, they're just such the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, and if, if we have to force people to define what a beer is and what a beer isn't, it will create limitations on people's creativity. And that's unfortunate. We have to figure out how to do it. Like, how to just accept the fact that it's just good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I think what, what some people have said is is the the fact that the, the fruit puree is being added post fermentation, it's it's creating something more of like a beer cocktail than a beer itself. Um, which I guess there's an argument for, but then sure. I mean like you could you could it, it, why is adding sugar post fermentation the one thing that now turns this not beer and not like you said the 37 adjuncts you threw in that stout <laughs> or the insane dry hopping that you did per post fermentation like maybe if you throw hops in, in post fermentation then that shouldn't be beer anymore either like i think there's, there's there could be more argument to say that i don't agree with this but i think there'd be more argument to say I don't like what smoothie beers are doing to the beer world, but like concentrating on whether something is beer or not beer, like it, that seems, I don't know, it doesn't seem necessary to me. Mm. Like have your opinions on what these hyper trendy things are doing, fine, but like worrying about the semantics of what is and what is not beer just doesn't seem necessary, necessary to me. Yeah. It's just the difference. Like I, mm. I agree with not fermentable sugar. Like, of somebody saying throwing like non-fermentable sugars could be non-considered a beer, fine. Right. But that's that that is that's fine with me. But then saying it's dangerous is where I have like a bit of an issue because yes, it could be. But to me, it's as dangerous as having a uh, like an adjuncted stout like that finishes off at fourteen Play-Dohs that hasn't been pasteurized and that you're throwing something that has like cacao nibs that maybe have not been roasted that have lactic bacteria on it or other kind of 
something that could create CO2 is just as unsafe to me mm-hmm. as having something like this. These are all things that could, that should be kept refrigerated. So is your meat from home. Like when you go to a store yeah, and you exactly, buy meat, or your milk. But it, you just th- like there's just these products that are meant to be stored cold. Beer in itself should be stored cold, and and it's just it's a weird <clears throat> thing to look at stuff and go it's it's it'll explode. The reality is a lot of beers explode. Everything kind of explodes. Even uh, even Craig was talking about. Uh, about Miss Orm's beer that has been commented on exploding. That was a post from one. There's a nonstop amount of, of, of beers from uh, just anything that contains breaths that are just exploding yeah. everywhere. It, explosions don't mean anything except for the fact that, yes, they're, they, it is a dangerous thing. It is something that we have to be careful upon, but it shouldn't be considered as like an explosion shouldn't be considered as the definition of what is beer or not. Yeah. The discussion is residual sugars. Mm-hmm. Those are whole different things because that's something I think I, that I, I would be able to discuss of like mm-hmm. it is and it isn't. But it's hard because. Yeah. It's, 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 there's no rules. Like it's, yeah. it's subjective, right? The two, yeah. uh, the two um, things that I got, one was from a brewer here. I won't call him out. Good bloke. And he was, he, he's typically not into this type of stuff. And he was, uh, um, he said uh, it was if it's if there's unfermented fruit, it'd be a cocktail. Be just for the the set the the fact of um, that it's not like it's it's beer mixed with fruit after fermentation. So his definition of beer is things have to be fermented. Then another one that I got, um, which I can say by name, Chris from Hops and Bros. We did a little episode. Uh, on on his channel about smoothie beers, we just argue about shit that you know. I like fun stuff. He doesn't like fun stuff. So <laughs> basically, he he said, "I was like, okay, so what percent of fruit becomes problematic for you?" And he says it was twenty five percent. Anything more than twenty five percent fruit becomes not beer. And I'm like, is that a thing or is that just what you like? He, he just made that up. He made that up. <laughs> So I feel but a like firm or of of non-firm, you know. I would like, say non-firm, non-fermented yeah. stuff, right? That's what the, the what what I'm noticing of the people who maybe have a have an issue or take issue with with this type of stuff is that it's a um, you know a non-fermentable that they don't like that non-fermentable stuff, right? Yeah. So I agree. Um, that was the the two sort of criticisms that I had seen. Um, about it and I sort of was kind of like well uh, it, it comes back to sort of like like what you were just saying like does it really matter like if people yeah. like it and it's a, it's a great product and like you said as well earlier that like try it and tell me it's not good so like does it matter if it's not beer and I feel like there's this un uh, how do I say it like there's this concern from more purist folks who come from a more purist angle which I absolutely understand and respect that that they think that all of these trendy things are going to take over and everyone's only going to make smoothies. Now, I can think of three breweries in Quebec that are making smoothies, at least to a higher level. And, you know, it's you guys, Masorum and, and Nouvelle France. Is that taking, how many breweries in Quebec? 200 or something? Like, that's not taking over beer. Like, they, they seem to be very caught up in this, like, oh, but if we let smoothies, that's what they've said, like, dudes have said. Like, they really worried that everyone's only going to do smoothies. There's going to be smoothie barley wines. And I, it's not gonna be a thing dude like uh, chill you like just created the best idea ever 
You can have that, Derek. It's a collab. Apple it's like caramel a... smoothie barley. Smoothie bar. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why, like, the I agree with, like, I'm, as I said before, I'm a big, I, I'm very, I try to follow styles as much as I can. Yeah. This in itself is a style. It just hasn't really been created yet because right. it takes a long time to create styles. And, and that's what it always is. Like so many of these beers, how long did it take to create the New England style? Like for yeah, a long, years. It's the it's I I look at new I look at smoothies sometimes at what people used to look at New England, where it's this it's sometimes the same fucking people that are going, like that are doing New England IPAs now and going. Why are people complaining that we're making hazy beers when it's the same thing that was being told of like why can't you guys make this beer clear? Like, but the purpose right. isn't to make it clear. We right. want it cloudy. We yeah. want that stuff. Oh, so this this thing's not like yeah, but you're you guys don't know how to <laughs> brew. You guys are not making clear beer. Okay, but then it's the same the same stuff. It's like what we're now making these fruit these post firm fruited beers. Are the beers are they not like that's a little bit of more of a touchy subject. Are they are they not? I don't know. Open to discussion. However, they're good and they're probably here to stay because. Because people love them, and what, the only thing you could hope upon, the only thing is that this, is, like New England's IPA, what was New England's, what was fantastic about them, is that they opened the world to people drinking other IPAs. Mm. How many people are drinking smoothie IPA, smoothie sours that hate sour? They're like I can't like this stuff; it doesn't make any sense. Having a, a one of our beers. And then going to the next kettle sour, something that's fruity, and going, oh, this is nice. And maybe they make their way up the Cantillon, and maybe they make like they kind of work their way down the path. It's what a lot of people used to associate as being just the kettle sour method of just saying that a fast sour was a nice way to make people open to the idea of being able to have like that higher end of what sour is. It's just like we're allowed to, we can. It's just all about opening doors. Can we open these doors for these people? That like this is the beer, and most a lot of the people that are drinking these beers, how we can tell it might or might not be beers is because people that don't drink beers love these beers. Yeah. But maybe it'll bring them to beers right after. And how's that a bad thing? Mm, that's like it, how is how is them having that going? Oh, this is actually nice. I do like craft beer because this is tasty. Going to a kettle sour, going this is really nice. Then going to a fruited IPA going, this is also great, and then making their way to IPA, and then suddenly they, we just converted a wine drinker or some nice. other kind of mixed cocktail drinker into the beer world, and that's what everybody's after. Yes. It's, yeah. it's just developing these flavors and developing these tastes, and it's, it's like, I remember when I started, like I used to hate tomatoes until I had tomatoes in a burger, and then suddenly I loved tomatoes. You kind of go down yeah. this path of just you you discover this one thing and this flavor that just makes it so that this was so good that now I remember having this thing because a lot of flavors based on memory, a lot of flavors based on memory or situational mm -hmm. things where you just reassociate this thing to this nice time. And so if you have something that's fruit juicy, you're like you remember your childhood, you're like, this is fantastic. I love this. I can't. I don't drink juice at home because it's bad for me, and I'm on. I'm checking my carbs, but I'll drink this highly fruited smoothie, sour, I like beer that we make. And then suddenly, boom! They're drinking whatever the hell other beers that are on the market because we. They're suddenly in a craft beer store trying to find smoothie sours, but we're <laughs> the only ones making it. So, 
there and shit luck. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I uh, was in my, I guess, 20s. I, I didn't like olives. And uh, I went to a friend's house and I was high, really, really high. And I went to his fridge and he had nothing but a jar of olives. I just started eating them. <laughs> and from that day forward, I fell in love with olives. It was like... It was like it took that moment in time of sitting in his kitchen, having a good time, just eating this because it was the only food. And then like almost just like forcing my palate into liking it and then uh, fell in love with all of it after that. I mean, that's obviously a more extreme version of that, but you're absolutely right in the sense that if you can create that experience or you can give someone a kettle sour that has X amount of fruit de puree in it and they know the association to the fruit and the sweetness of the fruit and it gives them that experience and then in the background they have that tart acidic kettle sour base you can probably create that experience, create that memory and then have them move on to uh, solstice d'été and be like, oh I used to find this way too acidic but like it, it, it that association becomes a reality and it's a really good point yeah 100 percent. and like even this one reminds me of baby food from a childhood <laughs> in the and best possible way up, um which occurred to me today before we were going to meet um and i feel like this can kind of just get thrown in the face to all those anti-smoothies or whatever <laughs> um correct me if i'm wrong but Berliner Weisses in Germany traditionally, or at least at some point in history, were served with these fruited syrups, no? Yeah. It's actually funny. I never put that together. Because I was in Germany, like, I went to Germany for my honeymoon, and every single person I asked for a Berliner Weisses, and I asked them without fruit syrup, looked at me weird. Because <laughs> it's like, you're, you're like, you want to drink what? I'm like, just a Berliner Weiss, the Kindle Weiss, because usually they have a Kindle Weiss, super sour, it's delicious, 3.5%. But everybody drinks it with this either green or red syrup. I forget yes, exactly. what they're called. Is and it like natural it, fruit or something like that? Or? No, not even no. close. Like <laughs> corn syrup or some shit, right? The, I had one of each because I had to see what it was, but the cup is so sticky after. It's, it's, it's horrible. Okay. But Every single place I went to, and I was just buy. I would just. I'm, I'm in Berlin. May as well have some. Berlin Why not? Right? And they, it, it was just they. They want to serve it to you with the syrup because to them it's, it's the lemonade thing again, right? You need exactly. to have, you have this nice tart, like super acidic thing. How do we make it palatable? We need to add some sort of sweetness to it. So it's just inevitably what ends up doing and what they end up serving all the time is just that 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 thing. And if you actually you look up Berliner Weiss, or at least Berliner Weiss Berlin, you'll see these disgusting looking cups of syrup that are red and green. And that's just how they get it all the time. Right. Interesting. So I, I never even put that together that they actually do that stuff over there. And that's, that's So for all the purists there, Really, yeah. that's what you're saying. Like, you guys need to chill the fuck out because you need to understand what happens in Germany. This is just taking it to a less artificial level. It's actually real fruit puree put into the beer. Yes, it's unfermented, but so is the stuff they pour into your glass after they pour it over yeah. there. And it's actually gross and weird, whereas this is like real, real fruits. So, yeah. you know, let's not be so judgmental, folks, until you try it. Plus, also, yeah, and I mean, I feel like it's all, it's also almost like a pushback against, like, 
extreme flavors to a certain degree. Like, I think there's this certain pride we get with beer. At least, like, if you look at the IBU wars from a few years ago, right? Like, it was, it was like when you discovered IPA and then you could truly appreciate IPA, it's like you had this palate for bitterness, right? And, like, mm. someone who's never tried before mm. takes a sip and, like, oh, my God, that's bitter. And you're like, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's <laughs> badass. And I like beer or whatever. Um, spicy. And, yeah, and then, <laughs> and then you develop a palate for it, and you're like, I want more bitterness. I want more yeah. bitterness. And it kind of, I think that's what happened with the sour game too, right? Like mm. just like how much acidity, like the American sours, and like how much, how much can we wreck people's palates with this level of acidity? Yeah. And then this whole new craze of of smoothies, it's like, well, let's take that acidity and then curve it with some natural sweetness, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, like, but and. It's just so bizarre when you think about it, because what you're ending, what you're ultimately doing, is creating a more balanced beverage, and it's kind of ironic that that's the thing that are pissing off beer nerds. It's like, okay, so I'm I'm creating something that's actually kind of more rounded, but in that's what you're going to hate on, you know? It's yeah, kind of funny. Yeah, but it's there's so many other things to drink out there at worst. Like if you really think it, it's not worth uh, it's not worth the amount to hate. But yeah, someone just suggested Raphael Shasuber. He said, "Make a banana cream pie brew juice." <laughs> That's an idea. You can. You got that one for free, bro. <laughs> I feel like if anyone can do it, it's you. Honestly, like that blueberry cobbler. I, I think about that beer from time to time. It was that. It was like the Graham crack. That's why I've been really excited about the raspberry, um, the brew cake one, which is a yeah. different series you guys have been doing where you're recreating. Um, Different desserts, I guess, which I don't think. Not really. Brew cake just ends up always being cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, bro. I don't think. So, okay. So how, but the idea of like actually putting cream cheese, yeah. in a, you want to just talk us through that? Because that shit is weird as fuck and I love it. Uh, do you guys want to crack open the next one? Yeah. What do you guys sure. want to do? Derek, you're, really, I guess. yeah, which one? Uh, you're in charge, Derek. I think we, we mentioned earlier the... Pineapple. Yeah, like, we could do the pineapple one. We could also do the. Should we get the cream cheese since we're going to talk about it? Is that better? I know it's strong. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not afraid. Yeah, you know what? Go I'm going to go take a piss and grab it real quick. But yeah, maybe talk about the cream cheese stuff. We'll be back in two seconds. I'm going to walk right. very carefully. <laughs> yes. Don't slip. So, well, the initial premise was just. I don't know. We, uh, I forget which brewery I was looking at. It was just doing cream cheese stuff, and I tried to do because I was doing a collaboration with Shelton at some point, and I tried every method of trying to get cream cheese into a beer because we were doing a uh, we were doing what the hell is it like a carrot cake beer? Like the, what's the most important part of carrot cake? It's obviously like yeah. the, the cream cheese icing. So I fermented it out. I did all these things. I did all, and it was never goddamn working. Like the only thing, probably the only way to do it is to keep it in suspension. Right. So that was the only time it actually tasted somewhat good. It was keeping the suspension. So when it came down to doing this one, we're like, okay, let's uh, let's just figure out a way to keep this cheesecake into suspension. And the dosage I was going for initially was crazy. <laughs> The thing was, the thing was pink. It, everybody was like, "This is the most delicious thing you've ever made," but everybody only had a sip of it and they right. just put it down. And then I would look at them, and nobody was taking a second sip. Right. So like, there's just no way there's, that this is the right amount of cream cheese. <laughs> so then I had, 
so like I slowly been like actually recently throughout every release I've been increasing slightly the amount of cream cheese in them. Okay. Uh, but it's still kind of not much. Well, uh, when you it, say cream cheese, what are you yeah. adding to that? Literally like a bucket like, of cream literally cheese? Literally blocks of cream oh, okay. cheese. Okay. Yeah. But it's not that easy because cream cheese curdles, so you have to figure yeah. out how to get that stuff in there. So I like one of the funniest terms I use a lot in in the brewery is like because well, it's, it's very what we call SOP in brewing is just standard operating procedures. And I like to create weird SOPs for stuff like cream cheese. <laughs> It makes the brewers go like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, like, yeah. So this is cream cheese SOP. Like, we shouldn't have an SOP. We shouldn't have a standard operational procedure for fucking something like cream cheese. <laughs> so they just kind of get upset at me when I do that stuff. But the so like we kind of figure out how to put an amount of cream cheese in a way that will not curdle. If you don't do pre-curdling of cream cheese, it will create like weird head on beer, which is kind of gross. Because like the I had done an initial test where by when I put cream cheese back into the beer, it just recurdled and became floaty bits, which was just <laughs> utterly disgusting. So you like, take a sip of it, and you just get these little like almost like spermy filaments floating around. In your <laughs> like, they're they're kind of raunchy. So, so this episode is called like, Spermy Filaments. <laughs> You would just like have a few sips, and then you'd you'd get this one lump, and you're like, "God, that turned me off from this." Right. It tasted good though, but you just didn't, don't chew, just don't close that mouth. So <laughs> that's that's where. So we figured out how to do that stuff. We kept increasing the amount of graham crackers, just putting all the fruits and everything inside of it, and that's what the brew cake became. So that's kind of where we're at on that one. It was the initial release was for the tap room anniversary, which was February, where it would have it was the, I guess we were four months into the brewing time, and we were maybe five or six brew juices in. Okay. Do you um do you keep, uh, aside from the cream cheese and do you put graham cracker too in those? Yeah. Ooh, look how thick so that is. So graham cracker, uh, cream cheese. And is the the smoothie base more or less the same yeah. as your? Okay. Well, these are a little bit more of a struggle. Like the the imperials have been fights for me. We've been trying to figure out how to do them properly. They because I have to bring up a three point three like pH sour base to twelve percent to like right. to bring them down. And it just the yeast doesn't like that. Like I I could bring I bring them up easily to ten eleven and then. The amount of these I've had to either like get rid of or start again is just they start crapping out and like no, I haven't figured out a yeast that necessarily works to that level yet. So like this one's this one made it, but it has a slight. It's it's very nice, but it does have a little bit of a booziness to it. So I need to re uh, readjust on the next one. But like it's it's always kind of these learning processes and trying right. to figure out how to do. How many imperials have you done so far? Many or just a couple? Three. Three. Yeah. I think I, I had the raspberry one, and I used that as the benchmark because I had 400 grams per liter of fruit. And that's yeah. why I was telling people, like, that's 40% of the beer is fruit, which I was more just impressed with than the other anti-smoothie people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The imperial ones, I always go higher. So on average, okay. I'll be 3 to 330, three, 340 on fruits in most of my brew juices. And then when we go imperial, I'm going to start cracking it up to, like, 370, 380. 
gotcha. just because. Just why not? So, the idea yeah. to balance the, the to get that extra sweetness to curb the uh, the the, uh, the uh, I guess, or just it's imperial, so you increase oh, the amount of pops, you increase the amount of fruits, you increase, like, just, you just increase so. everything. Um, Jorge right, says, "Yeah, do it, do it." Jorge says, "Brought to you by the National Sperm Bank." <laughs> That's <is> great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so this shit is probably one of the thickest ones I've seen from uh, from any of these. Amazing. I don't. Okay, so what are we supposed to be? Maybe I'm looking too hard for the cream cheese, but like, what am I? What are we tasting here? Mm. So, depending on how much you shook the can, because the cream cheese will slightly settle out. Okay. Uh, Shit, probably not enough. I'm gonna fill it yeah. up. Yeah. So the, the the cream cheese is there. It gives you a nice. Well, there's a slight amount of sourness in cream cheese when you start kind of dealing with it, but. The cream cheese is there. The vanilla gives you the impression that it's a slightly more cheesy than it is. Okay. And then it just bounces off with the fruits. And the graham crackers are there in the background. So the graham crackers are fermented. We throw those to the fermenter mid-firm, get it right. all mixed up, ferment out the honey and anything that's inside of it. So because we're throwing flour mixed fermentation, kind of gets into a weird cloudy and thick thing. Yeah, really then thick. We, then when we transfer it off, it's just we uh, we add all the other components to it, and it just starts getting kind of interesting. About that. Okay, so this one says, yeah, it's got strawberry, raspberry, graham crackers, uh, cream cheese, vanilla, and lactose. Um, yeah. Where did the uh, where did you decide to make something as kind of ambitious as this? Because it can't plus. I've I've definitely seen graham cracker in beer before. It's pretty common. Absolutely have not seen cream cheese in any shape or form. It was really just, I don't know, trying to, obviously just seeing it from the United States and seeing what, right. what some of the, they were doing. And it was trying to, it's coming back from what I was explaining from the Shelton thing where I was trying to, like our collaboration, trying to figure out how to throw cream cheese into something. Right. And doing all these tests and knowing that I can't get that flavor except for figuring out how to emulsify it or keep it in suspension. So that's where a lot of it came out is that, is like trying to keep it there. Like how do we keep it in? The only way I can taste it is that if it's in it and suspended, not fermented out and dropped out. Like it's hard to get that flavor if I'm going to make a stout or something. It would be very hard because right. it would just drop out and it wouldn't stay there. Because unless like you're, you'd have a very cloudy stout, you could not taste this thing that's just sitting there. So right. It's kind of what it is. But it's like a strong version of what, Thing is what we do, but mostly it was just how do we make a cake version of this thing, okay. and how do we make it in a way of as much as it's funny sometimes where you're looking at styles of what a a smoothie can be. I do I I do want I want a level of chunk. I want a level of what like of stain on the cup, but I do not want stain coming from something like graham crackers. I don't right. like that, and because that's. Because that's the level of stain that if I would put graham crackers in this beer directly, it would settle right out to the cup initially, right off the bat. And you would just have a, a weird, foamy, disgusting bottle <laughs> that you're like, when you're drinking it, then you start chewing the last cup. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, we, that's how we did my test. Like, I kind of throw them all in there and I throw graham crackers into the mix. And if graham cra- and I look at the cup and graham crackers just sell right to the bottom, I can't put graham crackers this way, I got to figure it out. So, okay. 
How, how do you add graham to this then? We throw it in mid-fermentation. Mid-fermentation so then? We just grab it like, uh, so we'll throw like 50, 60 kilos of uh, graham crackers into the fermenter. While That's a lot. Fermenting, so it just starts fermenting it out and just drops out. We would we drag everything out with the yeast. Yeah. And then just uh, we send everything to the tank after. After that. Okay. That's, this is like really, really crazy though. Like I feel like as it, does it change flavors as it warms a bit or something? A bit. A bit. I would say that because of that twelve percent like struggle base, you start getting a bit more of that alcohol content starts like clicking off. Okay. Kind of, kind of like if you're warming up, uh, like rum and something, and you start smelling the rum more right. than when mm. it's cold. So you'll get a little bit more of that as it heats up. Because I was feeling but, like I'm not getting a lot of the booze on this, which is uh, impressive being, and that's what I got from the Imperial raspberry, which was also 8.5 if I'm not mistaken. Um, that shit was it might some, depend on what you had before. <laughs> that's yeah. a good point. It's always my finish. Uh, four beers in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I split all of them with Tiff, except, well, I just poured it all into this one and she can, I'm in the brewery. Them. So I have a drink. I keep throwing them. <laughs> oh yeah. It's uh, it's look at that privilege, drain privilege. Uh, Dan is just saying these beers look insanely good. Dan is uh, Tiff's cousin. He lives downstairs. Dan, I'm going to split a whole bunch of these with you uh, tomorrow, my G. And Montreal Beer Page says, this makes me want to crack open my imperial brew cake, but I've already had a barley wine and a Belgian triple. Bit of an odd mix. <laughs> you know what I say, Dude, Montreal Beer Page? Bro. Do it. Fucking go for it. I say, we're out here. <laughs> Derek is here. He's looking at you in the eye and he says, fucking go for it. Send us pictures. I don't know if you can. Can you send pictures through? Uh, I don't know if you can send pictures through yeah. a... Uh, through the through the comments, but send us on Instagram. Send send uh, send them to Derek and Prabruski, beerism.ca, BOS podcast. Send it send it to us. Uh, yeah, man, this is um, one of my uh, friends from Ottawa. He lives here in Montreal now. He's a photographer and he is obsessed with yelling. He like rides his. He lives in Vidania. Always rides his bike down and picks up. And this was the one he was creaming over. He was like the most stokedest motherfucker of all time that you brought this back. This is the second time you've done this one. It's. The first time we do the Imperial. Mm. So we've done raspberry twice, strawberry once, and then we brought Imperial where we put both of them together. Okay. That's sick. Um, were all, oh, were, the, that's were okay. all the Imperial smoothies you've ever done, were they all brew cakes? No. So, so you've ras- done we've done raspberry and then we've done tropical. So we kind of did the, the big bangers, the ones that people really like. As the uh, as just the base brew juice, so the ones that are most requested as brew juices, then we just bring those back as imperial. Okay, because I'm looking here, brew cake. You've done a strawberry. Now the imperial strawberry and raspberry, and the OG is 5.2, and it was just raspberry. Just raspberry, but still the cheesecake. Yep. 300 grams yep. a liter. Okay, so all of them been cheesecake. All of them been cheesecake. Okay, I think he's dressing up a cheesecake in the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's done. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps it uh, on brand. I love it. Yeah. yeah, these are just so. It's just so creative, man. Um, I think one. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Craig. No, um, no. One, one, one thing that's kind of interesting about this is I, I agree with you in that you definitely get that that booziness out of it. But what's kind of fun about it is it really gives you that kind of strawberry daiquiri thing, which I think yeah. in a lot of ways is what's kind of fun about the smoothie beers is in a lot of ways it feels like these these kind of 
like like daiquiris and stuff. I don't drink a lot of these drinks, but my partner Jenny does, and so once in a while I'll take sips and stuff. And that's kind of what's fun about them is like you're sticking ice and straight fruit in a blender, and then you're pouring rum or tequila or whatever. So you're getting that contrast between the sharpness of the the that insane ethanol thing and the the bright fruit. And I feel like that's kind of the the beer version of that is is these smoothies and i i get it so much in this because you have that hint of sharpness in the finish it's not quite as stringent but it's it's present um it's fucking but you amazing. get that insane strawberry raspberry richness that just kind of counters yeah. it and then the residual sweetness which is nice yeah. It's super jammy, which I'm enjoying more as yeah. it's like it's like obviously hasn't warmed to the level that it probably will. But like that is that real juicy, it's so thick it feels like you're drinking jam in the best possible way. Cause it's just like you know how jam is like the much more concentrated version of like a juice. Yes. And it, and it's just it's really got that like you're eating the cheesecake. I feel like I'm not getting the graham overly, but I feel like that's it's always me neither. It's hard to get the gram. Like you taste it in the base beer, but once we blend everything in, you kind of it's not as much. It's that's like the vanilla is almost there to try to give you the impression of ground. Okay, but, so the question on that, Derek, the um the brew, the blueberry cobbler. Yeah. Why? What did you do in that one that we could taste the? Excuse me, the pastry this, so insane because that was fucking there's wild. There's no pastry in it. It's really just those are just spices. Really? Eh? Yeah. So it's just blueberry. It's blueberry. Uh, black brown sugar, lactose, and then just spices. Really? So cinnamon, uh, nutmeg, or whatever the hell is. <laughs> That's crazy. Kind of hitting up the other the other spices. So it's none okay. like it's the perception of of that stuff. There's, so there's no crust. There's no nothing. It's just really. It's the it. spices that do it. Well, whatever the fuck you did, bro, that was that was insane. Because yeah. like I feel like that it like. It's called a blueberry cobbler. So in your in your mind, you got your eyes closed. You're like, all right, I'm expecting these certain elements, and I guess the pastry has those spices in it. So that's like you said, like the vanilla tricks you into sweetness, the spices trick you into the pastry, and that's really what you're doing. It's like be a science right here. You're actually creating something in the minds of people because this sensory thing is a multiple. You know, it's you all about smell sensory. Yeah, all that stuff's about sensory. That's amazing. Yeah. Man. Um, Raphael says, Imperial brew cake tastes like the strawberry marshmallow candy we used to eat as kids. Once you get the connection, you can't go back. I, th- I know what he's talking <laughs> about. I think I know what he's talking about, too. Um, it's my it's turn like to run to the bathroom. The I'm just running right. on. <laughs> I'm getting antsy. I'll be right back. Yeah, man. <laughs> Do it up. Um, so, Noah, okay. So, as as I know you're not like – you know, Chris from Hops and Bros as far as like, you know, we always joked about, you know, I guess it's, it's kind of over now, but the lactose arguments and shit, I feel like you're much more, um, I don't know, you're a worldly man and you, you know, you, you drink everything. And I feel like you, like both of us are admitting, I, I'm getting more traditional, you're getting more in there. You know, we're moving more towards each other as far as our palates kind of fucking with everything. Like, sure. how, do you, how do you feel about the... The, these bad boys. I know you've had them before, but now you're you know sitting here and you're really soaking it up. We're talking about it. Like, how do you how do you feel about it? Well, I think for me, like, I think it comes off sometimes that I'm I'm being like traditional about things. But I think what it what always comes down to for me is whether something tastes good or not. And my big issue with milkshake IPAs and stuff is I just thought they the on the on. 
a lot of them just tasted bad to me. Like I didn't like that. I didn't like. It was kind of what Derek was talking about. I just didn't like the vanilla and the hop combination. I just thought it was kind of gross. And I think, and, and in retrospect, and I'm, I think I can probably admit that I was wrong to a certain degree. I often attributed a lot of that lactose thing to the vanilla thing, but I think ultimately. A lot of my hate was the combination of those two, like the extra okay. sweetness with the vanilla, and I just didn't dig that. When I think a lot of it was the vanilla, because mm. I've had lactose IPAs without the vanilla, and I'm like, this is fine. It just kind of helps balance that sharpness. Mm. <clears throat> uh, but specific to the smoothies, at the end of the day, they just taste good, and if the brewers are doing this, like you said. I think it's arrogant to think, or not necessarily arrogant, but maybe foolish to think that these beers are going to take over everything and there's going to be no Pilsners left or whatever. And if you just look at trends, and you, it, it's kind of really fun to see how these kind of over-the-top beers have become so utterly trendy. And then underneath that, there's this, this secondary trend of the exact opposite of that popping mm. up too. So you go to Missorum and you have this slew of New England IPAs and then they got like a Pilsner or two on tap. And so it's like this. And then the smoothies other too. Trend that's, that's popping up, right? And then like Jean-Libre doing their, all their amazing lagers and everyone doing lagers now. And then like it's kind of become this balanced world of like, yeah, let's brew a smoothie with cream cheese and graham cracker, um, but also a nice crispy lager. Yeah. So like something for everyone. I don't think I don't think smoothies are gonna take over. Yeah. And at <laughs> the end of the day, like we were talking about, you drink this and you're like, this fucking tastes good. <laughs> There's something yeah, about it. There's something about pureed fruit that just tastes fucking ridiculously good. It's and glorious. that was actually something I wanted to ask uh, Derek from a cost perspective how like how is it dealing with all these pureed fruits because i could for the amount of fruit that you have to put into this beer i can imagine how expensive that is and then how much do you have to charge and then what are your margins worse on a smoothie as it is i don't know your kvake uh uh blonde ale that you gave us you know what i mean like what what does that look like well the one thing to consider about doing these like smoothie beers is that we're not, there's no loss associated to the fruits. There's no loss associated to any of the other additions. So it's a big factor that, that often gets disregarded is that yes, I'm putting thousands of dollars worth of fruits. I'm putting like hundreds of kilos of fruits into every batch. However, every time I add this fruit, it actually adds volume to my beer. If I throw hops at a beer, it actually I, I'm throwing a thousand dollars worth of hops that is absorbing beer, taking and then away. <laughs> and then if I throw beers, if I throw fruits into beers that are going to ferment out, it also I end up using losing all that volume also, and I need to put like I'd probably have to put thirty percent fruits into something to start really getting flavor, and then you're losing that much beer also. Mm. So the it's it's more is is it more expensive it is than let's say necessarily an ipa comparatively it's more or less the same uh 
like maybe a touch more because of just like the cost of what fruits are, but that's where sourcing becomes more important. Like what ends up being more complicated and what's actually related more into the cost is actually there's a little bit more labor into doing these beers. We're okay. doing calisaring processes. Then we have I have somebody that's like comes in one whole day to do fruits addition. Like it's it's a long and arduous process, and it takes me like even me trying to develop these things, going in and flavoring them, and all that stuff. It's a lot more labor intensive than doing something like a New England IPA, where you brew, you throw in, you dry hop twice, you then drag off into a bright tank carbonate sand in very easy in terms of labor so that's it's not that big of a cost on it like stouts are kind of the same way too stouts are in many ways cheaper to make than like at least the way we make them are cheaper to make in terms of ingredients than a new england or a triple double new england or a triple new england ipa however they are so labor intensive that that's what ends up being the major cost of it because you're like taking these things and throw it like it's a long brood day. It's uh, you're throwing all these uh, adjuncts at them that you're recircling multiple times. It takes like sometimes a week to flavor something where somebody's just doing something every day to try. Like, that's where it kind of eats up at the time more than the actual uh, value of the ingredients inside of these things. So not that big of a difference. But that's always what I find funny when I have, have when I have home brewers that come up to me and ask me like, I want to make this stuff at home. How do I do it? I'm, I'm like, no problem. Just uh, what size batch are you doing? Like twenty, like twenty liters. Okay, cool. Go buy uh, buy six kilos of fruits and and make a kettle sour and put it inside of it. And they're like, yeah, but six kilos of fruits cost me about eighty dollars. I'm like, yeah. It cost you eighty dollars plus your batch of beer to necessarily do it. It costs a lot of money. However, your then twenty liters of beer becomes twenty five like liters of beer. So you got a little bit more beer to deal with, and you don't have to come to to necessarily buy them. So so right. it's it's like there is <clears throat> there. They're not that they're expensive to make like any kind of craft beer. They're just as expensive to make as almost anything. But it's just like uh, the advantage that we have is that we just have we sell direct to customers. So anybody that sells direct to customer just makes the margins off of it. But anything we do, no matter what, it's like that's like we like cans, but goddamn, is it expensive compared to a pint of beer? Mm, right. <laughs> like our oh. business is bad. Like our business is get people in here, have <clears> some <throat> beers, enjoy the stuff, and please, and we would love it if you lose some cans if you like anything. That like the initial premise of our whole and the whole reason why we we started making cans and when I when I was designing the place was was why would we like it, why would a brew pub have cans was because I was looking at a way how do I make it possible for a person to leave from like that has thir- that has a thirty five dollar bill on average how do I make it fifty five dollars on average is to sell cans so that's where it becomes more interesting for us. So all these things, like I, any, no matter what we end up selling, and that's why, like in some cases, I'm sh- like I always try to make sure that the prices that we're going to put stuff up, be it a brew juice, be it an IPA, be it anything, is that we're going to be on par with what the major producers are doing, and and I think it's very important for all of us that are selling on-site beers to be cheaper than going to a depth, because mm. it just because you're when people come to you, they're going to buy a lot of you. Like yeah. if, if you're, when I go to a place, I go to, if I go to any place in the United States or I go to any brewery, I like I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna buy eight cans of you. Let's I'll buy two four packs, minimum. So I'll yeah. buy a, usually a lot more than that. But if I go to a depth, I'm gonna be at buying kind of 
anything that's on the shelves from anybody. Right. And I'll like get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm going to be like looking at what the price of stuff is. So it's kind of different. So that's where a lot of the pricing will change on what we put in, certain, in terms of stuff. That's why I, sometimes I look at what we sell and I'll look at like the equivalent of even what's in the United States. And we're like, God, we're actually somewhat decent for what we do in smoothie IPA and smoothie sours. Because I'm sure if you let this, like once this stuff is going to start going out, and we've heard it from other people that come to us and go, why are you selling these things so cheap? Because they know how much it costs necessarily to do. But like, yeah, but but we're like, it's not our market. Right. <laughs> our market is come to us, have like, it's this is just meant <clears throat> to get extra. It just is during COVID our main business, mm. but it was it was and and will usually be meant, and maybe in the future it's going to kind of change what we're what we're our orientation is, but it was just meant to be is that way to make a bill increase by twenty five dollars, but be, make people happy about it, not just increase the prices of their stuff at our bar. Right, so. I like that. That's great. We actually had a really good question here from uh, Jorge. He says, how do you add the puree? Do you blend it and then add it mid-ferment or in secondary? Would secondary. In secondary. And he said, would blending the fruit introduce oxygen in the brew and mess things up? So everything is re-blended and oxygen is an issue. Uh, so everything, we purge the hell out of this stuff. So like thankfully the uh, our mobile canners that come in which is vessels canning come in and they have an o2 meter and we are always like we always try to low side as much as possible we've had we've had a lot of our bridge uses being under under 100 do which is within range of what you'd even want like ipas we're talking about 19 to 20 uh old school style canning or just packaging you're happy uh, with anything under 500 and a lot of the time we're under uh, uh, i mean uh, everything under 500 and we're often under 100 to 150 on our bridge uses so there's just like to do these things and to do it right you have to purge the hell out of them so what we end up doing is we add fruits and we add the beer and we just throw the carb stone on and we let it run for like hours on end. They just let it like bleed through our, all the fruits and strip the O2 out of it. Because oxygen can be strippable. You just have to give it something else above it so it pulls out. And that's why you can grab a can of our brew juice, throw it in the fridge and have it six months later and it'll just be as good as the day you had it. It won't, won't change really? that much because oxygen is not there. Okay, because I kind of like stressed over the brew juices every time i've ever had them i never let them last more than a few days because i'm like oh, i gotta have that maybe, not because I, I shouldn't say that no we should six <laughs> you months you should have them the day you asap <laughs> go back to buy more and then go back again yeah, more. right away well as soon as you drink them you're gonna want to go back and buy more but it was more like i was never concerned about this explosion bullshit i really feel like I've had one pastry. I was so upset, actually. One pastry uh, stout explode in my in, just behind the camera here. I have like a TV unit, whereas whereas my cellar where I keep all my shit, and I got it in San Francisco. Brought it back. I was super excited, and I put it in there. Five in the morning one night, I heard a, a bang, and it woke us up. I'm like, let me go check the beers, and I came in, and then it was just seeping, and just before I hit the rug, I was able to pull the rug back and like clean it up, and it fucked the whole cupboard up or whatever. So, too soon, too soon, relax. So, like that, you know, I, I hadn't really experienced. The only other ones I'd experienced were a friend of mine from uh, Ontario. He had these, just it was literally a kosh, 
the culture explosion. I was touching the cans were hard, rock hard, and I'd had them explode in my hands before, but I think it was just a, a, a secondary fermentation uh, in the batch. So I'd never had anything with an abundance of fruit juice or anything like that um, explode. So I was always concerned about freshness, straight freshness. But because you have such low dissolved oxygen, just because I'm like, oh, if I get these beers, I want them to be like mint, just like I do with the haze. So I'm treating them with more, more like milk than a New England IPA. But, it's, but we have like, we have a few things going for us. Our oxygen is low. Okay. The pH is low. So like prior to having hops as being conservative agents, like the first things that actually came into the, the beer world as being a preservative was actually low pH. So okay. it's, it's, they're both kind of, because they make it so that microbes just don't go into it and like to change all that much. So it does have a level of protection. Okay. So all those things together make it so that it does, like you can sit on these things and you can have them in like, as long as you're not pulling them outside of the fridge and allowing the bacterias or the, because like our fruits are pasteurized, they're not aseptic. And there's sometimes a touch of aseptic stuff. Okay. So even like pasteurization doesn't absolutely kill everything. So even if we have them and we had no yeast inside of them, there could still be a chance. So right. you just never know. Okay. So it's just like that thing of, but in terms of stability of product, of having something inside your fridge, I lay, I'm 100% comfortable having this inside your fridge the same amount of times I'm comfortable with you having a Coca-Cola inside your fridge. Wow. It's uh, very similar to me. However, should you drink fresh? I mean, everything fresh is always slightly better, but should it change over time? I'm hoping it doesn't, but it should, it should get either better or worse. But there's going to be possibly a change, but they're still going to be drinkable. It's not going to just turn like, a, like what you're mentioning on milk, because milk is still alive. There's, it is pasteurized, but there's still a possibility of just it turning and mm. becoming excessively sour. But that if the milk was already sour initially, like the beer is now, it wouldn't have a possibility of turning sour and already is sour. Okay. That honestly is fascinating. I'm still not going to risk it, but I love it. I'd love to know that. Uh, Montreal Beer Page, he goes, I did it. The first man on earth to drink a barley wine, Belgian triple, and imperial <laughs> brew cake in one night. What a wild ride. <laughs> and then he goes, I need a Pilsner. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> you are a legend, sir. I appreciate you. And Jorge says legend uh, to you, um, uh, Derek, for that explanation. He goes, cleanse the palate for another beer. I like that. Montreal Beer Page says, crispy boys are necessary. Mate, couldn't agree more. And then Jorge says, are they going for the standard 3.5 pH or since they are so sweet, they can go even lower? I would say my target's 3.38. Is where, I, like, this is my sweet spot. I like the 3.38. Get it? So sweet, it spot? Like the sweet spot? Brew juice, brew cake. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, I see you, bro. You fucking pun monster. Um, okay, now that makes sense. These ones are the craziest. So, I mean, like as far as the smoothies, like are you? I guess you guys are down to just do whatever the hell is fun. Like that's what I really appreciate. I feel like you don't give a fuck. I feel like you're just more like, yo, you want to dry up the shit out of something? Let's make it as hazy, as milky, as whatever as possible. You want to do a smoothie? Let's just fucking put anything in that. Let's just make it not anything, but you know, let's make it delicious. Like, I feel like you guys are down for team innovation is what we call it. And I, I, like, is there anything you won't do or, you know, what's your, what's your sort of... No, right now I'm working on, I'm like, in the, because I, <laughs> it was funny because I gave it to uh, half, like, French Canadians and half English Canadians and it was a split decision on if, if I should do it or not. Okay. Which was making, I was doing a butternut squash uh, 
like pumpkin pie, I guess, brew juice. Do it. Do it. <laughs> and interestingly <laughs> enough, French Canadians hated it. English Canadians loved it. So Anglos, <laughs> so like, no. It's because French people don't really, uh, like, French Canadians, like, my, my like, because I'm exactly split. My mom's French, my dad's English. My mom's side doesn't do, doesn't do uh, Thanksgiving. Okay. However, my English side does. So I get, like, pumpkin pie is a thing. Right. However, when, like, you talk to French people about pumpkin pie, they're like, what, like, wh- pumpkin what? <laughs> they just don't get it. So... Every single time I bring something that's pumpkin eat out, only only English people seem to like. <laughs> they seem to like. Yo, <laughs> last last Christmas I swung by and I saw Guillaume, and he linked me a growler of it was kind of at the very end, but it was the um, pumpkin pie milkshake IPA. Milkshake pumpkin pie IPA, yeah. Yes, and I was obviously amped because I'm team pumpkin, team lactose. So I mean, yeah, like, this is my. That sounds like a whole lot awful. It was glorious. <laughs> It's pretty it's, good. <laughs> it was fucking, and I had it at the end. I feel like it, I didn't even get it peak as well. I feel like yeah. it was at like. But was it was it going more like hop for like what was what was going white on juice. in that beer? <laughs> Talk about white juice? Did you say? I said white juice. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like that. That's just kind of something that every year I've kind of tried to make a pumpkin pie, right. and. The, just because I love the concept and I, I love that it makes Guillaume pissed off that I try <laughs> pumpkin pie here. The first time I made one, it was like, we're doing like, because I, I come from such a homebrew time that I'm like, let's time, okay, let's do a, let's do a pumpkin pie beer. So I go to Atwater Market and I buy, <laughs> and I bought like $400 worth of, uh, of different squashes and I, I'm at home for $400. Like, maybe like, I was doing, it must have been 15 hours of cutting pumpkins, throwing them into the oven, roasting them with brown sugars, pulling them out, throwing them into a blender, and then making buckets upon buckets of this shit that, like, just in time where I slept two hours, made it to the brewery, and we mashed in with it. It was just ridiculous. And then, and then people shat on the beer. <laughs> like, a bucket. this was unfortunate. But they don't like, know. Well, it's just, it's they just, you can't, it. you can't make, you can make a thousand liters of, of pumpkin beer apparently and try to sell sell it to forty people. Nonsense. Just, <laughs> but funny enough is that at some point that was like called like MF pumpkin pie, which is because she's a waitress of us. And I thought it was motherfucking pumpkin pie, so we just call it MF. <laughs> at some point, like it just winter was like it, we pulled it out for for uh, Halloween. wasn't selling too well. November sold like shit. December was coming up. We're like, we have so much of this stuff. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's just call it like spiced red ale. And it just <laughs> sold out within two weeks. <laughs> like people didn't even notice it was <clears throat> pumpkin pie. Like the different definition. Just changing the name. That's so hilarious. People accept the fact we're going to have that. But it just shows you how important it is sometimes to just have an, a name. We'll just sell a product based yeah. on what it is. Like, We've seen it time and time again of if I do like a session IPA, as as we were talking at the beginning of the show, what's the limitations? 0.5%. So what's a 3.9% session? That shit don't sell in a tap room. Right. But a 4.2 does. (laughs) It's still within within the designation of what of a 0.5 because I could be wrong when I measure that stuff. So, But like you see automatic jump, throw that stuff into a craft beer store, you kind of like, a 3.8 sells very well. 
But right. if you're gonna if you're gonna spend money on a seven dollar pint like, or eight dollar pint, I guess, and uh, they're both the seven percent and a three point nine percent is the same price. What are you gonna do? Gonna- <laughs> no, that's a great. That's a Everybody great point. Everybody for the slightly more alcoholic one. So there's a, there is that limitation. Also. Speaking ne- of slightly more alcoholic, oh shit! Holy shit. <laughs> Um, just before we get into that, I have one other comment. Someone says, first edition strawberry banana brew juice tasted more like banana at first, but like strawberry after a couple of weeks. Is it possible for brew juice to develop different flavor profiles over time? I would doubt it was, it was a strawberry banana kiwi, that one. I would doubt it, but maybe. Maybe. Okay. Like, hard to say if you if it would necessarily change, but a lot of the times it's like depends on what you had that day. Like so many so many beers, I sometimes I sometimes wonder if your palate changes or it's just like what you had the day before kind of changes or what you had like you had something. Let's say if you had a white beer before having something that had just that that uh, phenolic banana-y flavor to it, so you went with like uh, a wise beer and then you go towards the banana one and you're like, oh yeah, the strawberry comes out a lot more than usual. And then the day after that, you don't have a white beer at all. And then you have it and they say, oh, it's actually so much more, like, uh, more banana because you haven't blown off that, like you haven't blown that palate on that thing. That's why okay. like, so many times when I go to a, like if I go to an IPA festival, it's utterly useless. Because yeah. after one palate of beers, what's the point? Like there's no way you can taste anything. The only thing you're tasting is Sabra after that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves Sabra. <laughs> no, that's an interesting point. Like I always feel like sometimes, like you were saying, you know, the flavors change or whatever. But um, oh, he says, yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, like I know what you mean. The, the IPA thing is definitely like, uh, yeah, at some point. Like I only noticed it being a haze boy like when I went to Other Half for the, maybe the first, second time. And then you go through and I order a bunch of flats and I'm like, oh, after my, excuse me, my eighth like taster, I'm like, even I have to admit, they all kind of taste pretty similar, and you can't even really differentiate. I mean, we did a blind taste test, uh, me, Noah, and Matt from uh, Fox and Hops last week. We did a blind taste test of four New England IPAs. And because we had peanuts and, like, chips and stuff in between, it kind of helped and stuff, and it was very specific. We weren't drinking full pints. We were just... That's why a kettle sour would have helped almost, you know, something. Yeah, totally. More. Absolutely. That's whenever I do tastings, I like to have, <clears throat> I like to do that contrast. You know, I'd rather not do an IPA and then another IPA, another IPA. I'll, I'll even flip to a high ABV beer or something, IPA Imperial Stout, back to IPA. Whatever. Like, yeah, I mm. feel like that contrast helps your helps palate. Helps your palate. That's but, it. But for that tasting, I think, fortunately, it was pretty good. Uh, we were they were they were quite. Con- there was quite a contrast there. Because With, the first two yeah. were just not that great, to be perfectly honest. They weren't, no. Um, and they weren't, and the first two weren't even that similar to each other. And then we got into like some really bright stuff. And so I feel like we, we did four, but they were all quite different so that it worked. And so we didn't have palate fatigue. And we also had that, there was a, a certain amount of, um, like it was, there was a big difference. Yeah. You know? Yeah, otherwise it can definitely be a thing. And Jorge's saying too much sales can be a problem, LMAO. I guess yeah. too much of anything really can be a, a problem uh, to balance it out. But I've never thought about doing what you said, Noah, where I usually would, if I'm just drinking, I could probably handle four beers in the night from doing four full cans. I'd do like a crispy boy, regular IPA, double IPA, and then either a stout or a sour. 
and I would usually what I yeah, I guess that's what most people. But I wouldn't like go like a, st- a stout then back to an IPA or something. I'd kind of like finish on that. But maybe sometimes it helps cut it a little bit. Yeah, uh, I've been on that at at tastings depending on what you're doing. The well, rare times that I've like if I'm if, when I'm working the bar, and I see stuff come out for like samplers because a lot of the times I'll just run busboy because it's just easy. like busboy or back bar if it gets super busy so i'll just jump back there and i see orders for for like taster plates i will throw like if i see two double ipas i'll throw a stout in the middle but mm. just, just so because it seems it seems like a reset you're gonna walk yeah. down the line and just kind of hit in the okay like i had this and if you had the other ipa right back to back you just can't tell like i've had so many so many experiences where i just have like one of my beers and then I have another one of my beers like, oh this one's so much less hoppy another one the next day I come in and I just drink them in the opposite order I'm like no okay it's just you just get saturated so quick with that stuff yeah and it's 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 so hard when especially when I see like it's something you see a lot of on tap you see a lot of like these lineups of all these IPAs and people rating them like there's no way you can probably exactly. do it. no there's just no way like, like honestly have, if you're at a tasting you shouldn't be if you're drinking like samples, you shouldn't be on tap rating that shit because it's just no. Yeah. Like even uh, so, I did a collab with Saint Pierre Baron, um, and he and I was fortunate enough that he gave me like a, a like a full case, so I've been drinking them a lot. And then like last week or two weeks ago, I I op- I had a, a beer and then I opened that after, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's falling off. It doesn't doesn't taste the same anymore. And but but then I quickly caught myself. I'm like, ah probably just because of the beer you had and then the next there are a couple days later i had another one i was like i don't know it tastes exactly the same so yeah. it, it so affects your your palate yeah yeah it's kind of crazy particularly like yeah any that i actually stopped doing flights every time i like all the facebook memories comes up with all the beer photos i'm looking at flats i'm like if I, I don't really enjoy flats anymore now, to be honest with you, I much prefer. I, yeah man i'd rather do like two beer two full beers or, or half pours at the very least and I'd be able to do maybe four half balls or a couple full beers and have a crispy boy and a haze or something just to see what they're doing, um, as opposed to like six of, of the flight. It's just it's yeah, it doesn't hit the same anymore. I mean, obviously it's been quite some time before I since I've done that because of fucking COVID. But yeah, I find that that like that exact problem continues to to do it, and I noticed that for the first time at at somewhere like other half, which is obviously a one dimensional brew, not quite. But you know what I'm saying? Like they. Eighty yeah. percent of their beers are uh, a haze, and if you go anywhere like that, I'm like, oh, like, yeah. There's a lot of difference between the haze, but you do need that. I'd rather just get like two or three of them than like eight of them. Yeah, it's what we see a lot of. Like, it's what I see a lot of the times. Us, even us in the brewery, when we're tasting stuff, is that we're tasting kind of stuff all day, and it's rare that we will just grab like. It's only once they kind of hit a bright tank and it kind of sits and. And we start like we can tell if we really like it if we're dragging off a full pint of them and having them. But most of the time, you're just grabbing a couple sips. Yeah. And we base a lot of what we think the beer tastes like based on a couple of sips. And then sometimes I I just have to sit everybody down and go like, okay, look, let's just let's grab a at least a little bit more of this. And we're trying to do yeah. it more, and we're trying to develop that a little bit more because we're always just kind of working all these things that we're just tasting all these things that it's almost like we're doing the flight versions of flavor <laughs> of testing stuff in the brew yeah. 
where the only way to really test something is like have a pint. Yep. And it's a big debate in what I end up doing sometimes when I'm making beers. And I, like, cause I remember one of the beers I pulled off prior to COVID, which is like a Mexican hot chocolate. So Mexican hot chocolate, very simple, has like some sort of spicy pepper inside of it. Right. And like, what ended up happening is that people that had flights didn't like it because I built the beer around a pint. So if you had a pint, you were like, oh, yeah, this is a nice amount of spice. If you had a, a sampler, you're like, that's not spicy enough because mm. you never had a chance in like a 5.5 ounce pour to get the equivalent amount of spice that a 16 ounce pour would give you. So it's like it gets very hard to define these things of like what – how are people experiencing these? Mm. How – how is somebody taking this? If it should I be aim like, and also it's like, what is somebody expecting when they're buying this thing? Is like, should I be aiming for the person that's doing a five point five because that's actually the most consumers, <laughs> really? <laughs> they want to be trying them out. Well, right. just because like, what's a spicy pepper? Like, what's a, a spiced pepper, uh, chocolate cinnamon stout? Who is that? Is that somebody that like wants the spice? Because everybody else looks at that and goes, I've had that in other places. It just, it, it was horrible or ripped off. Because a lot of my experience with spicy beers has just been like stomach wrenchers. Yeah. I finished drinking them and I feel uncomfortable for the next <laughs> part of the night. And then the morning sucks. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, but, so it's just one of those things. And then it's like, but let's try to create that balance and see if that works. But then somebody looks up at that and unless you're their first experience, they just accept, expect that. So the people that are buying it are the people that have had the prior experience. It's just a redevelopment of something. Mm. Right? So like, but that's, that's, the, that's where so much of people's work of just creating what, what everybody in the beer world always talks about is balance. And ba- there's balance and imbalance. Like ba- imbalance meaning like as, as balanced as a brew cake is, it is a weirdly imbalanced beer because it's so right. goddamn crazy. But within itself, it is balanced. Like you drink it, it's still enjoyable. Not something comes out too crazy. So like same thing with the spicy, spicy stout. Like you want it to be within balance even though it's, it's kind of like an out of balance style of beer. So it's always that kind of little bit of a touch. But portion size is a big issue. <clears throat> it always is a big issue. Like, because I look at a, like the macadamia nut one that, you, that uh, Noah pulled out is one of those things of like, what are we looking for in this beer? Yeah. Like, yeah, you guys have the only two crowlers in existence. I just, yeah. uh, I, I, I shoved the sticker on. <laughs> yeah. So lovely. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I'm going to get my It's something that's like an interesting one because. It's like these are ones that are not meant to be drank alone. You know, they could, because I've, I've had a lot of pastry stouts that I could say like that. I, I, I could I could drink probably a whole 750 of this and still be, not, well, maybe not standing. Not, but still, <laughs> but it, it wouldn't hit me in too much of a sweetness and too much of like a lot of levels of what I consider pastry stouts to be. Right. So it has kind of that balance of, versus other style of stouts that there that there is, but still. It's like a, it's it, it remains an imbal like imbalance in how flavor. Intentionally. No, I love that. Yeah. I'm gonna go grab mine as well. Um Jorge asked as well, did you go to any school for brewing? Just while you're getting that on oh, no, take this no. as well. I'll be back in one no, second. Just always read stuff. I just always homebrew forums or just brewing or pretty much that's it. Oh, That's man. what I've been thinking. 
the nose is nuts. Yeah. I mean, nuts in which that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Both. What is it? What is this? Macadamian, two kinds of vanilla chocolate. Okay, so no coconut, but the cacao. It's, um... You'd be surprised on how much vanilla and chocolate seem to give you a cacao, more of a cacao flavor. I mean, sorry, more of a coconut flavor than sometimes yeah. coconut itself. The, uh... I could be wrong, but, like, I feel like the cacao is huge on the nose. Yeah. More than unusual beer. Like, I feel I feel like it's always, cacao's almost like a, a, an afterthought kind of thing. Like, it adds, like, a... Obviously, it has, like, a chocolatey component, but it's almost like an earthiness. Um... But this is like so chocolatey. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just um, living in the nose right now. I haven't even chased it yet. The macadamia nut is there, but man, that chocolatey thing. Yeah, so like these, pretty much everything we do is just like a regular ale fermentation. So this one, this one, if we're talking about numbers, if anybody really cares all that much, is that we're hitting up about, like, I think prior to lactose, and we, there's a touch of maltodextrin, but really not much. Um, so we're, we're talking about, like, 32 Plato's, which is 32% sugars, if like, more or less, uh, before going into the fermentation. Ferment with SO5, so just like a kind of clean yeast, but on low temperature to keep esters down, so it's not very yeast forward, just keeps it clean. Yeah. And then it only ferments like 58 to 60%. It just kind of stalls out at that point. Because like I do a lot of work on trying to figure out like mash pHs and mash temperatures that make it so that the yeast is gonna stall, like not yeast is gonna stall out, but there's not that much fermentable sugars. So it stalls out at about 12 to 13%. So to give an example, what 12 to 13% or 12 to 13 Play-Doh is, is a 5.8% is a beer if you were just to ferment it out as a base beer. This? So, yeah. If you were to, like, meaning if you were to take the residual amount of, of like, not sugars, in this case it would be non-fermentable sugars, you can make the initial runnings or like of a 12 to, 12 to 13 Play-Doh beer would be of five to six percent beer, depending on your intimidation. Okay. But that's more or less in range of what you're getting in most in most pastry stouts. However, this like that's just straight up stopping to that level. Then I hit it with a touch of lactose, just to, to touch. try to give. Ooh, yeah, because it doesn't really need it. it. And I'm a big I'm a big proponent of head. I love having foam on beers, and I I will yes. try my heart out to keep <laughs> keep them there. I do as, as much as I can to try to get these things there. I like to get to get a nut beer into like kind of keeping a touch of foam. The only way to do it is you have to like I was house roasted nuts to hopefully evaporate mostly the oils from them, so that when we infuse them, we don't lose we don't lose that head. Like then, so you like, house roasted these nuts? Yeah, so we take the macadamia and the nuts, we grind them, and then we roast them, and we fill them. In. And you know, I think the that's of that nuts. roastiness I was getting on the nose. It's yeah. like on another level. Because when I've had macadamia nut beers, you get that macadamia nut thing, but this seemed toastier than usual, if yeah. that makes any sense. In a good way. Yeah. 
Yeah, as soon as I cracked the crowler, that's the first thing I got. Was like, what yeah, is that? All across like, the room. Uh, uh, man, this is uh, this is so much fun. This is really good. Oh my so, gosh! So like, what what I find great about it is that it is like obviously it's sweet, it's sticky. You can feel it that it's yeah. sticky, but it's not cloying. It's not no, it's like not. it doesn't have that like that. Oh my god! I could all because I've had so many pastry stouts that I take a few sips. I'm like, this is tasty, but this is pretty much it's a lot, right? Yeah. This one's almost it's it's strangely dry. Well, there's um, there's something in the finish, and I don't know if it's a hot bitterness. I don't know if it's like the cacao, but there's some kind of bitterness that's cutting out the finish, and I I don't know what that is, but it works, and it it kind of get it cuts through that 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 stickiness nicely. Oof. There's it's it's heavily roast like there's a nice amount of heavily roasted malts inside of it. Yeah, I IBUs are quite high on it also to try to to, to click it off too. So it's a, it's a few things that we try to balance inside of it. The Whoa. next ones I'm like I've, I've been increased I've been changing <laughs> stuff. We'll see what it happens. <laughs> Fuck me, bro. I mean, don't. But Jesus Christ, that's intense. I love it. Montreal Beer Page just said, if I add macadam to the mix, this has got to go in the Guinness record book. <laughs> <laughs> do it bro do it we're out here we're doing it too fucking join us well, it goes on sale soon doesn't it or is it already on sale it's already, it, it, we put it on sale last week okay so we have oh, it's not a so it's gone we kind of have everything sold we only have uh, I think like 40 liters of kegs that's why you guys got crowlers of it so it just kegged off some crowlers oh man this is special I just had one sip this is crazy yeah, there's something really special about the macadamia on this one. Like, it's like uh, you actually, so you got macadamia nuts, you roasted them bitches yep. and crushed them up and chucked them in. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you do that everything, with the, everything is? Post-fermentation. Post-fermentation. So we just crack them. Yeah. With the, um, uh, the peanut buster, is that, uh, last I checked, I'm pretty sure it was some sort of like extract as opposed to, yeah. it's still extra, that's still extract? Yeah. Okay, why did you yeah. go with actual macadamias on this one? Uh, because nut like peanuts are just they don't have flavor that much. It's like a lot of what people associate the flavor of peanuts is actually just salt. Right, <laughs> that's true. Actually. Peanuts are nuts; they're lentils. So they're they're leguminose. They're just a different. They're a whole different thing. So like, there's only so much you can do with peanuts. It's I'm, I'm trying one right now with PB2, where PB2 is what you get as if you were to take, uh, if you were to make processed peanuts into making oil with it, you were then left off like a byproduct. It's just oilless powder. And I'm trying that and I'm putting endless amounts in the tank and I'm just getting no flavor with it. So there, what I am getting is texture though, which is kind of interesting. So it's, it's just, I haven't found something in Peanut Buster that would work better than an extract. And mostly the reason why I went down that path initially was that we were just a restaurant and my my chef at the time that I pulled, or my sous chef, I guess, at the time, when I pulled out the Peanut Buster was allergic to peanuts. So I didn't, oh, wow. want, I didn't want to just suddenly just incorporate an allergen inside yeah, for a sure. kitchen. For sure. That makes complete sense. Chef. So... That and there was just like there was no comparison. Like the there, I, I tried everything else. I did a few tests. I did a few few benchmarks, and it was just undeniably the extract was a better choice. Right. Then we go to nuts, and that's a whole other thing. Okay. Because like the peanut buster was meant was like more of a flavored, slight 
would cut it, call it a budget beer, but everything still, you, you have to look at values and stuff. This thing was just sell by the pint behind the bar, has to hit the flavor, has to hit, hit these, all, these, all these things. What's nice about a pastry stout is that your like, money becomes unimportant because the value of these are so high. Okay. So you kind of can do any, like, it's, it's important to hit all the notes. But you like the because you can sell them for so much, it kind of gives you so much options into using like because macadamia nuts are what like fifth, it's ridiculous. If they, uh, They're expensive, a thousand something dollars yeah. worth of macadamia nuts in these beers, Jesus. and just try like just to try to get these flavors of the stuff, like endless amounts of chocolate. Vanilla is more expensive than is more expensive than anything else. Crazy, because yeah. you're just layering all these things. However, what's nice is that they have no product loss. Like right. above almost everything else, at least like hops, every kilogram you're throwing in, you're losing 10, 10 liters of beer. So every single time you're looking at something and you're some, like, cause I, I'll work in grams per liter on average, when you're listening to uh, American brewers, they're talking about three to five like pounds per barrel, which will equivalate for us for about 12 to, uh, 12 to 20 grams per liter. So every single time you're putting 12, let's say you just round it down to 10 grams a liter, you're losing that 10 times full. So you're losing that 100 grams per, per liter of hops that you're throwing inside of it. You're losing 10% of that volume to hops. So it's, it's all these things that you're throwing in and you're, you're getting that flavor component. You're getting that aroma increase, but you're losing that much beer. However, mm. when you're dealing with stouts, you don't lose any volume unless you're throwing like, because the other one we have going in the back has banana inside of it. That's puree that'll drop out. That's going to create a loss. But you can filter through cacao nibs. You can filter through vanilla beans. You can filter through nuts, and you don't lose the volume. It just it costs money, but at least it doesn't drop out. Mm. So it's just a matter. So you just keep like increasing the amount of stuff you're putting at it. But what's nice is at least you're not dropping out volume. And so it's a it's a net. And what's unfortunate is that every single time I pull off these nuts, and I'm like. Okay, uh, or nuts, or cacao, or even uh, coconut, and I go to the kitchen try to use this stuff, and it's the most bitter and disgusting. <laughs> stuff. Like and no doubt. Say yes, because yeah. <laughs> then they never end up using it. Just use it in the trash, like. <laughs> but understandably so, just because like it's the unfortunate thing is that when you put if you if you take macadamia nuts and you throw and you throw them through an infusion and like what we do is we just throw everything into a filter system and we just recirculate through it and then we pull that off it's like there's still a nutty taste but it just picks up all the bitterness mm. and it's just atrocious so unfortunately we can't use the byproducts but it just gets composted and go on to the next one at least there's something there yeah that's crazy man like these ones particularly the pastry starts like i mean i guess because there's so many different ingredients that you know you don't actually it doesn't break it down like the nuts still have this residual Pro, uh, maybe it's not the protein, but whatever the re remaining stuff. So there's probably a lot of, uh, of things with these. But um, how many of how many pastry starts have you guys made? I feel like it's going to be. It, it hasn't been a shit ton. Is that not that many? No. So I would consider this one as being the first pastry stout. Really? Oh, okay. More so than the like, one from January. The other one. It's because here's the difference: is that in Kind of, uh, I believe, two and a half months ago, we brought in a 500-liter tank. Okay. And because the other pastry stouts or, like, pastry-esque stouts I was pulling out 
were on my small pilot system where I would cap out, like, I could put 120 kilos and that was like brimming out. Okay. So I couldn't do proper actual pastry methods on it because my mash tun's not made, made to necessarily do that. So our brew house is, is 1400 liters. Okay. Like that's what I could pull out of my brew of my major main brew house with the big guy in the back. My small guy, I could pull out 240 liters. So I put in 500 liter tanks. So now I can use my 1400 liter brew house to output 600 liters of pastry stuff. Mm. So I finally am able to use like this a, a, a system that allows me to give like the what like the amount of of uh, grain bill required to do one of these beers. I finally have the volume to be able to uh, to boil that off and send that into a tank using the size because. Like, let's say I'm using the same amount of malt to make 1,400 liters of double IPA. I'm doing 600 liters of pastry stout. More. Right. Like, it's pretty much that amount. Because it's the difference between, like, 25 Play-Doh to 36 Play-Doh is a huge jump. And it's it, it's a very hard jump because there's only, there's only so much sugar concentration you can get out of wort where it doesn't require just a huge amount of boil down. Okay. So like in these beers, we're boiling down two, 300 liters of, uh, of evaporation to try to bring them to a point where they hit so we can transfer them on because they pretty much don't can, they, they have sugar additions, but marginally. Like the okay. sugar additions are, are there for flavor. Like I'm not throwing dextrose and uh, brewer's crystals or anything to try to get like alcohol content. I'm throwing like brown sugar but just a bit, like throwing 10 kilos of brown sugar in 700, 600 uh, liters of beer to just give a little bit of that like brown sugar flavor, the molasses flavor. Mm. So it's only because of that that I'm saying that the, the first beer that we've outputted as a pastry is really this one. Mm. And, and we just bought a new tank to try to do other ones. And uh, because this one took like kind of two months to get out just because it's hectic in here all <laughs> times. Because every beer we make is, is labor intensive. Yeah, and then the uh, so we're trying to bring something else in so we can just kind of ramp it up and do a little bit more often. No, that's so sick. Go no. How did your um, Oreo stout turn out? I, I didn't have a chance to try it, but the only experience I ever had with Oreos in a beer was actually Mike from uh, Four Origins. He brewed one when he was a home brewer, and what I loved about it at the time was that it had such a saltiness to the beer. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that was just like a fun component and um, Bebo from uh, Third Moon sent us, I think you got one too of his Oreo beer so I'm so excited to try that because of, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in that, that salt versus sweet stout chocolate. Uh, interestingly thing. enough I had just finished that beer and I was at Third Moon talking to Bebo before he had done that beer oh wow <laughs> and, and he was like, oh, yeah, we're about to throw all these Oreos inside. And so I was able to give him all my experiences on what nice. it was. And did he use it or not? I have no idea. But, like, the, it was kind of confusing because that's the one thing you realize. <clears throat> and people, like, you, you start, people start reviewing it and you get this one idea of, like, oh, it's, it's, I thought it was going to be sweeter, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, have you had an Oreo recently? Because <laughs> if you eat it, it actually is quite salty. It's a chocolate salt. It's like a chocolate cracker. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's more reminiscent of a chocolate cracker that has somewhat of a, s- a sweet cream filling. Mm. And that's where it was almost the most problematic stuff. 
we kept throwing more and more and more Oreos at it. And like, we got to so much and it was just starting to hit the cusp of like, it's a bit too salty and it's a bit too, and that was like another one of these things where it get where we didn't, we were starting to lose our way with that beer mm. where we were hitting it. Like when it made it out of like, it was what we end up trying to do with our canned beers like our canned imperial stouts, is that they're adjuncted, but they're non-pastry. So, because right. uh, it's just, the pastry level is just so much more ingredients and so much more stuff. <laughs> but then we end up, like, we still, we're like beer geeks where we taste these things where we just kind of taste it and go, oh, we would like it to be so much more intense in every way. But is that what should be saved as a bottle beer versus having that as just like, and, an Oreo stout that's inside a can that you might be able to drink. Like, cause that one you can drink alone similarly. But like, if I was to make an intense one, that's like a bottle one. If I was trying to make a bottle version of the, an Oreo stout, I didn't want, I wouldn't want you to be able to drink that thing alone. Mm. I'd want you to be able to drink it with three or four people. Right. So it's always that like fine line of where do we define these products? And it's often there where, at least I feel like I get lost on stuff where like I always want that more intense intense version of something. I want to get more flavor and more everything. But it's also should everything that ever gets created out of any brewery be that like that level of intensity. Sometimes you do want something slightly more more attainable or something that you can just enjoy because some people are not down with that ultra like pastry level where something like because I often look at what, what uh, I guess it's uh, the the peanut buster is, mm. where the peanut buster, mm-hmm. like let's say if I was to make the peanut buster now, as a fresh new beer, I might be trying to hit these all these super intense levels or something. That's kind of what imperial peanut buster is for. But the base beer itself is just it's just a flavorful peanut forward oat like sweet stout. That's mm, all it is. Right. But like the kind of the market seems to dictate that everything has to be the most extreme version of something. And it it gets very hard to position ourselves into where we are. So that's where like bringing it back to the, 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 the stout, the, uh, like the, uh, the Oreo part of it is there. It's present as much as it can be without without finding some other style of adjunct. I didn't want to throw chocolate at it. I didn't want to throw vanilla at it. I didn't want to throw anything. I'm like, let's get the flavors out of these these components. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately so, once these things are fermented, there's not that flavorful. And I think every can had something like four Oreos inside of it. And although that seems like a lot, it doesn't come through as like, holy shit Oreo, but it is there. So, right. Interesting. So that's, that's where it is on that. So it, it's kind of it's always interesting because that's it's just it's very so many times I do tests on beers and there is no right decision right like I could give it to you and like if I give it to you at the beginning of the day you're gonna say one thing I'll give it to you at the end of the day you'll say another thing because if your palate's like at dessert time and I give you this beer you're like oh this is so much better than the other one but I give it to you at 11 a.m. and you've only had a coffee. <laughs> And you're like, God, this thing is sweet. I really don't like this <laughs> versus the other one. Right. And there is no right answer. There absolutely is no right answer. And unfortunately, what the easiest path to go down is just to make everything extreme. Mm, and yeah. 
and it's it's a nice easy path to go down but it's it's just like it's easy because you could just always throw a little bit more at it and get it there and it it's nice because it's kind of safe because at least you didn't underdo it but i don't know <laughs> yeah but i i appreciate like your kind of your honest approach to that and being like is that the right approach i don't know that's what we're doing and blah blah blah, blah. and that's kind of great um because yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think you know I've been drinking beer for a long time, and what I what I try to do when you're talking about like how extreme do you want to make this beer? Do you want to put this beer in a 750 that you're going to share with four friends, or is it going to be in a can that you're going to drink out of a pint glass and all those things? What I try and do as a drinker, at least, is like you know pour out the beer, take a sip, and then try and kind of like understand what this beer is trying to be. Is this beer trying to like attack my taste buds or is it trying to be something that's a bit more sessionable and then just kind of adjust my my perception of what that beer is based on on those first few sips and then go from there because otherwise you might like if if all you want to do is drink beers that are attacking your palate all the time then you're you're going to be disappointed by anything that's not extreme like you Mm. said so Try and I think the important thing is to try and keep an open mind every time you drink something because if if you if you do pour out a porter um, and it's pretty light and easy to drink, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You might yeah. just dig having that pint. And I think you know the way that it's marketed, the way that it's written on the can, that can that can help you know curb how you're approaching it as well. Um, but it's it's like uh, I can imagine as a brewer, it's it's that constant challenge of like, what am I, what am I doing? Am I trying to just constantly make everything extreme? Do I want to make some in one direction and then some in the other? Like, what's my angle here? And I I can only imagine how challenging it is to like create that perception and like you know you guys do like you you you've kind of taken that full modern direction. So if tomorrow you decide to 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 I don't know, create a a dry stout, is Brewski able to pull off like a more easygoing drinking dry stout or are are you now the smoothie crazy pastry stout, crazy New England IPA people that if you try and do that they're going to be like well what the fuck is this you know yeah. like so i imagine that that comes through your mind too a little bit here and there in a certain sense yes but also no because it's the difference like let's say right now do i pull out a dry stout no do i pull out a dry stout with the tap room working 100% right. so it's the difference between what you're canning cuz the second like the second uh, that you lose the on-site stuff, like the second that it goes outside the door, it's just different. Mm-hmm. I've I've said it for a long time, and I'll always say it. Like when I, because the re- main reason why I the first beer I did for the first two years we were out putting beers in cans was always just peanut butter for one simple fact was because I liked the IPAs that were I was producing, but I knew I could do better. But the one thing I would always say is that I can control the atmosphere, so my beer is always better where I serve it to you versus mm. if you're drinking it somewhere else. So, in that being said, if like somebody comes to our bar and like they want, I want somebody, anybody to come. We have thirty, like we're a craft beer bar that has that that makes their own beer that has thirty beer lines. 
like, so that's a huge endeavor for endeavor for us to try to keep them full. So we, I want I want anybody to come in and sit down, and there's going to be something for them. Right. And I'll make absolutely everything because I find everything interesting to make. There's not one thing I don't like. Anything that's in terms of beer fermentation will teach me on how to make something different. And if I can't learn from clean like stout fermentation, something that will be like something that I can transmit to lager fermentations that I can't go towards like some sort of uh, IPA fermentations because I'm not going I, every single time I go down these paths, I try to like create something that I'm going to learn from them. So there's always, it's just creating that knowledge base amongst us, amongst myself and amongst my brewing staff on how we can move ourselves forward. But I'll make any style and it doesn't matter what it is. Like it's, it's the one thing I've, I've always said. That's why I, I always put myself forward as not being a microbrewery. We are right. a craft beer bar mm. because if I was a microbrewery, I wouldn't like one of the, some of the beers I gave you crispy Kvikes or mm-hmm. when I gave you guys like a new thing we released, which is like a winter or a winter blonde ale or something. These are all beers that are just, as interesting for me to make. Mm. But if I was a microbrewery, I can't touch those things because it'll affect my untapped rating and it'll make it so not as good. I don't give a shit. Like, I just want right. to have some, like, I want to make these things because if I was to come into a bar and, like, sometimes I might want to have something interesting, but also sometimes the, the beer shouldn't be the conversation, mm. should have conversation around beer. It's not, it's like we go to these places to have good food, have good beers. And, if I send it home to you, you have like obviously that's a whole other thing because you're just like kind of sitting at home and discussing it. But if you're sitting at a table and you're just with friends and you just want to have a beer, I should be able to accomplish that, and that's the most important thing that that we that we want. Like I've always mm-hmm. like if you look at the places I prefer going to, some of my place, favorite places in the United States were like when I went to Hudson Valley Brewing. Like, this is amazing because every cup is different go to like so those are the places i'm looking at and going that's what i want to be and as i said before when we were looking at when i was saying like how do i look at ipas and what i want to do ipas with is i'm going to look at my board and see what i have on tap and look at how i can fill that gap and make something a hundred percent not a hundred percent it remains hops and oats and whatever but how do i fill a gap of flavor so that somebody can be sitting there and have something completely different so I'm always looking for that stuff when I'm when I'm trying to brew things. And I'm always looking for for just like making it so that somebody has an enjoyable experience by sitting down and having something that they might not have otherwise. Mm-hmm. So no. no, that's a great point. Yeah, and that, that's what I always found interesting about going to Brewski. Like I went there for my birthday. I think it was last year. I never do yeah. any – I hate my birthday, so I never would do anything public. I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to go anywhere – and this was before you were brewing, by the way. So it was like – I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the new tap room. And I had a bunch of friends. Like we had 10, 15 of us there. And it was great because there was something for everybody. There, that's what I appreciate about what you do, man, because like whilst you do the hype shit for like nerds like me, you, and Noah, we can get all of the stouts, the haze, the sours, all that shit. And at the time, you weren't doing it as crazy as you are now. This was a year and a half ago. Um, wow. It was April last year. And then all my friends who were there, some of them were beer people, some of them weren't. 
one of my was my friend from Vancouver who's actually from England and I met him here and he lives in Vancouver so he sends me beer from Vancouver and shit and he was loving it so I like that you've been able to do that though I think that's kind of cool that you're able to put like the white the red the blonde the all this other stuff that sort of caters to these to to everybody but also as equally but aggressively cater to me and you and Noah so like there's that you could bring your, you know how like most brew pubs, you know, you like, you could bring like most places you could bring, you could take yourself there. That's kind of maybe a little less beer nerdy than you'd want. And you bring your sort of friends who aren't into beer and they'll get them something happy and you'd be like, okay, I'll be satisfied, but I wouldn't be like stoked. But I think what you guys have been able to do probably because of both your location and then your just dedication to like, you know, hectic more extreme craft shit really accurately cater to both and i don't know if there's anywhere else i can think of that very much like uh directly caters to both of those markets as as well as you guys do because there was nowhere else i could think of that i wanted to go more if i was going to take a group of people out brewski's the first uh, place i would think of because because of that diversity like that's what we're that's exactly what we're really going for is that is that flexibility of diversity and it's because there's an interesting part to that is it becomes so much more fun to necessarily do it Mm. which is the main reason why i end up never being able to brew all that much myself because most of what i end up doing is just recipe development to try to keep stuff forward Mm. and i think that's what happens in a lot of places that's kind of hard for the head brewer to kind of concentrate on that stuff at a certain right. point because it's just it's it's a lot of different things a lot of different moving parts and it's just trying to move forward but mostly it's just having massively critical just being critical about kind of every product and what i find more often than not is that so like there is not one product i'll put out that i don't care about and it doesn't matter what it is like even but it doesn't matter in which area and which anything, even if the kitchen is doing something, if they ask me my opinion, it's, it, it, it's, I'm always trying to be one way or another and just try to move something into a more positive and more flavorful stuff, even if it's something I don't necessarily eat, even if it's something I don't necessarily drink. Like I've always made whites. I don't drink whites, but I've always made them because there's a request for them. I've just made them my way and tried to see what I like, just what aspects of a white do I like. So a major white that we've always done was a uh, lime zest and pink peppercorn, which we've Mm. been making for years, Uh, but always with English yeast because I don't like the phenolic, I don't like the ester components that we get from other Belgian stuff. So I've just always been using that stuff to to make it into something that there's a request for whites, we need to do whites, how do we make it our own style? How do we make it something that we're happy with or that I'm happy with? But and so still make it brewski, but still make it into something that like will appease the people that will have it. And even more importantly, it was one of the ones that'd be sitting behind a bar and like when 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 people would be asking like, oh, what should I drink? I'm like, what what don't you like? And they're like, I don't like whites. I'm like, perfect. I'll give you my white. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give them the white, and then they're like, oh, this is actually great. I really don't like whites. I'm like, yeah, neither do I. That's why it tastes like this. Right. So it's just a, it's a whole, like, what's a, what does a white mean? It's as long as, it, like, to me, it's like I'm doing 60% wheat. Perfect. That's a white to me. 
Like that's what I consider a white. So the yeast choice is kind of different. I'm not throwing into a white. So I'm not throwing it into a, a Belgium. But the white, but my malt bill fits what it should be, and the yeast profile might be wrong for some styles, but it hits an American white style, so it could still be okay. Mm. So it's just like those things become important, and it's all about the like. It all comes down from brew pub style brewing where like we're the um, like for the first three years it was just everybody would come in and ask me for Coors Light <laughs> all the really time. it's all open time. Man. it's open because people would just come into Old Port and yeah. they like hey can can I have the Coors Light like we don't serve Coors Light and that's like and everything I was making when I started off is like everything was at least 6.5% like at least so everybody would come in and like I had no blonde and at some point, I started making a blonde because it was highly requested, and then like reds started getting requested. But always like same thing. I don't really drink reds, but I'll try to figure out a way to make them a way that I would drink them. So they're highly hopped, but never dry hop. Actually, that's not true. They dry hop. Yeah, <laughs> Team Roos, Team Roos all day. Yeah. Fucking Roos, bro. We had Roos. one in a blind tasting the other day. And who guessed yeah. it, Noah? Who guessed it? You did. Because I'm Team Roos. <laughs> You, you, nothing. Nobody good. else could guess it was red. No, everyone uh, said it was. So it was. Everyone it was said it was brown. It was six, and everyone would. Go, I was like, "Yo, I think it might be a ruse." Everyone was like, "No, no, it's definitely a brown ale." I was like, "Okay, it's a brown ale. All right." <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I'm not. No. Oh, what happened there? Okay, we just had a little spasm attack. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Um. It's we good. Up. We good. Uh, team Bruce, Montreal beer page. Actually, this is just. Uh, piggybacking what I was saying before. He goes, we love the diversity in beers you bring to the craft beer scene. Always a number one recommendation to anyone who asks me where to get a beer in Montreal. And I was telling you that earlier today, Derek, I'm not shitting you. Like every time someone says, where should I go if I come to Montreal? I'm like, fucking go to Brewski, bro. Um, and uh, Jorge says, what was your first brewed beer? I would imagine you could probably say one for the early days and one for when you had the... Um, like one for contract and one for when you had your own facility. You mean like first brewed beer? So you I did. I guess he's talking about professionally, not the home brewing. But uh, yeah, probably. Oh, I think something clicked off. Can you hear me? No, we're just uh, spasming again. What the fuck is going on, man? We're back. We're back. I yeah, I don't know why he's doing this. Yeah. So let's say in terms of. Uh, well, going from the beginning, like homebrew, I was doing a, I, I just went to like a homebrew shop to ask them how to make beer. <laughs> it kind of threw a recipe together and I just did a random, I must've been just like a blonde. A, I remember there was like brown sugar and a whole bunch of shit inside of it with extracts and stuff. Like well, with a weird seed, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I'd like seen one YouTube thing and I read three pages of the joy of homebrewing and I had no idea what the thing was. Jump so on like the f- uh, no, John Palmer. It's uh, it was Hadabru. Yeah, uh, okay. like, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I, I, I think I've been home brewing. I was home brewing, I guess, like thirteen or fourteen years ago. Okay. And then, so commercially, the first thing I did was like the first thing we did contract was uh, Monocle, okay. which was just a single pale ale, six point five mosaic. Back then, it was like different mosaic galaxy and something else to Paz or something. And then the first thing we brewed when we pulled up the brew house here was that beer. I just okay. went, found, found the archives and just, that was the first beer we brewed here. 
just because they just it just had to be that way. <laughs> I love that. So those are kind of like those two the 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 two major initial beers that we brewed on the big brew house, the small brew house, which was actually the first things we were brewing inside this location was just I think I brewed a blonde or something just to try to figure out the system or a, a new England IPA because you can like easier to not fuck up that first mm-hmm. one. So totally, yeah. Because I guess you got to like break in the system, figure it out, learn how yeah. the intricacies and. You know, you've got the small guys, like the, the little ferments and stuff, yeah. No, it's it, it's really sick what you've been able to do, though. Like, I was, no, I was telling Derek earlier, like, whenever people hit me up and they go, where do I visit in Montreal? Right. My general, too, I just say, go to Brewski, go to Masson. Like, there's, if you're asking me, that's where I'm, because that's where I'm going to go. But at the same token, so Masson is a little more, um, what's the word? Specific. With the styles, you got a little bit of crispy boys, a little bit of smooth, like sour, smoothie sour, some shit, and then you got the IPAs, and maybe they might have a stout on or something like that. And it's, you know, they're really trying to do that Vermont American model, and that's what they do. And then Brewski, you do the same stuff, but you've expanded that to the sort of, you know, if in normal times, you're able to drink the, the regular type of stuff that you would go to a brewery to drink. Um, if people maybe might not be as beer nerdy, so you can get really good quality blonde, red, white, porter, blah, blah, blah. Plus, you can get all the crazy-ass New England's pastry stouts, sours, crispies, whatever the fuck you want, all in this sort of one place. So it's it's been it's been cool to kind of like see you guys over now three years or so, three and a half years of sort of watching you um, go from that pub upstairs to, from, you know, the, the, the old port catering to that crowd to like doing your contract shit to then getting the downstairs still having to cater to those folks whilst like I think it's a tough balancing act I guess is what I'm trying to say to be able to make this shit as well as this shit as well as the, the haze as well as the regular stuff at an exceptional uh, province like first class level so I, I think that needs that definitely needs to be celebrated because it's, it can't possibly be easy to even in your own head be able to figure all these fucking styles out whilst managing this thing and then going through a pandemic and then you know keeping that going in the location that you're at, which is a destination still. So people have to come by. They want to get that damn cheesecake fucking smoothie. They're going to have to come by, you know, <laughs> and and they come by. And they come by. It's that's, it's it's tough, but that's always within the interest of what's kind of interest uh, of what we want to kind of be doing. And like you said, the the pandemic is kind of limited on what we're outputting because it's what I don't like sometimes. Like when I look at what we get associated to is a lot of what gets done right now, which is like just a smoothie heavy some New England IPAs and the other stuff. Like, but that's not what we really do. We right. do absolutely everything because, it, and it's just, unfortunately doing a blonde ale is not- Can drop. Thing. All right, guys, this Friday. Dry hot blonde. Let's but go. It's like, but I want to have that stuff on tap and I want to yeah. have some of those. I Like, I want to sit down and I, like, I'll sit down and I'll have one of those 100%, but- it's not something that's gonna like make somebody run down to old port, put their their, their car on hazards, and run <laughs> in and grab like a four pack of 
my delicious, danky, unhot, <laughs> undry hop block. <laughs> do you hey, think your location um, is a big reason why you wouldn't do that? Like, I know obviously we're joking, but at the same time, what I've noticed is, I, I, I guess, like, I, I don't own a brewery, and I'm not a brewer, and I'm not a, an entrepreneur, so there's probably a lot of layers to this that I just don't necessarily get. But then I, I often wonder, because I look at, like, what you're doing, which tends to be, okay, what we're putting in cans is the shit that all the beer geeks want. It's the shit that people are going to line up for. It's the shit that people are, are like, the, what you're generally going to kind of guarantee selling out to a certain degree, depending, blah, blah, blah. But then, I don't know, I, I look at, like, Ganawage, right? Um, Drew is a great brewer. He does New England's well. He does other things well. But his can releases are... Um, a New England, and then like a Kolsch and a Blondale, and I wonder like why is he doing that? You know what I mean? And then I wonder like, is he selling those beers? Like, are they all selling equally? Is he selling out of the IPA? Like, I don't know if there's a question in here for you or not, or if I'm just if or if it's more just a general observation. But like, why? How are they able to do that? And um we're kind of joking about how you can't do that but is is the reason you can't do that because of where you're located or no, it's, if it's, it's more just COVID. like i want to make sure that i'm good kind of thing to, to me it's only covid it's kind of simple it's like i would i do a release of a white beer with a kolsch and i do an ipa 100 i would just not in drink cans? like in cans in cans yeah why not because okay. There's a big there's a big discrepancy of what COVID, like COVID does, where right. like nobody's coming down here to buy a Kolsch, like this just won't happen. Yeah. However, if somebody is sitting on the terrace having a Kolsch, and then going, oh, I'd like to leave with this stuff, and coming in and buying a four pack of Kolsch, one hundred percent, that's gonna happen. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's it's the, the it's the difference between both. The draw in kind of thing. It's it's just the different like so many. Like there's just beer styles and beers that people are willing to buy once they've had, but are not gonna make their way away from. Like just they're they're not gonna do the the schlep down here and figure out how to like, or just to have that style of beer. There's only a very marginal amount of, like as much as as we could be considered a hype brewery for what we do, we still don't have what I consider the ultimate hype hmm. level like status, which is release anything and it'll sell out it doesn't work that way we release a the the both times we release we release crispyology which is our pilsners they sit around for a month a month and a half like we don't do that like we, we've never been able to do that very quick sellout of stuff except if it's like a pastry or if it's a, a version of our brew juices that's about it but when it goes down to the other styles it just doesn't hit that mm. however when people come here like where we do our sales of cans more than anything was during the summer when people would come have beers and then leave with cans. That was always the idea anyway. Okay. Was how can we was was come have the stuff and yes I'd can a white, yes I'd can an IPA, yes I'd can a red, I'd can I'd can everything. Mm. Because it allows because what I'm looking for is for people to leave with the as much beer as possible so that I could beer brew then as much beer as possible like put something else back up so that's why i say like i think there's a big discrepancy between what we believe we can do right now because our volume shifts are so big 
Mm. We don't have our own canning line. We have people that come in to do that stuff. So we go from like, or minimum volume is like 2,500 cans or 2,000 cans. And then it goes up to 3,000 cans. And we have to live within that, that realm. I can sell, that's why the crawlers are, are doing semi good for us because it allows us to do those other things where it might just be 300 cans. And 300 cans goes very easily, but just like going that much more just sits. So we want to get some fresh product out and do these other things. So, and the other mm. thing is like once we actually start doing the on site sales, like our volume that we can do inside the brewery currently should, is only able to support a minor amount of cans during regular operation periods mm. it's not like so next year if you're trying to get brewski cans like it might be good luck unless we like massively expand because it'll be like up and out because everything will be sold on site in kegs not in cans it's a, interesting that it's a big it's a big difference like because our but me and craig can still get some right yeah you guys can come we'll foul or something they'll be good yeah, but yeah. it's a big it's a big discrepancy <laughs> so like winter time we'd hit times like unfortunately you hit winter we're like hey we could produce cans for y'all but we can't but nobody wants nobody cares right. and then you have during the summertime where we're like we can limit the amount of production that comes out <laughs> because like a can of beer that's that's uh like pretty much a 16 ounce pour that has a labeled can that has 15% loss on it, I'm selling for five bucks or five or six, like more closely, closer to six bucks versus a pint that I'm selling, selling seven to $8. So it's a lot, and that doesn't have all that printing, not all that labor, not all that stuff. So mm. the money's in the pints. And, and that's where we sit and that's our business is that. So like we're looking to see what we can do in the future, trying to see if we can find a space to allow us to keep doing something, but never as a, as a distribution game as much as just like being able to support on-site premise right. with products and so that we're, we can kind of just support that thing that we've created throughout COVID. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it, I, I would still rather as much as possible just keep creating all these these normal to crazy products, putting them here and having people come and enjoy them because that's where we want people to enjoy our beers is here. Mm-hmm. And hopefully think about the beer, like hopefully go home, drink it and think about the time we're here. <laughs> no, that, that makes, makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I feel like it's surprising to me that like with the quality of the beers and with the way that people know how good these things are, not, not just the smoothie, smoothies, but the, the IPAs, and then you want to talk the pastries, I feel like they don't get talked about enough because I guess just, it's, like you said, this is if this is your first real pastry, um, you know, people don't understand the quality yet. yet. So like it's, it's sort of surprising to me that people aren't like fucking creaming over these things and just like rushing to get it. Uh, yeah, and maybe once you do these this new sale, when you'll be able to order food and then order beer, that's is that correct, uh, Derek? That's what's about to happen. You're about to be able to order the food that you guys are doing with your executive chef, and then be able to be like, yeah, they give you four pack of that, four pack of that as well. Boom, and that gets delivered. That's what we want to try to go towards, but we're going to be doing just like a short Montreal island initially, and seeing how we can kind of expand through there. So. I love that. We don't know. We'll, we'll see. We're try, we've always tried to grow organically as much as possible. 
like it's only three of us that are like we don't none of us come from money which is kind of slowly growing as we can we don't have outside investors we don't have anything else so there's only so much like every single time and i'm just i i'm aggressive in how much shit i want to buy all the time so give me a give me a million dollars tomorrow i'm just buying equipment and trying to go to the next stuff of just because I think it's just like that next little step that we need to do to try to slowly increase what we're going to be doing. Right. So it's 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 kind of like a nice little slow ride, and we try to do it in a pace that makes sense, at least for us. Mm. But with always the mindset of that that like what we're doing right now is a new business for us, but was never the point. Like yeah. it was never really what we were going towards. Right. But so we like, love that we're in it. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So if you had, then this is, the, I'm glad you brought up that million dollar thing because that's got me thinking. Like if you had your ultimate situation, what would that look like? As far as like you, if you could money aside, if you could be like, this is exactly the setup I would want. I want a production brewery that pumps out cans. I want this brew pub that blah, blah, blah. Like how would, what would that look like for you? I'd say that the only like what I'm looking for in terms of money is creativity, like creative flexibility. Okay. So, in mm. things that I'm missing is like I want to do laggards. I just can't. I don't have horizontal tanks. I don't have tank time to be able to do it. I want to be able to do that stuff. I also want to do mixed firm sours, and I want to be able to do long long term storage of stouts. It's all like it's all these things I want to kind of slowly put in that require money, require space, and require something that's maybe, like, old ports is a bad choice for this stuff. Not <laughs> the optimum. Right. It's, like, not exactly right. what I want, but, like, all, all I've been wanting to do is just try to figure out how can I fill that board up with different things? How can I, look, how can I sit down there and, like, have somebody look up and go, wow, this is different, and then come a week after and go, holy shit, this, how is it so much different? It's only one brewery. That's what I'm looking for. So if we, if I had the ultimate goal would be like, is it to continuously expand this place? There is a project for us to do that. Is it to get us outside space somewhere to be able to, uh, to just create that variability of more long, long, like stuff that takes more time. Like there, there's beers that are short term beers, like New England IPAs are semi short. But there's stuff that just takes years to, to create and you start doing them now and there's like whiskey just three years down the line you start seeing them pop out. And those are all things that are massively interesting. But it's just like you, you almost have to look at it like right now we are in – well, with what we are doing in terms of cans is like doing that superhero movie versus doing like that artistic thing where I'm just right. showing my dick and going to the next thing. <laughs> 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 That's just doing it for me. So it's just kind of, <laughs> it's that, that slight little thing that I want, like, I want to make it there where it's like, I, I want to do these, these things and the brewery and the tap room allows us the money for, for me to maybe go down the path of stuff that really isn't financially, like, mm. something all that interesting, but in the scheme of things creates a renowned name of what it can be. So people just come down and have the stuff that is kind of not easier to make, but just faster and the stuff that actually ends up making money. Mm. Because there's like barrel aging sours 
and uh, selling them for X amount of money. Like a pastry stouts, like at the price that we're selling pastry stouts, is not going to be that much. It's going to be probably lesser value of taking a two-year-old aged sour beer that requires so much more fine-tuning on yeah. just because that's what the market's for. It's like this. Like there's only so much you can sell a burger for, but there's only and you can sell fish for so much more because it just has that inevitable value of like, oh yeah, right. it's fancy, it's fish. Like, mm-hmm. great. Like the cheapest thing to make in a pub is uh, is fish and chips. Yet it seems to almost always be the most expensive you can buy when you're on the menu, right? Yeah. So like pricing has mm-hmm. nothing to do with anything. It just allows. It's just it's it's something kind of interesting where it just let's figure out how to kind of do all these things and stuff should buffer out in a way that that at least there's a creativity aspect to it and we can just move forward and see what the hell it is. It's all about expression of something, right? Yeah, no, it makes sense. It sounds like if you had like an external place where you could just like, you could focus just on the pub from the the brew pub that's inside there and you could just make the stuff for there, then you had an external place that would be able to make the cans and pump that out, have a barrel program, have your, your pastry stouts, have your fucking barrel-aged sours, barrel-aged stouts, and just crazy shit that would kind of balance out your creativity. And, and also lagers, of course, with the horizontals and stuff. So you could do a bit of that there, and then you could just keep the stuff pumping out for the pub. Be creative, because what you guys, I think, excel at is being creative. I don't think, and I, I know if no one can speak to this, but like I don't recall seeing anything as creative as you guys in Quebec. At least in my time of, of doing the, the podcast, been five years. I've been doing the beer thing for almost ten years. Um, in Quebec, I feel like you guys are basically the pinnacle of what I've seen as far as the variety of stuff. I'm not like saying this because I've known you for a few years, but like I just don't. I can't think of anyone who's been doing that variety of styles, the breadth, with that level of innovation. Like the only way is joke hashtag innovation, and that's really what the fuck it is because you're doing crazy ass shit. That appeals to me, but you're also doing the stuff that appeals to the right, you know, the average person who's just popping by Montreal wants a fucking beer because they're chilling in Oldport. Like, you guys have this really interesting, like, uh, like, like middle ground of like crazy shit and and the traditional stuff that I don't really see very often. That it's 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 a it's fascinating to see you guys grow. It, it genuinely is. I don't know if I'm on point there, if I'm just boosting. Or... Yeah, I think it, it kind of de- it, it depends on what you mean exactly by innovation or uh, like the direction exactly. Like, <clears throat> I think you're on point in saying that I don't think anyone's going to that like that level in in terms of like I'm going to create a smoothie sour that's made of apples and <laughs> caramel I was just looking at it because <laughs> um, it, it's it's all it's it's like on another realm right yeah. um, I think there are uh, and and I'm only saying this to 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 kind of pick up the other people in Quebec but they're they're you know you have Sutton who 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 just does like Pat just does amazing things with Brett and goes in, in that whole direction, right? And then you have Dunham who does similar things in other all kinds of other directions. And, and I think what what Brewski is doing um, is is 
its own thing in a whole other uh, amazing direction. But like you said, it's um, you guys are managing to. It's as if your your canning line and what you're selling to the public outside of the brew pub is almost one really interesting, innovative, and fantastic image that um, you're absolutely killing because it, it it's. And when I say killing, I don't mean because of what you're doing, but almost what you're doing and how you're doing it in the sense mm. that, like like Craig keeps reiterating, it's really good, right? Because it's, 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 I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's, um, there are a lot of people who just try and jump on the bang, bandwagon and just don't do it very well. But it seems to me that what you guys have, or, or you or you and your team have done is gone like head first into canning and releasing stuff that's um, really innovative and really interesting and really contemporary and modern, but in a way that's um, really good, <laughs> you know, because some people try and do it and you're like, okay, this is fun. But it, it just, it's just not great. You know, mm. it's just like, okay, yeah, you're doing what's trendy, but it's not really working. Um, but it, it seems... I mean, it seemed to me before this conversation, but 100% more now that we've we've been talking for four hours, <laughs> that you're uh, you're so into this, you're 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 beyond knowledgeable and and passionate, and and like it's so much fun to 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 talk about what you've been doing, and and just t like the quality is just there, like 110 percent, undeniable, 110 percent. It's it's something else. I think quality is everything, though. Like, no yeah. matter what it is, be as crazy as you want to be. But, like, I think the one thing that should stand out, no matter what you are and what you do, it has to be somewhat quality. 100%. Because quality will last. Like, quality will, like, you do a crazy product, cool. Do it twice or three times, fine. But just, like, the, it's, it's just determining what, like, being critical about it as much as possible and trying to figure out what, seems to make sense but quality is everything quality is what makes any brewery last because as long as you grab something i'm hoping that when people grab one of our products it's like it, they expect it to be maybe semi-shocked into what it could be or something that would be different but the one thing i hope is that they assume that the quality is going to be there right. and that's that's as much as i can push inside of it because one thing i won't that I'm not necessarily able to push forward is necessarily a, a standardization. Like, it's always going to be somewhat different. Crack every single one of our IPAs. They're going to be different in themselves. It's not going to be the same iteration just throughout a different name. There's always something completely different inside of them because I'm trying something out. I haven't found my legs yet, I'd say. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to figure something out hence why when i was when you asked me that question about should i will i be making all these different things i'm like i think i'm going to try to figure out paths in which mm -hmm. i can develop recipes based on reactions so that it forces to, me to actually work within the realm of that recipe not just within the realm of what i think should be created because it's just the it, it's it seems so easy to make beer because of how it's just like kind of that uh that like that those few little bit of ingredients that you can use except for like the go down smoothies but like it's a hops water yeast and like hops water yeast and malt that's it 
but it's so complex and it's so much more complicated than that. And within the beer style within itself, it's just everything can be changed with such a marginal amount of change. Change malt profile, change like malt brand, change malt malting temp, like uh, mashing temperatures. It just kind of changes, and we haven't really figured it out. And every single time, something's a test. And I hope that in the future we kind of <laughs> figure where we want to be at, or maybe we never do. And that's just what Brewski's going to be, is just like crack something open and hopefully you're surprised. Uh, I mean, I kind of, okay yeah, too. I like that. But I, I think it's more just the ethos that comes with it that I enjoy personally. Like that it's the, we'll try anything as long as it tastes fucking good. Like you're not pretentious. You were telling me earlier, Derek, that you are more of a traditionalist. The average person would never guess that based on the beers that you make. Um, you know, you're not like, uh, not pretentious, not the way you're not like super protective of the styles. You, you know, you'd be like, well, these smoothie beers, ah, are they beer, you know, like, but you'll try anything. And I feel like that's this, it, it's, it's something that's not super common that I guess in, in my experience of talking to, to multiple breweries, everyone kind of has their thing. And I think that's great. Everyone has their shit. And something that you guys have had that I think is really special is that willingness to try anything and to sort of roll the dice and be like, you know, fuck it, we're doing a raspberry cheesecake series of smoothies, bitch. Let's go. And that's ballsy. In a market like Quebec that has been quite traditional, even though people didn't understand that these same motherfuckers that go to Burlington, Vermont every weekend for years because they couldn't get what they want, and then all of a sudden... You guys pop up with that. Masorum pops up. I guess Bar Canada's been there, but you know, blah blah blah. Like, finally, people locally are doing it. I'm like, what? Do I need to leave anymore? Because the shit but is like. Hmm. I think it's like a. It's a different mentality between. Like just what home brewing is to so many people. Like to me, what was home brewing? Home brewing was. What are we doing this weekend? Fuck it. Anything. <laughs> Yeah. Anything, just anything but the kitchen sink was the standard method of brewing for a long time for me. Of like, we'll just figure it out and it'll be good or it's not good. And that's it's it's a lot of what like you talk to to people that are doing home brewing and anything goes into beer, and then you go to commercial levels and it kind of drops off because uh, because there's like for a long period of time what was considered commercial levels was just quite big. Uh, it's only been slowly decreasing in volumes where like craft beer bars were like or brew pubs were kind of popping up but even then they'd have to they still want to appease the people like they're still getting all these people coming in so it's like you're baking those kind of the standard styles where it's just it's a whole other thing to decide on you know what like there's a big mark there's enough of a market of people that want the craziness of stuff that what that actually gets made like go on go on homebrew talk like most of the talk like homebrew talks is the forum website for uh, for homebrew people and every single time i'm wondering on how do i use this ingredient I just type it into google and guess what pops up and so a massive discussion on forums of homebrew talk of right. people going, i put this many ounces per liter it's too much like most of my research ends up being like how many ounces based on homebrew talk and then re like like getting that back down to math, like something that kind of works for a one liter test, and then extrapolating it to a thousand four hundred liters. But it's that's it's it's like I've always brewed in a way as if I'm home brewing. It's mm -hmm. how 
I think everybody does when they start homebrewing. Like everybody that starts homebrewing does like the first brew is like just a, a, a kind of easy thing. And the second brew is the most ridiculous beer that anybody's ever heard of. And it's kind of go down the path until they just like hit a wall and it just starts tasting like shit. And they start going back to classics and try to figure out how you can do those things. And it's very interesting. And that's if, if you come like I've always been a big cooker. I've loved working in the kitchen, hence why automatically going to like brewing is so interesting. Mm, it right. has science and stuff on it. But it's there is just there's a nice little uh, there's a nice intriguing thing of just looking at it in green and how the hell do I make that into a good beverage? Uh, and there, and if, if maybe beer is not the answer, maybe it's like, oh, this works in seltzer. Maybe this works in kombuchas. Maybe this works in like an iced tea. It doesn't matter what it is. But there's something interesting to come out and look at these things. And, and as I said before, it kind of comes out to maybe you go down. Like, if you look at like, how do, why are Russian skaters so good when they play in NHL is because they're forced to, to do to do figure skating initially so that they could only play hockey after that and they're fantastic skaters. It's because they learned these random skills in a whole other thing that they're, they're, they're similar, but suddenly it's like, oh, I could do this thing so well, suddenly I can do this other thing well because I know so much of this thing. So it's, there is no wrong path. And if you're not exploring a path because you have, like, you have issues with it, then you're just kind of stunting yourself and growing towards just knowing ingredients is a better, just in general, I would say. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, we, I'm guessing we probably need to cut this off soon, but I, I do want to ask you, because um, you brought it up, you, you gave me and Craig uh, a crowler of, of seltzer. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> can you talk about that for a, like a minute or two? Oh boy. Okay. So, uh, or an hour, <laughs> or an hour whatever. Sure. So, like anything, like this, the seltzers, what I gave you guys was just an initial test, which is one of seven tests that were done at the same time. Okay. Uh, kind of just seeing. So, what we did is I, I'm, I'm looking down the seltzer thing because, like, the first, the first brewery I ever built, I guess, in a certain way, was Boris Brewery. So I kind of grew, like the first thing I've ever done in the beer world was make an alcohol malt brewery where you're just creating these sweet, transparent beverages. So uh, when it came down to like seltzers starting to be more popular, like, oh, I'm, this is interesting. You have I, some experience there. Yeah. Experience, but also I'll just ferment anything. Right. So, so <laughs> like, this, this should be somewhat interesting. I want to, I want, like, I already have a good mindset of what needs to be done to do something like this. And so I went down the kind of usual thing where I created just a very standard uh, base of, uh, of just kind of dextrose with sucrose, but natural sucrose, because I just looking at kombucha is usually what I would do is just use organic like sugars. I right. did not care about clarity because I knew I was going to fruit it, so it didn't really matter to me. I just wanted to go with something slightly more neutral or more natural than neutral. Uh, then through seven different yeasts at it to see what it was going to taste like. So uh, the one I gave you guys was like uh, just SO5, which is standard Chico yeast, which is what like Sierra Nevada would use as a basis. Um, so what you guys have is actually just a raspberry, 15% raspberry secondary fermentation of a, uh, of a seltzer with beer yeast, not wine yeast. So okay. I, I, it has, I, so I did the test on Vike, 
like London 3, SO5, SO4, and then like multiple different wine yeasts uh, to see what would come through. So we tasted them prior to, to like, to uh, fruiting and then post fruiting. And right now only two of them have been carbed and the only one that's been tasted is what you guys have. So okay. we're looking at that step. So we've been tasting them throughout the steps and seeing how we necessarily like them. Just as something interesting, it's just like another offering. Again, mm-hmm. with the mindset of, I want to maybe put this on tap. Do I want to commercialize it? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Like, or we'll see what happens because it's this time of year. Uh, I mean, it's just being with COVID, we can maybe do it and see how it happens. But it's just, let's see what it comes to kind of tastes like. And I don't know if you guys want to crack it open and see what you guys like. <laughs> Is it um, an extract? Uh, raspberry? Sure. Oh, so it's pure. Yeah. I'd yeah. be really interested if you guys want to crack it, though. I gave it to you guys to see it. I know it's... <laughs> Could you handle it, guys? Sure. Just take a sip and throw it out after. I'm not throwing it out. All right. Let me go oh take God. a piss and I'll grab it. Well, you... I'll, I'll move around to go get it. Walk through the brewery. Actually, yeah. Give give a bit of a brewery tour for the folks. Noah, are you going for a piss? All right. I'll stick with you until Noah okay. comes back. So, well, we can do a quick brewery tour. This would be a small 200 hectoliter system okay. that we have that was sitting right behind the tanks that I was sitting at, which are like those four tanks. Mm-hmm. And to show you the new pilot, like not pilot, but pastry tank, I guess, is like this back tank that's in the corner over there. Ooh, that's right now. So it's fermenting a pastry right now as we speak. The banana? Uh, no, that one's just the base. Banana is uh, in one of the small guys. Okay, okay. So that one's just fermenting a, uh, a beer very slowly. Big, the big brew house would be the guy right behind me right there. Nice. The big guy, yeah, with the steps, nice. Yeah. And then uh, double batch tanks on my left and single batch tanks on the right. On there, okay. We can walk through. Well, everything's closed right now, anyway. So, the uh, glorious tap room. Oh, I miss that place, man. So do I. It's just the pub more than anything, really. Man, it's we such a been- fucking sick tap room, dude. Like, it's just such a vibe. Because the ceilings are like what twenty feet. Yeah, twenty-five feet about. Twenty-five. It's just like it's such, and there's there's, ba- there's something for everything. There's more than thirty taps in there. There's. 30 taps with one uh, cask handle one cask. also. Amazing. So Are you going to get like a uh, Luca side pull? I have one. Like Ooh. I have, like, you kind of, I can't see shit. But I have one side pull for the crispy. I have other side pull. I have another one, but I have to get the modified. Ooh. They don't have the same. Uh, the same thing? Yeah. Love the There's new people. Oh, he's taking. We're going for a walk. We're going for a walk. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go grab the uh, seltzer while you guys do that. I'll be back in one sec. Because it's slightly different. It's dark color. So, yeah, like you see, it's just a. I've only had two seltzers, so I've. <laughs> I haven't had like any. So like the only because I've only had a white claw, which was god awful. Because it just it's back sweetened with 
sucrose or I mean sucralose or something, sweet low, whatever. Something that would just give you that sweetness without anything. So this is hopefully one of the better versions of what it is. And as I said, it's something we might throw into the tap room, but they're just tests. This was a, uh, a corny, so it's only like we have 19 liters of this. 19 liters. Uh-huh. Literally just to see what it would taste like if we made it. So it's raspberry, obviously, and just clean and simple. I don't know what to expect. Not having had what it's supposed to be, if that makes any yeah. sense. Well, hopefully the next one you have, you're going to be like... <laughs> it wasn't as good as the one I yeah, had. Exactly. If you've never had one of these, it's hard to, to place yourself. Yeah. The whole concept is they sell themselves... Like, seltzers are sold with one premise in mind. It's the healthy option to beer. Because there's like zero it, sugar. Because there's supposed to be zero sugar. They're, kind of, they're almost zero sugar. But, and at least this is... One, it's real fruit. It's not fake fruit. So, hence why it's red versus transparent. It's something. I will say, for something that's 6% and has more or less zero sugar, it is nice. You know what I mean? Like, it has depth to it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. Yeah. Not stringent. It's not. It's just like it's that kind of thing that it's it's a very it's very nice. Should it be talked about? Probably not, because it's just is that kind of thing. You know, it's not not everything is necessary. Yeah, that's like terrible handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> it's gorgeous handwriting. There's no labels for it. <laughs> Let's do it, mate. I'm ready. Look, I've only ever had. Uh, I was telling you earlier. I've only ever had like the ones with the the. I've never had one with real uh, fruit in it. So I'm excited. Bebo's had real fruit. I, I didn't get a chance to try it. No, we didn't try Bebo's either. Neither did I. Bubbles. <laughs> With that creepy clown. <laughs> Look at that, mate. Look at that raspberry. It's good. I, 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 I'm kind of at a loss because it has <laughs> that amazing it's great. raspberry Seltzer. funk to it, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. That rich raspberry yeah. depth, yeah. but with literally Only no limits. sweetness. Because it has no bitterness or astringency, it's just kind of like, like everything's just like scraped away. I don't know. But you know, exactly. It's just funny because it's one of the, as I said, it's like something that it's mm. nice. It's nice to have. It's nice to drink, but it's funny to talk about it because yeah. it's just, it's, it's it's like sitting around a table and enjoying a nice bush. <laughs> should we really be talking about the bush, or should we just su- shut the fuck up? Talk I about something. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> do me a favor. Don't ever Ray compare. Talking about bush. Oh man, I'm a big bush fan. You know, grow it out. You know, I don't like veet on there. Just let it grow. Like I just like I don't know. I fuck with like. I just like anything that's fun. I really dislike it when people try and be the fun police with beer because we're getting drunk. So that's why I kind of have like <laughs> problems with the traditionalists. Like 
whilst I very much respect and admire all the traditional styles and what it takes to do that, uh, I, I don't take any any issue with any of the fun stuff, the smoothies, the pastry stuff, the fucking whatever, whatever. So seltzers to me, someone was trying to say, say to me the other day, they were like, yo, is seltzers beer? And my immediate thing was like, nah, it's not fucking beer because it's not the same thing. Sometimes they're made with grain, but uh, I, I asked you earlier, and I think you said it is beer. Is that accurate? It's designated as beer, but without necessarily being beer. Right. Like, because... Uh, it's categorized as an alcohol malt, at least in most places. Like most, most seltzers are categorized as alcohol malts. So alcohol malts is a beer product, but there's no designation on the amount of malts required to make an alcohol malt. Okay. So it could be next to nothing and it still works. So it's like, let's, if you go into a SAQ, it could be various. You go into one, you'll have a vodka base, you can have a wine base, you could have cider base. It kind of really varies. But seltzers, most of the time, are just fermented sugar with, like, in Quebec, you'll have to put a touch of malt to throw it into alcohol category. Okay. So, to be, now that we're doing it, fuck, I'm, I'm glad we're actually talking about it because this is uh, interesting to me. Being that this is a small batch, you know, from a brewery, seltzer, what did you, can you talk about what you made it with and what makes it? And listen, yeah. you, you talked about that when I was... Pism, I think I, I definitely did. <laughs> then never mind <laughs> but, if you're no, talking about it. It's, it's literally just it's dextrose, sucrose, SO5, so like and yeast nutrients to try to to because the one thing about fermentation is that you need something called fan, okay. which is free amino nitrates, nitrates, and if you don't have nitrogen, sorry, and if you don't have that which you can't get from sugar, you need to add it back. So you need to throw in some uh, some yeast nutrients at it. Um, okay. So that's the only thing that really requires that easy. And if you're doing something like what I did here, which is five percent alcohol, there's not that many off flavors as much as long as you give enough energy, no, like, like yeast nutrients. It's, okay. If you're hitting it to like what a lot of producers of seltzers will do is like twenty percent and then dilute it back down. So that's where you get off flavors because it's stressing the yeast out. So it's like kind of that easy. And throw, throw real fruits at it and just be kind to it and just get a seltzer. And it's good. But it's, uh, it's scary how easy to drink this is. I mean, keep in mind, I just finished drinking a, a 12% pastry stout. 12%. So this seems to have no alcohol in it. I, I w- I'm curious what this would taste like at noon. <laughs> probably about the same it's very yeah <laughs> yeah this is like a pleasure to drink yeah it's the kind it's it's almost watery and it's nice and it's it, it's it's just kind of refreshing in many ways kind of but scary yeah but it's like that low-ish <laughs> kind of scary. Under five. yeah man like this is like well, it's, what I five, was it's 4.8 but to yeah me it just tastes like water with raspberry basically yes raspberry so, essence but it doesn't taste like an, est- uh, an extract. No. And it doesn't have any sweetness. So it, uh, it manages to bridge that gap kind of beautifully. And again, I'm drunk, so maybe it tastes better than it really does, but I'm really enjoying it. No, it's like it's almost like needed at this point. Like, particularly well, after. Everything that you've had has been fucking double IPA with pineapple, with uh, brew cake, str- like with what yeah. you've. It's been an intense night, guys. Yeah. 
But and I'm, I'm but looking I, at the when you, when you when you lead with all those beers and you go back to something light, you're like, oh, this doesn't taste like anything. But this does. It has it a, does a richness to it. The, yeah, that raspberry really comes through and has that that fresh raspberry. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like that. fresh. It is. It's bright. It's definitely bright. And like even uh, like I was telling Derek when I saw you earlier, bro. I was like, you know, we, the only seltzers I'd really tried. I'd been with my mate Rob in Vermont. He showed me White Claw and Truly, and then I tried the guys out in Ontario. We did a podcast with them, and that was the only one I tried. But that wasn't neat. None of those seltzers uh, um, were using actual puree, and this is, and it's quite obvious that there is a difference between a seltzer that has actual you know, fruit puree and then how that has maybe a flavor extracts and stuff like that. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I think there was this dude earlier who commented, he's kind of seemed like he was a little spammy. So I didn't kind of, and we were in the middle of a conversation, but he was like, yo, had, you know, Hey, if you hate seltzers like me, say something. And I was like, I, I kind of ignored it, but cause I don't hate seltzers. And, I feel like there's a there's a there's a quite a misunderstanding. It's almost like seltzers are right now are where smoothies were like a year ago. Like I feel like smoothies are starting to be understood and hated by some, but but Canadians don't get seltzers yet because they who who else are doing them on a craft level? I mean, there's now now you guys on a small level. I hope you're about to ramp it up. We got Third Moon who did one. I I can't actually think of any other craft brewery in, in Ontario or Quebec who did one off the top of my head. Well, didn't Oshlag do one or something? They did. I'm sorry. Correct. I yes. heard somebody doing some recently. It's just like the difference between, well, what craft does all the time is kind of go back to the basics using real ingredients, using real yep. everything. So it's always kind of that thing. So obviously I think anybody who ends up doing the craft version of a seltzer should be colored because hopefully they're using real fruits. No, they're not. Just... Because otherwise, just they're they're doing the same thing of what was being done before. It's what crafts always did: go into it where they everybody's using these crazy adjuncts. I remember when we started brewing with, like, when I started home brewing, adjuncts was like just a bad word. You just cannot mm. use adjuncts because it's like, oh, you can't use adjuncts because that's what the big brewers do. Right. And it took so many years to get used to, like, you know what? Like, look, everybody kind of praises Belgian brewers and. By like candy sugar, but exactly by definitions of what adjuncts would be, they're doing adjunct everything, and then like, you, and then you kind of just open up your the world to what it can be, and it's just like seltzers. I do think there is probably a place for it. There's definitely a place for people to consume it, and and it's just it's easy great. drinking, nice, yeah. nice thing. If it's probably made with locale and made with made with real fruits, I think there's something for it. And uh, I, I think it's something we're going to try to offer at the brewery. Uh, play. I don't I don't necessarily plan on outputting one for now, but everything can change within a month. So yeah, I mean, I honestly like again. I've had so many beers tonight, so who knows where my yeah. palate's at? But um, I'm really enjoying this. Same. I feel like delicious. it's much needed after all of the intensity of even the the, the pastry stout. This is like a nice sort of like a finisher type of thing. 
um, because yeah, it's so. I think I'm going to try and cover it in a plastic bag and put an elastic on it so that Jenny can try it tomorrow. <laughs> she hates so my partner hates beer, which is kind of a weird thing considering I have <laughs> endless <laughs> supplies of beer in the house. More for you, um, so right? I, I'm curious. Like one of the only beers that she ever could palate was like Solstice Tite. Even then, like every time I have a Berliner, I'll like try and have her try it, and whatever. But this is on another level. I'm mm. curious if she'd dig it. Yeah. She'd probably dig this more if it had like a sweeter touch to it. But that's kind of the fun thing about something like this is you could probably blend it with a juice, add something else to it, whatever. Fuck it, who cares? Yeah. What was actually weird is that if you look at Untap, the second highest rated brewery right now is just somebody who does like uh, they do smoothie seltzers. Oh, really? So, so yeah, what's a smoothie? What's a smoothie I, seltzer then? Is it just? I guess it's just a fermented out alcohol base that they throw a smoothie at. Like uh, what we do, like I was just throwing juice at it. I guess. I, not no, having never tasted one, but. That's number two. Pop on your untap. <laughs> just check to see. So you can just brew, like, yeah, it's called like I forgot what it's called, Troubadour or whatever the hell it is. But it's, uh, the first because like the first two, the first three are like meteries, I guess more or less. But the number right. two, it's just a, a smoothie seltzer. <laughs> so kind of an interesting. That is interesting. Top rated breweries, global. The second is Troubadour. Nano Brewery in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That only do smoothie seltzer. Yo, the number one is a fucking meadery in Illinois. Of course, yeah. What? Yeah. Yo, the, the first fewer meaderies. The number one Pips meadery, two Troubadou, third Shram's Mead. What the fuck, yeah. bro? You've never looked at first list. <laughs> yeah, I've all. never heard <laughs> of any of them except Side Project. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't know any of these motherfuckers. Let's get to know them. Okay, I know Mortalis. Okay, and I know Casey. I know Troy Casey, actually, so fucking relax. Casey's doing seltzers? No, 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 just saying, like, the top, like, it's past the top 10. Casey's, like, top 15. I'm just saying, the only one I've interviewed, I know Troy, because he's actually from Ontario, from Freddie Stone. Wow, that's crazy to me that, like, these dudes are doing, like, yo, that looks fucking sick. Hard seltzer smoothie, bro. Do this shit. That looks lit. Yo! Can you imagine how angry these beer nerds would be? Fuck them, bro. <laughs> Yo. Like, a while ago when we when I saw a whole bunch of hate, I wanted to make an alcohol free <laughs> smoothie. Alcohol free. <laughs> just I thought it was very funny. Yo. <laughs> you mean right. fruit juice? Yeah. Honestly? Yeah, so like literally just also a- called an alcohol free <laughs> smoothie, I think. <laughs> You actually could have probably like sell it very easily. Yo, this is actually fascinating to me. Oh my god. I'm so this is crazy. I love it. So that's what you have to do, bro. So we're gonna do a uh smoothie seltzer collab? What the fuck, man? What's happening? Yeah. Three way collab. It's four Three. hours in on a podcast. This has happened like two or three times yeah. ever in two hundred. We years. uh do you wanna cut it off? We do we have anything else to cover? Don't think so. Yeah, I mean, we could keep going for multiple hours. I feel like I feel like you could pretty much never stop with y'all, motherfuckers. Like this has just been a pleasure, man. Like yeah, we got like through has. three crowlers and three uh, pints. 
that's pretty good. I mean, I did have I had assistance to you guys, which is boring, but and and you had a drain, Derek. So you cheated. I had a beautiful drain. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious drain. Noah and I. This is our drain. God damn it. Yes. Now this has been great, man. Like I'm, this is like a pleasure. I'm really glad we actually did this with the three of us as well. It's really cool because I known you for three and a half years, and now like I know you guys had never actually spoken properly, correct? No. This has been a pleasure for me. Yeah, man. I think this um, is something we should be doing a, a, a couple of times a year. I'm not joking. Like, I just I see where you're going with this shit, and this is something that I want to make sure that we prioritize on what we do. Man, I, uh, I figured you'd be down. How articulate you are, and like your passion, and like uh, I don't know. It just lends so well to this format. So yeah, yeah I I would be so down with doing this again, but. Oh, not even a question. Like, this is just, like, I, I fuck with y'all from time. But, like, I just love the way that you've just, like, owned what you're doing and you've just fucking killed it across the board. Uh, I'm just, I'm really proud of you guys, man. Like, you made it dominate through a fucking pandemic with a goddamn yeah. smoothie, which is something you probably never anticipated to be known for. And, you know, yeah. right? It's yeah. not like it was, I, mean, I imagine that wasn't on the list, but you did it. And you made it work and, you know, you're just doing the most interesting stuff. And, and for me, that's really important in beer. And I don't know any other brewery who is, like, going balls to the wall with, like, across the spectrums uh, with that. So, like, you know, you, you already know there's all love from, from us, man. And uh, I appreciate you uh, as always. And this is really cool to have all three of us. I think there's just, like, a fun conversation. Um, sure. We could get a little bit nerdy, which we haven't always been able to do. And uh, thanks to COVID, you know, fucking, there's no rules, goddammit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, man, Derek, thank you very much, man. You're extremely generous. You're a great dude. You're a very talented brewer, and I love everything about your business. I'm here for it. Um, where can uh, everybody follow Bruce online, bro? Oh, boy. Uh, this is so Guillaume's job. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. We have, like, Brewski.beer is where our beer store is. Brewski.ca is the website. I think it's Pub Brewski on Facebook and Instagram. I have, I think it's just like Derek Robertson on Instagram also, okay. which I do absolutely nothing. <laughs> you got to promote your seltzers. Fuck. That's pretty much all it is. And yeah, it's been great. What's Thanks he? For, oh, man. For everything. It's a genuine pleasure. Literally anytime anything we ever do is uh, always open for you, man. Where can everybody come and get to be? What's the address? Uh, 385 uh, De La Commune. De La Commune? Right now. So, oh, Montreal. so it's just really really at the uh, the tail end of old Montreal. Yeah, you come do you need down to order online first or can you just show up? We do up? both. We do both. So there's always – we always have more stuff on site than online. Okay. And okay. we always pre-release on site. Okay. So just people can come up and just have anything. Is there like a particular day of the week that you do a launch or is it kind of random? Every, every launch is on Thursday, which okay. is, except if like randomly our canning gets done on Friday, we'll skip and move to Friday. But that's about the only times we'll ever do that. So every, every week, every Thursday, 6 p.m. online. And most of the times we're pre-releasing either Thursday day or Wednesday before if canning is Wednesday because we either intermittently change between Wednesday and Thursday canning. So, but Thursday online or come up and see us, we always have something. We always, we never fully release online 
to keep stuff for people coming in. So that's great. If you come here, you'll always have beer. That's we always try to make sure of that. I love that. And you that's just good go, to know. Yeah, right down Berry. If you're coming from Montreal, down Berry, turn right on De La Commune. Fucking boom, you're right there, mate. It's easy. You pull up in that bitch. Don't worry about it. Derek will lace you, give you a COVID-free hug. Boom, you got yourself to get the fuck out. Yeah. Boom, I love it. Uh, Noah, where can everyone... What, I don't know what that noise is. You hear that? Yeah, that's that's my funding. Just <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a seltzer. That's a seltzer working. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, uh, y'all know where to find me. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. What they might not know. Beerism.ca or on Instagram, it's beerism.ca. C-A. On Twitter, and, uh, Facebook is beerism. beerism, and on Twitter. I don't even remember. It's Beerism 1. I don't know why you have a fucking 1, but you have a 1. Because <laughs> I think it was taken. Who the fuck took it? You you need to run my Twitter account. Yeah, I'm a... Like, I, I'm a I need to just give it to you, and you just need to, like... Like, you just sync your other shit. And also, Derek, I'd like to humbly recommend that you get a goddamn Twitter so I can tag you. That's all. Because <laughs> I have to... All the Montreal... I, I swear to God, it's like 70% of Quebec breweries I have to... Un, like, I'm, like, tagging. I copy my post from Instagram. I go to post on Twitter natively. And then nobody has Twitter. I'm like, fuck, okay. So, you yeah. know. Just so you can get tagged, you know. These Ontario fucking guys are on Twitter pretty heavy. They get thirsty, you know what I'm saying? Those like, guys are jokes, man. Yeah, I know. I don't want to talk about that, but, you know, that's it. <laughs> so, uh, Derek, Noah, love you guys. You guys are a genuine pleasure. This is something that we're going to have to do more often. I really, really enjoyed this evening. We don't get to four hours and 18 minutes for uh, nothing. So thank you both very much, guys. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new drops. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. Check out the long-form audio so you can hear both bearded and unbearded sexual gentlemen like these two right here. Talk about craft beer every week. We'll be back, I don't know, next week at some point. I didn't even remember. It's a crazy next time. Friday with Brasserie Générale. Brasserie Générale, and I don't know if I have one either side. I don't remember. I got nowhere on most of them because I can't even host by myself anymore. It's ridiculous. Guys, we'll see you in the next episode. Get in here.